previously on Martini Giant. Which one are we talking about tonight? The reason we did not post or the other podcasts is we we did not talk about the damn movie. We're We're talking about a movie. We're we're not talking about the movies we're supposed to be talking about. Well, then clarify that. You said talk about movies. Did he not just say talk about movies? No, because we're 20 minutes into this damn podcast and we haven't even started. And in fact, we didn't even get the name right. right. Which is, by the way, is not Pelham123. It's Married to the Mob with Matt Modine. No. The taking of Pelham123. He was like Brady was such an awesome, awesome kid to talk to. It was just, just spectacular. Speaking of awesome, is anybody? This is a left turn, Chris. Here it is. Fuck it. Take I don't it. care. Right, back Do to Star it. Wars. Do uh, it, Brady. The that situation. Oh, I said that quickly. too. I forget what I said. Drop the. Drop that's the why anger you wake quickly. up in the morning, you write things down. Yeah, that's right. Drop the anger quickly. Do you guys worry about your memory? I don't know. Yes, I do. My memory is shot. Me too. Um, but, um, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 19, which is the 2019, meaning this year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. This movie, as of this recording, is still in theaters. And uh, we needed to do this movie. Uh, if any of you guys have listened to this podcast regularly, you know that all of subjects we covered, and if you've seen this movie, which is an important prerequisite to listening to this podcast, and I'll get into that in a bit, uh, this, basically, this movie is uh, almost was custom made for us in terms of what we discuss on the podcast. Uh, very, very exciting to have that. Uh, so two warnings. The first is, as I said, you have to see this movie before you listen to this podcast. We do not do any synopsis. We just get right into it and we discuss it in a, in, in a lot of ways. Actually, we don't get right into it. You know, it takes us at least 20 minutes before we start talking about the movie. But you'll get there. You'll get there. Um, but you have to see this movie. So big prerequisite. See the movie before you ha- before you listen to this. The second thing, the second warning you should know is that uh, this podcast gets very heated. Uh, we actually get, um, you know, pr- I, I specifically get pretty angry during the podcast, uh, which I think is a good thing in a sense that it real you realize that this movie causes so much anxiety about it that it, it causes all these emotions. Um, long short of it is Dan Thrawn and I are still very good friends. Uh, it's uh, we are it's, it's no problem there. Uh, I respect everything about him. I think he's one of the most amazing people. But he and I disagree on a few things, which is what we makes us such good friends. Um, anyway, that's all I'm going to say about this. Otherwise, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it. A couple other notes here, a little housework. Uh, we are we're continuing to do lots of different podcasts. We will continue to have guests every now and then. I know there's going to be several of uh, several po- episodes you're going to have where, where there's no guests, but we are definitely getting more guests. Um, there's a couple uh, that we have that are coming up that will have some really cool guests and really cool movies. If you know of someone that should be a guest on the podcast, please let us know. And please let us know what movies that guest should be. Maybe that guest is you. Uh, we would love to cover it. Uh, it'd be really cool to have you guys on. Uh, and what other notes? Well, the only other notes I'm going to basically tell you is uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are available on all the social networks. Uh, on Facebook, we are uh, at Martini Giant or Facebook.com slash Martini Giant. On Twitter, we are at Martini Giant. On Instagram, we are at uh, we are uh, Martini underscore Giant. Or if you want to be an old school guy like me, 
you can just email us, which is just podcast at martinigiant.com. Love to hear from you. All right, guys. That being said, please enjoy this amazing episode, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, by Mr. Quentin Tarantino. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Eric. Um, we are recording, Eric. Okay. Now we're recording. We got all the NDA stuff out of the way. Yeah. Uh, and Eric was very kind, uh, again, as he always is, and brought in a bottle of <clears throat> Pendleton, which is a blended Canadian whiskey. We haven't done Canadian whiskey yet. That's true. We're incorporating a whole new... We're incorporating uh, uh, you know, uh, a whole Canadian theme to this, which yeah. is strange because... Vancouver is considered uh, uh, the uh, Hollywood North. That's right. Well, I mean, I think with uh, with our popularity in uh, in the um, uh, in certain uh, northern European countries, uh, we are slowly taking over the above the Arctic Circle podcast line. Yeah. Y- yes, we are. So nice. We're huge in Greenland. We're huge in Greenland. We're not actually. There's we, my podcasts don't get much <laughs> listenership in Greenland. <laughs> Uh, which is a shame because it's a goal. You know, when you look at it on a map, there's of all the places that you know. There's usually like dark green for like areas that listen to a lot, and light green, et cetera. But Greenland is always white. Meaning yes. No one listens to my podcast in Greenland, which is really a shame. I mean, Greenland, Greenland is is not green, right? The Greenland is is uh, it's white. Is purely, I mean, like an it, actual. It's actually right? turning green right now. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yes, true. Greenland is uh, is getting. It's like you know what? My name has been. Misused for so long. Instead of me trying to convince people to call me Whiteland, I'm just going to turn green I'm just by melting away green. all this ice. Yeah, exactly. Way to, way to you know uh, steer into the turn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Good job, Greenland. Exactly. Leading leading the way for us into our um, our blazing future. All right. So, Eric, uh, we are going to try this fantastic uh, whiskey here. That looks lovely. Yeah. It's. It is lighter in the glass than it is in the bottle. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, no, I'm just I think it's confusing just, myself. That's all right. Yeah. I, all I right. thought it was like, because it looked like a Coca-Cola brown. Let me see. And then it looked up. Sm- Ooh, it's, it smells potent. It's definitely potent. How are you doing, Eric? Good. Thank you so much for this. That looks very nice. No, give me the report. What's going on? You want to smell it? Just I can sm- smell it. Yeah. Do something with me. Oh my god, that smells nice! It smells like really nice perfume, like maybe like a, a like a drunk person's it's, perfume. Uh, it's a uh, it's boozy. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it's got that cutex kind of like you know, tang to it. <laughs> it's pretty good. That looks pretty Canadian, a very very rye. Yeah, it's got a yeah. lot of rye in yeah. it. It's almost like a good like um, terp. Turpentine. Thing. Oh, it's a pain. sweet turpentine, like a you nice know, aged turpentine. turpentine. It's like you know, turpentine to mix yeah, your paints. The turpentine that you found like in the back of the of the garden Grandpa, shed. Grandpa, you know, can I use that's your that's turpentine? The, if you get turpentine, yeah, Grandma, can I use your tin turpentine? Barrel and aged yeah. turpentine. No one has ever made a whiskey called Grandma's Turpentine. <laughs> <laughs> the Terps. Yeah. Uh-uh. Well, season the way I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Grandma's turpentine. I have seen now. Not a, available at Costco. There's a lovely. Uh, 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 there's a lovely whiskey that I had, a bourbon, I think, that was in basically what it looked like a turpentine can uh, that I got at BevMo one time, and it was really, really something. It gets better with every taste, this one. That's yeah. nice. Looks great. Yeah. Looks great. Yeah, it gets a little jolts on the first first sip. It's jolty. Yeah. 
It's good. It is definitely strong. It has the wavy lines Let above it when you hold up the glass. Um, is it? Is it? What is? I mean, because sometimes some of these can be. Oh, it's eighty proof. Okay, so it's it's been uh, softened a little bit. Just a touch. What do you mean softened? It's eighty well, proof. Well, eighty proof is what forty percent. What what's acceptable? Right. Because sometimes some whiskeys, most whiskeys are actually way stronger than that, and they sort of soften it down right. to eighty right. proof. But they can be, you know, one hundred and fifty proof. Or what's grain alcohol? Uh, basically, way stronger. 200. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is alcohol. It's so. alcohol. That will that will get you screwed up. Yeah, then yeah, no, that's that's be, brain damage. Level. Yeah, it's actually it's quit because it's poison. That just is a, a little Wikipedia fact for you. Alcohol is poisonous. <laughs> oh, it is. But yeah. yeah, I've had some before. Yeah, but the alcohol, pure grain. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it'll fuck ever clear. Have you had that? that uh, in uh, watermelons at a party oh, yeah, in South Carolina in yeah. Charleston, yeah. 1987. Yeah, that'll, that'll. I got alcohol poisoning. That's yeah. how to do it. That's how to do it. There are. There was a... sick for about two and a half days. Oh, I mm-hmm. bet. There was I a... could not. I was constantly sick and drunk for about two and a half days. That's that's unhealthy. It was unhealthy, yeah. and I kind of didn't know that was going to be the effect. I mean, I just is that Maybe a party? It was the watermelon. I mean, don't don't like rush. No, to it was the that. watermelon, but yeah. I just had a reaction to. I didn't eat a lot of the watermelon. That's oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose that's the that's the science we needed. It's the uh, there was a party I went to in college, a frat party somehow, and they had was their cherry bomb party, and they'd have cherries that were soaked in two cherries, ones that were soaked in vodka, and the other ones were soaked in grain alcohol. Mm-hmm. The grain alcohol ones were very dangerous. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Bad stuff. Yeah. Bad stuff. Yeah. But this is not definitely not grain alcohol. It is, it is very tasty. It, it looks it, – this looks very like – this looks like easygoing dad fancy. Yeah. You know? That sounds good. You know? Easygoing easy going dad, dad fancy. It's like it's not – that's not like the impress the people at the bar, you know, order the top shelf thing. That's the sort of like you keep this by your Barca lounger and uh, for special occasions yeah. or like – Kojak reruns and stuff like that. You're just like, yeah, fuck this, man. Pendleton, let's do this. Yeah, it's, it, it feels like it should be in sort of like a. It should come in a um, like a plaid, um, upholstered case, like that smells. But that would make like it smoke. a little bit more Scottish. Yeah, this is so. much yeah, it shouldn't Canadian. Be like a tartan. Yeah, that's gonna. Yeah, it should. Uh, maybe I don't know. I guess. Um, I guess plaid works in Canada too. There's a lot of Canadians. Yeah, it has to be red plaid. plaid though. Red plaid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's the. Uh, that sounds good. That sounds appropriate. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're maple leaf. If we're going to make somewhere. broad and pejorative remarks about absolutely, Canada, yeah, and that's uh, that's basically <laughs> how what I think about them. <laughs> Nothing new to the podcast. <laughs> it's just just switching from, to from directors to countries. <laughs> <laughs> Canada's made some great films, though. Yeah, Canada produced David Cronenberg. They did, and uh, and Michael J. Fox, and uh, I've always wanted those two to work and together. John Candy. And John Candy. And uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. yeah. And Daniel Lenoir. That's true. And, yeah, I, I, I feel like that, yeah, I think that we there's owe a quite of, a lot. There's a lot of great Canadians. And yeah. they have uh, Chevy, Chevy Chase's? Rush. No, no Chester, Chevy Chase's not Canadian. I don't know. Let's say he's Canadian. Though. New York no. City. Chevy yeah, Chase is Canadian. Chevy, no, he's not Canadian. New York City is Canadian. Why am I thinking Chevy? Chevy Chase had done a bunch of things with a bunch of Canadians, and I think I sort it's of loved Dave, him. Dave, the guy's uh, the Internet Live kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a second city. Second and who is the other the famous Dan Aykroyd's Canadian, right? Famous, sure. uh, sure yes, I think he is. Dan Aykroyd's Canadian, and I think who is the famous uh, also NBC, born on July first NBC anchor who died? Uh, Peter Jennings. Uh, yes, Peter Jennings. That's right, Canadian. That's right, also, yeah, yeah. So we should like we should be nice to Canada. They actually provide a lot of a lot higher quality um, uh, performers and artwork than 
Yes, we, uh, they are. They are Canadians are pretty good in front of the camera. That's true. And mm. also, I just want to say Dan Aykroyd, uh, his vodka that comes in the skull. Dan Aykroyd has a vodka. In Dan a skull? Aykroyd yeah. has a vodka that comes in the skull. Okay. And uh, it wasn't that bad. It's a little bit vanilla. It's a little bit sort of vanilla nut to it. Interesting. It has been a while since I've drank it. Yes. Okay. How was everybody's uh, week? Uh, so, okay. So this is interesting. So we, my, the week before I was at SIGGRAPH, mm -hmm. which was hectic, uh, but good. I've never been to SIGGRAPH. And I was told to go to SIGGRAPH when it was in like Louisiana or something like this, when it was a madhouse. Yeah. Now it's just like a... A regular. Corporate. I think SIGGRAPH is still very important, but it's gone back to its roots. Like I actually went to SIGGRAPH and I got to see all the technical papers and all that stuff. Oh, right. right. Uh, which was great because normally I just go to meetings and do marketing crap. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say marketing crap. I, I'm okay with it as well. But uh, I got to go to actually see like SIGGRAPH, what it's about. Because SIGGRAPH is founded on a sort of academic research, right? right. Uh, and it was good to have that part of right. SIGGRAPH. Um, so I appreciated it for, for that, but I was very, very busy. Ooh, you know who I got to see, uh, do a lecture was amazing. Uh, the young, uh, woman who, uh, was, um, sort of the figurehead behind the, the image of the black hole. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. That's I, neat. I got to see her do her lecture about the, you remember the black hole? Yeah, image she came out she, in April? She's the one who came up with the algorithm. That, that could uh, do that it. That detected it. Yeah. Right. Oh, so are you serious? Yeah. That's pretty yeah, great. yeah. So I got to see her her talk. Now she also got a lot of flack because a lot of people were involved in this. Yeah. And well, she got a lot yeah. of the credit for it, and she was the face on all of these news channels. Well, like, I mean, it's not and like, she gave a TED think, talk. And all I, stuff. Yeah, I think it's good that she got pushed forward as the as well. Like, I mean, she's she's one of the people, one of the and there's a lot of people. Really yeah. good. So her lecture, a lot of her lecture was also about like and all these other people that contributed, like of these course. like these people. And, you but, don't photograph a black hole yourself. No, <laughs> it doesn't happen. That's yeah. a team because it involved a lot <laughs> right. of researchers. No, she was and, she was clear about that. The internet liked to pretend that she was not clear about that. And she made it very clear in her yeah. lecture that yeah. a lot of people were involved. Clear. But anyways, that was cool. And then I also, uh, you know, it was good. It was generally a, a, a good sick graph. But I was extremely busy, uh, and there was a lot of things uh, to think about after yep. a graph. Did you ever see the Insta LOD I was telling you about? Their booth? No, I didn't. Insta yeah. LOD. So for people that are just listening to this for movies, uh, LOD is levels of detail, and you're talking about rendering, uh, and used in video games and such like this. So things that are distant are, are actually models that are extremely low polygon and information non-intensive. Right. And as they get closer to the lens and need more detail, they're replaced by models that are very high polygon and very good looking. Is that correct? More or less? Is that yes. a stab? Yeah, but Insta LOD, you're correct. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, when I was at that company in MacArthur Park, you used to have to. By the way, you used to have to make those yes. levels of detail by hand, right? For exactly. every level of detail. Right. When I worked in video games, we had to make models that were like models of people that were like twelve polygons and models of people that were like five thousand polygons. Right. And it swapped them out on the fly. Right. Okay. These guys in Germany, I, I the demo I took about a year ago, it was amazing because you can take scanned materials, and in three minutes, convert it to a brand new quad mesh, and then convert it down and send it to Unreal. Wow! 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 And That's then, incredible. if you did trees, it will break it down to different levels and even make it into cards that faces cameras. Oh, that's wow. great! Yeah. And for characters, still retaining the 4K, 
And then one of the features they were talking about, which is now implemented, you can just take your photos and submit it in, and then it will be like reality capture, and it will just make your model. Oh, my God. Then it mesh it out, and it goes up to like 10, 12K. It's the most – I mean, it could take any scan, mm-hmm. um, anything, and just break it down to, to quads, UV'd, everything. Right. It's pretty phenomenally fast and amazing. Mm. It's a little expensive per month, but – if you're a company, it's yeah, it crazy beautiful. Right. Yeah. Uh, again, for listeners that may have tuned into this for the first time, we are a bunch of uh, professionals, <laughs> special effects, and visual effects people. Yep. That's, uh, that is our day job. And uh, though the the podcast is not specifically about that, sometimes it bleeds in because we do this. Yep. All the goddamn time. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So uh, check it out. I think just quickly, and yeah. I could say it after. I, as Chris, uh, considering I saw the Vlad talk. Yeah about basically high resh mesh stuff that it was almost like a scan and you mm-hmm. can still render it mm-hmm. hand in hand. Okay. Because I'm, you should look into it because it definitely would, could be worked into the pipeline of what you guys were doing. Okay. That's exciting. That's super right. After exciting. I saw that talk with Vlad. I was okay. Like, That's why I was. Okay. 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 I'll, I'll definitely, I'm very curious, but we do need to talk about no, let's the, talk about the emergency of this. Oh, I was going to use this as the, um, as the, uh, as the crossover was, I, have you ever seen the Ricky Gervais show on, that they put on HBO that was animated? Yes. Um, I think that we should do a real time, uh, rendered, uh, cartoon version of us, uh, on this podcast. With the, they had the ones with, there were bears. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, that, I think that should be in And where you use, uh. Uh, Insta LOD for in case people want to scrub to our faces very quickly. <laughs> yep, I think that's true. So this is Martini Giant. This uh, is Martini Giant, and so the the thing that 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 happened is basically we were going to record a podcast. We had a couple of ideas, but then Dan said, uh, "You have to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood." Yes, uh, and I said. Okay. And I usually, honestly speaking, I'm not the kind of guy that goes to the movie theaters and watches movies that much anymore. Is it because it's too fucking expensive or too fucking crowded? Or it's too expensive. Well, it is expensive, but that's actually not the, it's too much of my fucking time. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't go to the theater it's, a lot. It's a gas. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a got to be a special event to drag you there. Right. So I was like, all right, well, this is important. So, and if Dan tells me to do it, it is. So I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, we switched gears and last minute said we need to record this uh, this podcast. Um, so we're going to record it. We have not discussed this movie nope. at all. This is this is raw. This is raw. <laughs> so we all saw it, uh, and we this this podcast is probably going to come out as a bonus episode, meaning not on a normal schedule. So we usually do a biweekly. So this may come out on the in between Wednesday or something like that. Yep. Uh, but we will put this out uh, much sooner because it is very, very fresh and uh, current information. So we should talk about it. So uh, I also think that what we normally do on our podcast is because mostly we talk about you know obscure seventies films, or whatever. We just go ahead and just give a synopsis of the film, which takes us the entire length of the podcast to get through, <laughs> more or less. But for this one, I don't think we even need to get to a synopsis of the no. film. No, yeah, I mean, most. I think most people that are going to be listening to this are probably they will have seen it or they're planning on seeing it. Right. I would definitely say because I think we should talk about spoilers for this. In oh, order we, for it all yeah. to make sense. This, like, this is, you need look, to go see it before you listen to the podcast. Yes. Yeah, so like, pause, 
pause now if you haven't yeah. seen it. Go to your local theater, watch this podcast, watch the movie, and then come back to the podcast yeah, or something. There, there's there's things that you just don't. You just go go check it out. It's a, right. That's the best way to do it. That's right. The best way to do it. Uh, and in the meantime, before you take off, we we do want to say, oh, we are looking for uh, suggestions. Yes. Uh, about uh, what you guys would like us to cover. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, or maybe uh, who you would like us to try to approach to get on the podcast because we've done a lot of guests and we've had a, a really good time with that. And I have a couple of guests uh, that are already interested uh, that are coming on board, so we'll work on that. And, and they like the show. What was that? They like the show. They like the show. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been it's been a good time. And people, like, they bring the movie that they want to talk about mostly. Uh, yep. and, uh, and then we... Uh, bite into it with them. It's really, it's really been a great time. Uh, it has been. If you have uh, suggestions or any input, please hit us up at what is it on Twitter? It's Martini Giant. Yeah, at Martini Giant. At Martini Giant. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Martini Giant. Mm-hmm. By the way, do you see who died? D.A. Pennebecker. D.A. Pennebecker. Yeah, yeah. He was like 98 years old. And if you were trying to get us, get a hold of us on Instagram, it would be. Uh, martini underscore giant. Was that an ADD moment? That was beautiful. <laughs> that was great. That was a, a, sorry, will not something be is on the top of my mind and I have to verbalize it right away. <laughs> this is true. That and, is a great ADD And moment. if you'd like to email us, it is podcast at martinigiant.com. And, uh, and yes, uh, if you don't know who D.A. Pennybaker is, he's one of the greatest documentarians of all time. And he passed away in his mid to late 90s, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can look up. I believe there's a ton of his stuff on um, – Dylan on the uh, Criterion, Criterion uh, channel, channel. Yeah. yeah, and also just to pimp out the Criterion, we're not sponsored by the Criterion channel. No, nope. but uh, we talk about it constantly. I was so excited to see an enormous, like a, just a bonanza of uh, Werner Herzog movies. Oh, uh, there was like, did you finally get it, Eric? You mentioned no. it. Oh God, it's okay. so it's so great. That is okay. my lifesaver. That is absolutely. I've been my life-saver. too busy working on my exercise videos that I just I don't have time for other media. Well, you should put those on Criterion. I like, yeah. hit them up for that. I think. I wonder if nice. John Jane Fonda videos from the '80s would be on Criterion. Oh my God! Yeah. Can you, yes, that what would, if yeah. they petition for that? Oh, that'd be fantastic. Like the first three, like abs, glutes, and yeah, and no, and you, and you could have like a, a commentary uh, channel track, so then maybe from Vietnam veterans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That uh, <laughs> my oh my uh, yes, but Criterion just uh, uh, dropped an enormous amount of um, uh, of it, awesome <laughs> like it's, uh, like really it's, it's like yeah opening number for the Clash. He just threw it right out there. Yeah, hey, it man. was just full tidal wave. Yep, beautiful. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm a Werner Herzog fan. There's a few that I haven't caught up on yet, including yep. uh, oh, actually uh, Fata Morgana, which is really rare, isn't there? Have you seen the one things. about the goalkeeper? No. What's the goalkeeper? Right? The goal it's called the goalkeeper on his way to the bus stop? No. Or something like that no. from nineteen seventy one. I saw that once when I was a kid. I Is was that like, good? It's just, it just but He's made like nine hundred movies. Movies. Yeah, it's insane. And he I, makes a movie while he sleeps. <clears throat> I appreciate it later because <clears throat> most films keep you moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um his movies and also I'm totally Brain farting right now, but you know, Ali, Fear, it would be. Fury, it's the soul. Yeah, Fassbender. Yeah, Fassbender. Uh, Bender. Uh, those type of. What uh, a fucking stunning like, Yeah, the way there's long pauses and, yeah. and moments to really just kind yeah. of. Um, things are. You can spell things out yourself or mm-hmm. can understand, which actually ties into the movie yeah. we just talked about. This is. We're, we're going to talk about. Here but it comes. It's yeah. those type of moments yeah. 
that I love. Yeah, All absolutely, right. dude. All right, well, let's get into this. Okay, so this we're here Tar- to talk about Tarantino's. Quinn Tarantino's ninth movie. Mm-hmm. He has actually said he's only going to do ten, and then he retire. has said so. He has said so. He has said that uh, that like he he is. It's always disappointing to him for uh, directors getting old and then turning out like sort of half-assed stuff. Right. And so he doesn't want to. He wants a perfect set of movies. And uh, so he's rounding he's rounding the uh, the last curve of his career, if that's true. Okay. Now I do I do believe that I don't believe that I don't actually believe what he's talking about. I, I believe it. I, I think I, I think he's got an out. Him. I think he's got an out. I think, uh, yeah. I think he's going to Soderberg this. Soderberg also sure. said, that said that he was out. He, he was, was going to paint. He was going to paint exactly. And so well, he's hold like, on, uh, 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 Steve Martin, he's out. Mm. Yeah, Steve Martin. I think Steve, I've heard Steve Martin talk about this. Yeah, and uh, and I think it's really fascinating because like he was doing uh, whatever his last tour was, like Wild and Crazy Guy or something uh-huh. like that, and he was out on stage and like he you know it's like nine million people came to see him, right. and uh, and he said that uh, yeah like there was some uh, gag or like something was supposed to descend from the rafters and like the, I heard the, this sir. Right. well so so this was on actually it was a it was a it was a guitar mm-hmm. uh it yeah, guitar, was actually yeah. on uh uh believe it or not uh jerry seinfeld's uh comedians in cars yeah, driving yeah, that's where steve martin was yeah. on that that's yeah yeah and what was interesting right. that's that's right. Right. what was interesting is that he was kind of funny but not really he was like a regular guy yeah right you compare that to like the will ferrell episode where he's constantly just joking on all the time yeah. right well steve martin was like nah. yeah it's just a regular dude right yeah very interesting. Yeah, and because he, I've actually I read his, I read one of his novels. Mm-hmm. And he's a good writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shop Girl. Shop Girl was great. Yeah, Shop Girl was great. And apparently the the one he did about art collection, the novel about art collection, is really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he yeah, also he, had another one from the eighties. Oh yeah. Uh, God, what else has he done? He did. He's done something else that I've read. Cruel Shoes. Cruel Shoes. Cruel Shoes was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Right. Um, but yeah, no. He once he was on the stage to sum up Jerry Steinfeld's uh, interview, like he mm-hmm. just said. You know, like he got angry about the guitar not coming down or whatever it was. He's like, well, I'm getting angry at this? Fuck it, I'm done. Right. And he was just out after that point. I was really impressed with that. I was like, you know, like he knew when he hit the high high, high point and yeah, bad out. Yeah, down. So I can, I guess I can respect that. I, I totally respect it. Do you think Tarantino's going to do it? No. Yes. No, I think that Tarantino's- Really? You disagree? I don't uh, really know. I, I don't really know, but I could tell you right now, I know that he's a great, great American artist, mm-hmm. but he also- um, he I loves actually, a celebrity, I think. I know, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think you don't want to make crap. Yeah, it's true. Mm. And it is true when you get, you're getting older. <laughs> he is the type of director that if he misses a beat or if it goes bad, it oh, will he'll be, beat himself up. But it will be really fucking bad. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what totally, I mean? Totally. Because his type of directing, it seems like he just has to be on control and everything. Yeah. So, his voice is in every second. Yeah. Movies, and if, sure. if yeah. you skip that out and be like George Lucas reading the newspaper on the green screen shoots for the yeah. Star Wars, it's yeah. like you're done. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And he right, wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't I, I sense, I've never met him, but that he would just be like, fuck that, man. Unless I can control it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, because I feel like the like I mean I, I essentially agree with you. I think that he's not going to. I think that he's probably going to close out with like say he talks about doing Star Trek next, right? Like he might close out with doing a Star Trek movie. And, really? Yeah. He's well. He's definitely giving it some serious thought. He's testing the waters. I don't on see that. him doing sci-fi. I yeah. Well, but it's but it's '60s TV. That's what he's doing. Like I mean, if he uh, if he does Star Trek, it's because it's '60s TV. It's not because it's. Uh, Star Trek, you know, right? And like, and I think that like it's not J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Yeah, it's not J. I think that in uh, from I'm on a couple of I'm a uh, big 
Trek, old Trek nerd, anyway. And uh, I'm on a couple of Trek forums. And um, what? Uh, and uh, no. <laughs> you know this. Yeah, it's so sad. Um, really? But the, uh, no, we should have uh, David on to talk about this stuff. Like this, uh, uh, David Tracy? Yeah, David Tracy. I know he's a Trek, Trek fan as well. But the, um, David Tracy is a big nerd. Is a big nerd. I love him. Big nerd. Yeah, and yeah, big, 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 big is in, on, on the inside. On the outside, he's quite skinny. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, uh, uh, like, I think that uh, it was, uh, let's see. For, oh, to sum up my initial thought, the... I think he might sum it up, like sum up his filmic career with something like Star Trek, um, and then he's going to go to TV, and then he's going to uh, he'll do- direct the first episode, and then handpick other directors to yeah. do the rest. And of he'll it. just oh. like, so he'll, he'll, he'll pull a Fincher with uh, House right. of Cards kind exactly. of thing. And you can see that he sort of started starting to experiment with this because he did a uh, an edit of the Hateful Eight uh, for Netflix that is four episodes. It's the same movie. It's just cut up into you know uh, TV episodes mm-hmm. instead. And I watched it, and it actually played for me better than the filmic version did. Interesting, yeah, and like it, it had a better pacing, a better beat to it. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think he's going to do that again with uh, the. He's going to go to this. so his out is go to streaming. Go to streaming. I don't think he can. I think that his life is making movies. so. So I think he's going to want to keep on doing it. He'll be out for maybe a year, and then he's going to start getting really itchy about it. And well, uh, he takes his time between stuff. movies. Yeah, no, but he develops them like yeah, he develops them hardcore for a long time, and I can't imagine that he's going to be out on like his last theatrical, and he's going to be sitting around for like a year without thinking of something to do. Again, sure, you know, and uh, I think with Star Trek, like if he does do Star Trek, and like I said, with um, on the on the boards, there's a there's a big fight about with Star Trek fans over whether or not they want Tarantino to direct a Star Trek movie, right? Uh, and because they're very upset that it's going to be like, you know, like. Uh, motherfucking beat me up blah 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 you know right. like and lots of violence all this stuff and uh and my argument for tarantino's star trek is star trek is famous because it used to be extremely well written right and had big bold ideas and great performances and it hasn't had that in about 30 years like star trek has sucked hard for 30 straight years it's been okay. horrible yeah. there's been a couple of like bright spots now and again mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically been trash or like fun trash. Uh, and, uh, and to have this dude who is clearly weaned on that style of writing and drama from the sixties, like, I mean, his movies, uh, reflect that very deeply, like watching sixties TV and the sort of like uh playhouse 90 stuff and star Trek and the old Westerns. And that has never come more clearly than once upon a time in Hollywood. Like, this movie is has its heart like dead set in television of the 1960s, which for me is arguably the best period of television. Okay. So uh, how are we going to start this? How are we going to talk about this movie? I don't know. Who wants to go first? Or should we like – Eric, uh, what do you think? Take a temperature. What do I think about which one? Uh, how to start it? Yeah, once upon a time. Yeah, or, how should we start yeah. talking about? It? Should we should we uh, yeah, each hold up hands as to what we thought of it? Or no, we, because my opinion changes drastically every five minutes. <laughs> Fantastic. I will start it. Okay, okay, go for it. Go ahead. I want to hear it. I uh, also, <clears throat> I'm fifty two, <clears throat> and I uh, I'm I, not fifty two. Yeah, yeah, beautiful man. Jesus Christ. 7167 NYU Medical Center. I yeah. look like a beat up dog on the side of the road. Yeah. This dude over here. I know. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. 
I Botox, I thought all. Oh, sorry, yeah, it's it's it so helpful. Yeah, um, <laughs> can't move your eyebrows, but it's really really looks good. I can't blink, but yeah. I feel and look great. <laughs> That's right. Um, one of the things for me, I as a kid, I loved seventies, sixties, and seventies California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was obsessed with it. Um, and I love and still do the Rockford Files. Probably, oh, God. Yeah. To me, You're it's the greatest television show ever made. Yeah. yeah. And I loved that world. Yeah. Um, and when I – and I particularly love late 60s L.A. scene, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I, I – like I'm a huge like uh, Birds, uh, Flying Burrito Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Coop, early Coop when the, Alice right. Cooper were in there out yeah. here. Uh, that whole scene, um, and uh, I just there was a lot of great, great, great music being uh, done, uh-huh. and I just I loved this movie mm-hmm. very much, and it was very dreamlike to me because it really I always was curious about that time, right, right, and for me it was a wonderful escape. I thought really Brad Pitt was masterful. He mm-hmm. was like. He's like our Steve McQueen or yep. even more. I mean, but I have to say, I mean, this will come out in the whole conversation. I love the film. Mm-hmm. But as I said in a joke, I love both films. Mm-hmm. Right. You did. I, uh, I completely I, agreed. Completely and agreed. I just felt when I walked out, the first thing that I said to my wife, I, I was like, I loved it. Because I was on, like leaning forward in the balcony yeah. just watching because I love 60s L.A., mm-hmm. And particularly this time, not because of the Manson murders, just because it really was um, the end of an era, in a right. sense. Um, and, you know, Stones at Altamont later up in, in the San Francisco around the Speedway, Altamont Speedway. But for me, it was really an incredible art direction. Yeah, flawless. Be- right, yeah. Flawless. And then you, you, and now, would you, how would you categorize this against other movies that try to represent the 60s or this time period? Like how, what's the I feel like the details, like there were a lot of beautiful murals. Mm-hmm. Um, the clothing was very spot on. I felt like the Playboy Mansion was. I just here's the thing: when I walked out of the theater, I said he did not have Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> right. right. Because right, right. Yeah. there were th- cuts there that I'd be like, I don't think if he had somebody as strong as a personality as him. As Weinstein, yeah. Uh, as, I, I'm not condoning Weinstein, you know, the douchebag, but I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, Weinstein's a horrible person. There's no argument about that. But, but what I'm saying he's a is controlling person. he's a controlling yeah, person. Right. So untethered, mm-hmm. he is um, – he couldn't control himself mm-hmm. because there were a lot of the those the scenes, and I know he's building up all these characters, mm-hmm. um, but there were a lot of scenes that I felt co- like the cowboy western things to get to those beats where he's with the to show his growth and how the little girl, right? It just went on, right? And right, it right. took you out, and then there were some. Flash cuts, quick cuts, you know how they would just mm-hmm. right yeah, in the middle, yeah, yeah. Yep. threw me out. Right. And then they had the voiceover. Mm-hmm. And the voiceover came yeah, as – Strange strange choice. Like strange choice time, because yeah. it was somebody saying, what the fuck is going on? Right. All right, I'll just put this in or I'll put a little blink like right. I did and ding right here. Mm-hmm. So he's now talking to us. Mm-hmm. But before, he wasn't right. in right. a sense. Right. And we meand- meandered into this world. Right. Now – I also – and you're going to say, oh, that's not true. I actually felt – I'm not asking for violence. Mm-hmm. 
we all know what happened. Yeah, sure. Exactly, okay. Right. I don't feel it's very and I I also said when I walked out of the theater, am I talking too much? No, no, no. This, I feel this, like I'm on a podcast. This is your view right now. This is, yeah. this is the Keep going, keep going, Eric. Keep going. Yeah, we I, all live individual I, I views just felt like, you know, I read – I saw an interview with Pete Townsend once mm -hmm. and I loved like early Who. Like the way his like uh, geek out, his the way the high watt – he was using high watts and a, a blues breaker and the way he was using his Gibson Les Pauls. Uh, just the, that tone he had right, right. was like, fuck. That was unbelievable tone around um, who's next. Right. Really natural but like a high clean end – clean high, net, high end um, – and he said, basically, we fucked up. We dropped the ball. Right. We had everything, mm -hmm. and we dropped. And I walked out. And I said, like everybody else in the '60s, he dropped the fucking ball because <laughs> the idea it right. went so well. Right. Because following Brad Pitt mm -hmm. was magical, mm -hmm. and when he went to Spawn Ranch, magical. Right. It's not about like seeing violence and a decapitated guy's head underneath the bridge because <laughs> right, right, they right. say he killed about 35 people. Sure, right. Um, but it was about what makes – if you're so happy, what makes you do this? Mm -hmm. And then that transformation. And you know, if you know about uh, Manson, he was basically like my life sucked. I was in – foster homes for my whole life sure. so his mother tried to sell him as a child for a pitcher of beer yeah god yeah yeah, yeah so, so he's like if he, i he, suffered he was born that, without a name if you yeah if so you if want, i suffered that much yeah why well, can't you right right and in a way it's a failure of of a, a social system to not care and nurture for in the way he he just went to jails jails sure. and so for me it started out – I felt like the real hero was Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. Yep. Even though he just kind of like meandered, he was a real person. And yeah. when he took drugs, mm -hmm. he – Away we go. Away we go. <laughs> but the thing is I actually thought – because I – sometimes when I watch movies and they're that like blue, white, and red. Right. Kozlowski, whatever. I, yeah, right. uh, you just wander into that world. I yeah. love films where – um, blue especially blue is blue. one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, yeah, and you just wander into that world and you feel like you're there. Yeah. The thing about it for days I've been thinking about this movie just like when I walked out of Goodfellas and mm -hmm. it was for like 2 weeks all that's I a, did That's a great comparison point right there which you just said Goodfellas like that's like that's Because uh, it was an immersive world. Yeah, yeah, right? Completely. But I felt his thing mm -hmm. the way he resolved it when he goes to the wrong house and the whole thing right. was the same immature reaction to the 60s <laughs> right. that the fucking right. – because he had a masterpiece. Right. I actually th – because a lot of movies I watch, I'm like, oh my god, I know the end or this right. is how I do it. And I was like, he's going to smoke the Alice, the dip cigarette, right. walk down. And when that girl went back to the car, I thought it was going to be Andy McDowell's daughter. Right, right. Right? Because one did leave, Casabian right. girl. Mm -hmm. And she saw him and he was like a father figure. Yeah. He would have slept with her but he didn't. Yeah, right. And then she takes off and he's about two football fields behind him and he's so fucked up. He just listens to the gurgling and the Folger woman coming out and begging right. for her life. Right. Right. And right. he thinks it's just his trip. Right. But in a right. way, it's like those reflective moments allow you as a person mm -hmm. to think and it sets up these moral boundaries. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you understand? You. Totally but you. he took that away from me mm -hmm. and I was really upset. Like, oh, this – and I understand. Once upon a time in Hollywood and this is what it's – will be right. but 
the whole thing about the 60s, it wasn't just about some fucking actor, right. whether he can get another role and right. build up. It was really about changing the world a lot from the Ike version of the 50s mm-hmm. on. And he dropped the ball because right. if, it was, if it stayed magical. Right. So and you think Tarantino dropped the ball on it? I do. Yeah, but, you, you think, like, but here's the thing. No, it's still a masterpiece. I can watch that movie again. I just – I was so heartbroken. You, like, yeah, you didn't like – I have like, theories about why we think it's a masterpiece, but I also agree because with Because I believe – well, look. It's not a masterpiece like, you know, um, Escape to Witch Mountain. But it is a that's masterpiece. Totally, that's a whole other podcast. That's another whole podcast. Oh, whole another podcast. whole podcast. Well, are we getting the, uh, the cat on board for, for uh, the cat from outer space? We yes. Gonna, okay, we're going to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the thing is – I. It was so – look, if you think about it for days after, mm-hmm. but the, what I think about are all the scenes with him and following his character mm-hmm. because so many people just observe that time right. and try to remember things. Yeah. But there was a lot of meaning in that time and a lot of incredible exploration. And he really going, captures that. I mean like he really captures that, that flavor in that he, time. And when he goes in to I, trek in on the right. Spawn Ranch owner, right. Right. George Spawn or whatever, yeah. he cared. Yeah. And and now Pitt, now as I understand, like he's loosely based on a real uh, guy who was working at Spawn Ranch. He was a stunt guy who was killed by Manson uh, later on. That was the guy that was decapitated yeah. under the bridge. Right, right, right. I believe that was. Yeah. And so he, he's sort of like like the first <sighs> bit of weird romanticization in the movie is that he gives that guy sort of a heroic vision to explore instead of what actually happened. The thing, but that's I, the memories, right. which is, I'm not plugging my thing, but that's yeah. exactly what my thing, thing is. My yeah. thing is. <laughs> no, my sh- the, the show I wrote, it, the, yeah, pi- yeah, no, the yeah, pilot's exactly. out today. Sure, yeah. right. And we finished the pilot today. Oh, great. great but great. it was like... We can't say what this is, but you will see it when it comes out. It's great. Well, if it ever makes it to that out. far. Uh, it's going to be But fantastic. the point is, it's the, basically the same thing. And I told Nance, right. think of my show when you sure, watch this. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, you didn't like – what's the yeah about? I have problems. With what? The whole thing. Oh, I know you do. Uh, okay. I've, so may I predict before, beforehand this is going to be a nostalgia-based argument? A little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you had that look in your eye. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> okay, here's quickly. Before, here's yeah, the we, way – I interrupted, but I'm on a roll. Quickly. Yeah, go for it. No, for yeah. me, the reason why I loved it and it wasn't – I feel like I was let down. Mm-hmm. But I still loved it tremendously because of those magic moments where you just feel submersive in. Because my favorite book, and you guys know this, is Razor's Edge. Razor's Edge. Edge. And it's Daryl, the lead character. He just observed all the madness. And he just quietly went through the world and you saw it through his eyes with a narrator. This Okay. So so now we're switching channels. This is now Chris's view. I I loved uh, – the, the the two characters, Brad mm-hmm. Pitt and, and DiCaprio. DiCaprio, were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the best acting I've seen in a long sure. freaking time. Yeah, like almost to like, like DiCaprio so... was brilliant too. I'm not trying to just no, 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 no. Gotcha. They were both good. Yeah. They were both fantastic, and and so good. It you know sometimes when you see like fantastic acting mm-hmm. it feels like you're just trying really hard to be a good actor right like a little Meryl Streep sometimes I feel sure. like oh she's the god it's like sometimes I feel like you're just trying too hard to be the best actor. <laughs> well just ever. as an aside like I actually feel slightly the reverse about Meryl Streep like she's so good that you can tell when she's like this is really easy 
<laughs> she's like she's still good. And she's not trying. Because, like, because oh, I, I mean, I mean, there were certain <laughs> scenes. There were certain scenes with DiCaprio, like mm-hmm. where, when the scene where he's trying to remember his line in the middle of doing the thing. Yes, where he yes. bounces between yes. himself and the actor that's forgetting himself. He's being an amazing actor. Yeah, yeah. screwing up all in one take. Yeah, and and here and to think about how that shot right. He's there on film, single take. Yeah. You this know beautiful that, long arc around the back of Timothy Oliphant's head, right. all the way around to DiCaprio. Yeah, fucks it up. Fucks and he got to reset the entire reset thing. the thing, and he and redoes it, it again, and he does it really more brilliant. And to think that there's another director behind that director, right? That's and it's just, it's mind blowing, right. right? It's right. absolutely incredible. Right. And his 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 just he's a really great actor. Now, the absolute coolness. Of Brad Pitt is like <laughs> sort of unstoppable. Oh my he's God. sort of an unstoppable force. Yeah. He like, was like when he was on he's Spawn. The Marlboro Spa- Man. Yeah, yeah. You know? the, like, the Spawn Ranch. Mm-hmm. When he went up to the door and he knocked, and I think it was Squeaky From. Squeaky From yeah. was in there, and Dakota Fanning was yeah, yeah she's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Great, and just giving him that look, it was like Paul Newman in the Verdict. Oh God, yeah, totally, right. Totally, and it was just totally, kind of that totally. really. Solid but casual. I'm coming in here, I am and coming. this is not going to stop me. Right. <laughs> and he, but he goes, he hits the thing, yeah. and he was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And basically, and the, the 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 real life story behind that is basically all these girls were having sex with that old oh, guy yeah. just yeah. to stay there. Exactly, George Bond. He's getting yeah. all the good time from the the, the Manson women. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and, oof, boy, oh boy, yeah. yeah like, no, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm I'm not. I'm not tipping my hand on my my view of this, but uh, would you say that this is what like where in Brad Pitt's oeuvre, like is this top pit for you? This is very close to top. This pit. is top, top pit. It's yeah. got to be his best. He's very yeah. mature and he's very at ease with himself. And this has to be. I mean, it, yeah. I, I haven't seen anything when he was on the roof changing yeah, that te- like, yeah, TV God. antenna. Yeah. It wasn't much, and okay, he took a shirt off, and all the girls went woo. Yeah. But the point was, he was so authentic and real and just laid back right. in a sense like he commanded that moment yeah just yeah. like paul newman did and like when the way paul newman would sit there um you know when he found out the checks were mm-hmm. the, uh, oh, God, that, uh, uh, yeah. charlotte yeah, gansberg yeah and, we got to do that movie we have to like that that's just the, the this is the for people who are uh not uh understand what we're saying he's here, playing it's, it's pinball uh, when he's playing pinball story. drinking a beer yeah. you you just look at me like yeah he's an alcoholic that's one of the great images and not to sidetrack but like there's two of my favorite images in film are in that movie in the verdict back to back when he is playing pinball and he's taking the sip of beer and like it's him versus the machine. Like, yeah, that's what's going on. And the other one is when he is when the first thing you see is like he's got the obituaries laid out. Yeah, and it's just a shot of the obituaries and a shitty half-eaten donut and a brimming shot of whiskey. And he has to lean forward to sip the whiskey without his hands because his hands are shaking too much. I'm just like that told me an hour's worth of, of yeah. fucking exposition yeah. instantaneously. It's one of my favorite things. But that's what you got out of Brad Pitt. Yeah, absolutely true. Sure. Absolutely. He was great. Yep. He was absolutely fantastic. The, the, and that story, like you said, it was like there, the story is supposed, a lot of people think this is a story of Sharon Tate and Polanski, no. but it's the story about these two guys who mm-hmm. happen to be the neighbors yeah. or the neighbor. Right. And then he's the assistant to the guy. Right. And so, it's a very, very long, very long character development. Yes. Yeah. Was it's it a, necessary a loungy, to loungy have film. a film. long Sharon Tate buildup? Huh? Like following Sharon Tate? 
Yeah, what what did you get out of following Sharon Tate for? Because like her, nothing happens with Sharon Tate. I think it's fair to say. Uh, if so you, I, seen heard, the film, I heard nothing happens with Sharon Tate. No, way. there are some very long, unnecessary, I feel mm-hmm. sequences with Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. I understand why some people may feel they're necessary. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel they're necessary. Right. But uh, I liked her as a background character. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel she needed to be that present. Right. That's right. Okay. In the whole thing, right? I understand. And and I think somehow when he released it in Cannes, right, mm-hmm. there was much less Sharon Tate. They added another 10 or 15 minutes of her. My, my guess is mm-hmm. that entire 10 or 15 minutes was her in the movie theater, which I don't think was necessary. Right. Okay. You know? And so the fact that she was the background character was interesting. It was, what, what was the point of it? What's the point right. like okay. like just seeing her is like oh you know her much more as background was was actually the point because the whole point is the ending well whatever no you can just say it I mean, this is for people who have seen the movie uh, say the ending is it's well obviously it's so what was your interpretation of the ending oh i don't want to say anything yet i'm holding my fire on this one I'm why, why hold fire because i my, my, my i have too many I have too many things to say at once. Okay, start talking. Baby. Baby. No, you're gonna have to have your turn. I'm I'm, I'm ready to have my turn at any time. But your I don't turn to, start now. I'm, I'm I, no, I, I don't think. I, I, go ahead, keep going, keep going. Chris, you didn't like this film. I. You liked parts of this film. I I, I definitely like parts of this film, and yeah. I will definitely watch this film again right. many times. Right. But um, the ending. I mean, it's very – there's something very interesting about it because obviously it's like, okay, we're here. We obviously know you know Polanski's there. There's the, there's the house. That's where she gets murdered. We already kind of mm-hmm. get into this thing. Right. Now, by the way, the people that know this mm-hmm. are people that are huge Hollywood nerds. Yeah, right. Sure. right. Anyone else has no idea. A lot of people are going to watch this movie and go – I don't even know who Sharon Tate yeah, is. Yeah, no, no, I have a question. I have a question. Barely I, know. I think this is really interesting. I don't have an answer for this, but I think it's really interesting that it would have been very easy to like sort like to get the idea across that Sharon Tate is going to be brutally murdered in like in real life in this movie. And then she is she not. She is not. And so, uh, like, so this is so a why different did he, why did he choose to not even let the audience in on it? Like it's only for people who know that. What happens to people who don't? I don't. I don't. What do you mean in on it? Like because like, if you don't know, like, there are plenty of people, and this is a this is a actually there's a debate online right now. Right. Is like um, like why did he do nothing to let the like to not educate people going? It's not like if you see fucking Titanic, you know going to Titanic, the Titanic sinks. Yes. Like there's and if you don't, the opening scene of Titanic tells you the Titanic sinks. Like right. first off, uh, we can do that on our Titanic episode right. when we watch it live with Chris. But the, uh, uh, the this movie tells you nothing of this. And then I would say that I, w- I would bet that for anyone who is under 35 years old, they do not know who Sharon Tate is. They maybe know who Charles Manson is. And they probably do not know that, Char- that Charles Manson, Manson's people murdered Sharon Tate. Like I think that it's it's unlikely they may not know who Polanski is. They may not know who Polanski is. It's unlikely that they do, and he does not bother. He like he makes a choice to not explain that. Right, right. And so, what do you think? So, what, so, what do you think? He's so, what actually here? happened in real life is Charles Manson's people went up to murder Sharon Tate on that night. But what happens in this movie is they go up 
get the wrong house. Right. And instead, they meet they, Brad they, Pitt. They have a home, <laughs> home invasion into uh, uh, the Caprios. Who's, uh, what's the name of his character? Kurt. Uh, no, what's the oh, name? Oh, Rick Dalton. Rick Dalton. Yeah. Uh, they go to Rick Dalton's house uh, and then uh, – uh, fucking Dalton. Cliff – I forgot Cliff something is yeah. the name of the yeah. character. Brad Pitt. Uh, Brad Pitt uh, greets But them. they knew it was Rick Dalton. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. They did. So instead, but they were decided. Oh, we're not going to murder that house. We're going to murder this house. They're going to yeah. just murder everything. The so they walked right. into the, the the other house first because they don't really have a plan. They're just fucking. And because Rick Dalton yelled at them first, yeah. it's like we're just going to murder him first, right? Or just whatever. And Fuck then, this guy. Yeah, and right. then, um, they get brutally, savagely, but they killed. They did have a plan in real life, though. They did. Yeah, they had more. Um, they have more of a, in real life. They had much more of a coherent plan than they do in this movie. This right. they're kind of winging it. And then, so in this movie. so I had this conversation with another guy, a uh, friend of mine, yesterday. Uh, you know, because I just came out of the theaters and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Right. And I and and then he and the and movie I were radically about changes time. And his thing is, and I think he's actually right. It's like, what's bothering me about this? The 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 murderers. Mm-hmm. They're like the three fucking stooges. Absolutely. Yeah. They are idiots. They're clowns. They're absolute, and he makes fun of them. They're absolute clowns. Yeah. And everyone else was real life people, and right. then, then suddenly it turns into these guys act- are fucking jerks. They're, it's they're, dis- it's, that's it's why I said ad- it's disrespectful to the the people killed. Right. Yes, right. and it's an acidine fucking Tarantino film. After that, right. it's like, right. oh, you want some Tarantino? Here, I'm going to give you some dipshit. But by doing revenge, so vi- the- yeah, by doing revenge on them, you are no different. And it's no. really yes. just interesting thing to say. Yeah, but yes. you did fucking you tortured them, in, and in reality, right. it's just like everybody from the '60s. Mm-hmm. They fucking dropped the ball, man. Right. Right. You had a golden fucking apple, and to change the world, mm-hmm. and at the end, you just took too many drugs and you fucked up. Right, and then you said, "Oh, I fucked up," but to do the flamethrower thing. Right. You know what I got to do with all these white supremacists? But you got to fucking put them against the wall and shoot them. Like that's literally the idea, right? That's like that's what happened. By the way, yes. <laughs> they, for me, it was very hard to understand how they got the wrong house because they, they didn't sh- get the wrong house. They changed their mind because Rick Dalton yes, yelled at them. <laughs> to I realized I realized that, but the reality is is that those guys like Tex mm-hmm. Watson. Yep. Those are all real characters. Yeah, yeah. Tex is a real guy. Yep. They all listen to him mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. And he – the reason why you see him at the house early is because he really did go up to the house. Right. Because he thought Terry um, – uh, The Beach Boys guy. The drummer, no, right? It was Terry um, – Ter- Terry uh, uh, Boucher, I think it was his name. Mm-hmm. He was the record producer for the Beach Boys. Right, right, Beach right. Because right. Manson tried to sing with the yes. Beach Boys. Right. So Terry was the son and only son mm-hmm. of Doris Day. Oh, that's right. That's and right. his girlfriend that. was Candace Bergen. And yeah. they lived at that house. It's so weird how tied up And so he is, fucked over. Basically, Brian, who eventually died in 79 or something like that, the drummer, he died in Marina Del Rey because mm-hmm. he got drunk and fell out of his boat. Right. Basically said, here's $500 for the song, and they used it on one of their albums. Right. But then the name on the credits were, you know, Brian and I think Terry, not Terry Southern, but Terry Boucher or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, Melcher. Um, so they basically took it, and they said, well, that's the music biz, man. Come on. And he just, for him, 
You know, he used to sit in a tree and play guitar on Spawn Ranch. Right. And music was the only thing. I'm not apologist for this fucking douchebag, but mm -hmm. the point is music was the only thing that he felt I own because everyone else screwed me. At least I had my music. Right. And when they took that away from him, right, he was like, fuck Terry. Right. So that's why he went up there. Yeah, right. And um, really, um, he uh, he knew that house, and that house is very important for him to mm -hmm. make his point. Right. So there was no way they could get drift. Right. Because Tex listened to him. Tex is still in jail uh, in uh, by San Diego. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you look at photos of him, he looks exactly like an FX artist we used to work with. <laughs> really? That's amazing. Oh, really? man. Oh, man. Like, to the T. Oh, wow. You know who wow. I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. To the T. Yeah. Like, holy That's moly, funny. it looks That's like this funny. guy we used to work with. That's funny. Um, and he he's in for life. Right. But the point is they listened to him. Right. And so for me, that's where I was like it was following like a real movie and a real moment because mm -hmm. everything was detail oriented. Right. Even though the cut was loose. But why why change this? Because you're making it a Hollywood ending and happy. But in the reality why, why, is why is he doing that though? Because he doesn't there was no reason to do that, to mm -hmm. take the liberty, but at the same time he's gonna say Oh, I'm like, you know, I'm an artist taking liberty, so fuck you. This I'm an artist, I can do whatever I want. And and Do you think that he's like, what if this happened instead and then Polanski would have had a more normal life after that? Mm -hmm. If he sure. did, yeah. if he did, so is he trying to make excuses for Polanski? No, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he has lots of nice things to say about Polanski. I think okay. uh, he showed. I know he showed the script to Polanski basically to make sure that he would not sue him. But that was the extent of it. I don't. Th I think that okay. uh, that his feelings about it are not. He's not like you think. He really thinks highly of the movies that Polanski's made. I don't think he. I'm not sure how he feels about Polanski. Uh, okay, but I because don't. Polanski is seen in this movie as a completely normal person. No, he, he wasn't though. He's just like he's just sort of. He's a very side character. Right? Yeah, like he's he's barely he's barely in it at all. He's like he's the Sharon. Longest Hitt's, scene is him getting a cup of coffee. Yeah, outside. His, he is Sharon Tate's boyfriend in this movie. Yes. Like it doesn't really matter who the fuck this dude is. Right. Right. Like you know that he's a director. That's that's more or less right. the, the extent of the detail that's given him. But why do you care that at the end, you know, he gets a role? You think, oh, now he got he's got you know, does his second life for for the actor? Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's fucking Hollywood guys. Who cares? Do you think Do you think that Rick Dalton goes on to have a great career? Um, he no, he has hope. Hope for a great career, and that's what it leaves. Right. But right. that has, angle was so much like like out of heart to heart. Episode. Right. So so yeah, instead yeah, of, yeah. instead of Sharon Tate being brutally murdered in her house as a pregnant woman, right. Instead of that, Rick Dalton gets invited for cocktails at their house. And how does that scene play out? What does that feel like to you? What do you mean? Like that scene. He's like he lives below her. Like uh -huh. she's even further up the hill. Yeah. And like these big, beautiful gates open. Yeah. Right. And he gets to walk up into the, the happy place. Yes. You think it's heaven? I, it's, Are I you think, doing this other thing where you think he actually died? And no, no, I don't think dream? he died. I, th I, no, I don't <laughs> think he died. But I, I think it's interesting. Because you, you do know, that with but, a lot of movies. But Sharon, but Sharon Tate did die. Right. By the way. And so like like there's, there's def definitely something going on, I think, with the interpretation of Sharon Tate. In this movie, 
And uh, so, like my the when 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 my turn comes around, I'm, I would say that Sharon Tate's Sharon Tate is central to this movie in 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 such a core way uh, that it's it's sort of mind blowing to me. Okay, go. So, I want to hear. Uh, but it's I don't know. Well, what do, what did what do you guys think I thought of this movie? <laughs> well, the, the the thing for me is. I'm sure you have a beautiful through line for mm. all of this, but I, I felt like I the way they portrayed her was, you know, uh, you know, a little insecure, mm-hmm. you sure. know, a little bit, and um, not hugely though. No, she's like, but oh, she's, she's definitely insecure. She no, but no, she, she's not insecure like Rick Dalton's insecure. Rick Dalton is literally threatening oh, him, no, no, threatening no. himself in the mirror to no, blow no, no, his no. head off. That's insecure, insecure in different ways. Yes. Absolutely, she is. She is an ingenue. Actually, I really right? think that's a very good juxtaposition of yeah. two insecurities. There's, right? Well, okay, so like, may, may I key on on this for a second? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, when Rick ironically, Dalton, you've been speaking the least of this. Right? I'm I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can see. Should I just say what I thought of this movie? Yes. Like the sum up. Yes, finally. Okay. Uh, this is okay. So I I obviously very much like Tarantino's movies. Right. Uh, but even when I'm really pressed, I can talk about every. I I I'm I'm a big fan of all this stuff, and I can talk very intensely about any one of his movies, and I really enjoy any one of them. Um, I also have like mild feelings like with every movie of his if i'm pressed i'll go well this part didn't totally work for me like there's there's one or two like you know like nits i can pick in any one of his films um you know like inglorious bastards and stuff like i mean these are all no some of these are you know four-star movies to me jackie brown incredible you know but i still have like slight things where i'm like that didn't totally play that didn't whatever it is um and overall i would say that only uh, Kill Bill and Jackie Brown are um, emotional movies for me. Uh, where like Kill Bill adds up to being a very emotional movie in the very final scene of Kill Bill Two. Right. Um, it's not really an emotional film during the experience, um, but it, it adds up to a really strong, beautiful statement. Uh, and Jackie Brown is not an intensely emotional movie, but it's a really deep personal experience movie. You know, like. Pam Greer and uh, 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 Forrester. Robert Forster are just unbelievable. Like they are so connected, and you really just want to hang out with them one hundred percent. And it feels like a real deep thing. Um, so my first impression that I, like uh, is that uh, that Tarantino has never made a movie that emotionally affected me like this so consistently throughout the film. Uh, and especially uh, in the very, very, very end. Um, and uh, as loungy as the movie seems, it is, uh, it is to me his leanest movie because he's sticking to this one idea so thoroughly. It's very slow and it's very, it seems sort of like hanging out. But it's actually, it seems to me like when I, when I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, Every single scene serves a sort of concept and delivers this hardcore. So that's my low, like my low excitement version of Dilla. Say, if I were to list, like the like, uncontroversially, I would say, like my my personal favorite up to this point, like my personal favorite uh, Tarantino movie is Kill Bill, just because it's a very personal movie to me. Um, but it's uncontroversial to say, like, Pul- Pulp Fiction is his best movie. Like everyone, most people would say Pulp Fiction is amazing. Blah blah blah. Uh, and I would say that Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite films of all time. It's incredible. Like, this is 
the best Tarantino by a million miles. Yes. And uh, one of the greatest films I have ever seen. It is unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I was knocked flat by everything. And uh, and it's uh, like I don't know where it ranks in my top 20 or I, whatever I it is. I think I know why you're saying that, though. But it was, it was, a, it was such a – like it did – absolutely everything to me absolutely everything correctly like what, what it was trying to do and it's like sort of self-critical and it's introspective and it's hilarious and it's like it's got literally everything entertainment value that i want and it has a, a statement that is not like the you because know, we've talked about nostalgia many times like what i hate about nostalgia and largely i think nostalgia is poison um is nostalgia for like when you make a movie that's like Remember when the 60s were so great and then everyone wears like weird 60s cosplay in the movie and it looks really artificial? Like this felt to me, even though it's a, like it's a, it's a heightened light comedy through most of the movie, um, it felt like a real experience. Like oh, it yeah. Felt like an it was like Goodfellas. Yeah, absolutely. This is a world. This is a yeah. real okay. world. All right. Uh, you brought up Goodfellas a couple times and mm-hmm. that's a great analogy because mm-hmm. I think Goodfellas definitely had all that. But the Goodfellas – Goodfellas had a plot. <laughs> yes. Right? I, right. Right? Yeah. And this one does does not have a clear plot. It it has it does not have a it doesn't have a plot. I will totally agree it does not have a plot. It does not have a it plot. Has, it is a very very clean structure, however. It does and, and I and agree. Like the thematic structure and I'm going to tell you when this, what the plot is. The thing that's the most frustrating to me mm-hmm. is the things that I hate about this movie are also the th- the exact same things that I love about this movie. <laughs> then that's good. <laughs> that's I know. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> they, but right. I'm very frustrated because right. I'm like, I hate this. I know why it's done. Right. Yes, that's very important. Yes, it's good. But I hate it. These things, like, I, I would say it's fair to say, like, there are things in this movie that sort of, like, dig at you. And they irritate they, they, you. They right? irritate me. Right. And, uh, and, for, and for you, Eric, when, like, the ending is the classic example of this. Like, this is like... This is like he is like, and this is by the way, and I don't like, I I don't know if he intends it as a trilogy, but it's like this is a set of three movies that he has made. Yes, right. end this way, like on purpose. Suddenly, the movie is I totally, still, totally I still, different. I I, I, I know you're going to come up with some amazing theory <laughs> about the ending, about why it all makes sense, but it's still that. It's extremely okay. like only you could be able to pull that up and it's like, oh, that's what it's about. Because honestly speaking, it's very hard to digest that ending. Uh, I think it's I think it is very hard to digest on purpose because it doesn't. That's not that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, there was we were talking about like uh, the Joker. The movie The Joker that's not come out yet, right? Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Would Joaquin Phoenix, uh, which interestingly, that trailer came out just before this movie right. when I saw it in theaters. And a lot of people are complaining about it. It's like, that's not the Joker from the comic books I read. Right. You're so not doing it right. You're right. not doing it right. You're right. refusing to. Right. Okay. So not you my could. Joker. You, not my Joker, right? right? right. Whatever. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. that character from that trailer is an interesting character oh, yeah, it looks fucking great. that is loosely based <laughs> on the great. comic book character right. of the Joker. Inspired by the by the Joker. The Joker yeah. and Taxi Driver. Right. Put them together, yeah, right? It. And it's a really interesting concept. And it looks like really unbelievable acting right. too. Right. All of that I appreciate. Uh, so I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. So 
if someone says this is loosely based on the Sharon Tate murder, but absolutely, and guess what? She doesn't actually get murdered. It's like, yeah, he was trying to. It was almost like doing this. He was trying to make his JFK. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, or less Leslie, yeah, no, you know, I, I, I the Titanic uh, had a bad accident, but it still makes it to the port. Right. Yeah, the, the Oliver Stone <laughs> JFK, mm-hmm. but it still was based on the conspiracy theories. Right. I didn't have a problem, like, uh, you know, the way you talked about it, uh, Chris. Uh, not to say you. Have I have problem. other problems, but we'll get to those. Okay, but the, my point is, I loved it because I love. It recreated this world. Like, yeah, I love films like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's, those totally are the type of movies I like. Totally so, I don't like the fucking everything's in your face. Right. I love to immerse myself in a world right. and think about those characters and the message. I just feel like there are certain things in our lives that in a moment in time, everything was so meandering but had a moment where you follow these people with such a strong actor as Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I felt like... It just – the message, there could have been more. Now, I'm not saying it has to be a happy, happy ending. Right, right. But he already killed somebody. Right. His wife. Yeah. It's right? one of my favorite bits about the film. I know. But the thing <laughs> is he killed somebody. He killed his wife. Yeah. So he knows how to kill. Right. Right? right. And he got away with it. Yeah. So having him like be like a father figure to the young girl and then she takes off, Casabian. Right. And she eventually became state's evidence, and that's why she lives in New Hampshire. Right. right. Um, but under a different name. Right. But he he had a chance to, you know, following him and tracking him with mm-hmm. the, the whole selfish world of the Rick uh, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. what L.A. Right. was just selfish and how sure, I get my right. – and, and, you know, career and this and that. And he's just like, you know what? I, I just exist with a dog. Right. And I – I can't tell you if I'm happy or not, but I'm strong. Right. And he's killed somebody. Right. And to for him, he doesn't really take drugs or anything. Right. And then right. you see him take drugs. Right. But then it, I thought it would have like he was with the dog and the dog right. is going. Right. And he goes up to the hill and right. he watches on a wall them murder. Oh yeah, no, I mean, like the movie, the movie that you're. That's describing, what I thought. Like the, the ending that you're describing, I think, is a lovely. That's a lovely movie. Meaning he movie. watches yeah, the murder yeah. and he's the only. Since he killed yeah. somebody, I would have put him up. That would have been a tremendous movie as well. Like I totally agree with you. fucking, yeah. he's watching the, the Folger woman come right. out and beg for her life. Right. And they said sorry. Yeah. They literally are like. No, you're going to have to die. Yeah. Sharon Tate was tied up with her hands, and yeah. they cut her open to let the baby out. Right. And she begged for her life. Right. And Squiggy, or the girl, said, no, no, I I have to kill you and yeah, your baby horrifying. right now. Yeah. So it's the, it's the worst you're going to die like, now. There's and a, she like, cut her throat. There's a, there's and a, it's just like – there's a, I've talked about it before. There's a, there's a podcast uh, called uh, You Must Remember This, which is an amazing, amazing podcast. Um, and, uh, 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 and they did a – uh, I think eight part ep- eight eight part series on the Manson killings, and it gave me nightmares. Like it's the, this is the only. What's the podcast called? It's called You Must Remember This, um, and it's a uh, uh, it's it's really it's a my it's old great. friend who he lives in North Carolina now, incredible. but uh, he's a dear old friend, and uh, he uh, lived next to the uh, the uh, uh, Bianco La Bianca La Bianca house yeah in yeah. in on Rowena. It's right next to where the Katy Perry place is, that the monastery or the 
right. that she's buying right. in in Los Feliz. Fuck, I wish I could buy a And he day. lived right next door. What's interesting, he, next, he lived across the street from that. Right. And next door to him was um, Neil Young's first wife. Oh, yeah. Right. Cowgirl in the Sand. Yeah, boy. With oh, his I kids love there. Man. I love Neil Young. Love me some Neil Young. So, man, oh, man. there is one thing uh, that bothered me about this film. Mm-hmm. Another thing, and it's actually made me upset about us. Oh, yeah, hit it. Let's hear it. Um, like Dan in the podcast? Yes. Us? Yeah, it's a yes, all of us. Wrestling up against. Because um, we spend a huge amount of time on the podcast talking about how we dislike uh, franchises. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, uh, fandom. Yes. Yes. But the Manson is fandom. No. Mm-hmm. No, it you're con- yeah. no. It is, though. No. Yeah, it is, but that's I'm gonna not touch what I'm on, about. I'm going to come back to this moment, by the way. Okay, yeah. go ahead. And uh, so when you look, when I looked at this film, when I listened, and I was like, oh, this is great. This is giving me everything I want. And I realized, like, oh, shit. I'm victim of the same fucking thing mm-hmm. that we accuse all of the Star Wars fans of wanting. I want to go to Hollywood. Yes, I love Hollywood. I love right, old right, Hollywood. Right, right. I love Musso and Franks. Yeah. I love El Coyote. I love all these things. There's- Give me all of Hollywood is exactly the same thing that we criticize the people that watch Star Wars. Like, well, give me the Millennium you, Falcon. Is, give me fucking that's, Chewbacca. That's, I don't know if give that's me, like, if, there were, if this movie had no, uh, it, if this movie didn't use those things to make a point, then I'd agree. Like the 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 problem that I have with the way that Star Wars like does that. Give me the Bruin. Like, they're just they're just showing you pictures of things that you love. Like but why the, did you need to go to the Bruin? Why did you like, need to go to Musso and Franks? Why did you need yeah, to go because, to El Coyote? Because because the movie they could have gone to anywhere. Yeah, but but if they went to anywhere, it wouldn't be saying what the movie is trying to say. They did the same thing in Chinatown without having to hit the, all those China, landmarks. China, China, I, I actually China think China they China chose saying something else. I though. actually think they chose Musso and Franks because of the low angle. You can get a really good shot of no, them. No, Musso and, and Franks is have, like the most classic. I, know, I love that place. Yeah. But the point is, if you're doing a rental for the interior to do some shooting, right. you can get a nice exterior without having to do a matte painting shot. That's very true. That's true. It is Boom. True. That's why they did it. I, and I'm that's not why sure they put those so, marble. I'm not, ter- I'm not sure if Tarantino By the way, they chose you. the wrong room in the Musso and Franks. They should have chosen the other room. I prefer the other the room. room. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. But all the, I think all the meetings are had in the first room and all the dinners are had in the second room. The, the, like the, the the when you go deeper inside, that's like, where you have right. the, dinner, the so. California Dreaming by. Um, so I basically th- made me upset because the fact is I think that a lot of times we sit here talk about how we hate nostalgia. You no, know, th- but we have to say we have to and, clarify this. And then what is it you hate about nostalgia? Because I can tell you what I hate about nostalgia. Okay. And it isn't the things that are that people are nostalgic. But I feel for, that nostalgic for. Okay. Like the the issue is is that like if you are simply like the problem I have with say force awakens actually no it's not nostalgia that I that I that I specifically hate in this thing mm-hmm. it is I feel that this movie was satisfying movie nerds just as much as Star Wars satisfies comic it was nerds. satisfying Quentin Tarantino I, I, which is movie nerds I understand what you're saying do you I know just, what I'm saying I, th- I think I think. I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that's true. I think what it is, what it's the difference between Star Wars and The Force Awakens is that Star Wars is a, it's not simply that it's original. It's that all of the images it's showing you are meaningful. 
right? And if you look at Force Awakens, the reason why the images are meaningful is because Star Wars was meaningful, not because Force Awakens is meaningful, right? That's the difference between those two things. The difference, wait, 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 the difference between Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 is that Blade Runner 2049 takes those images and makes them mean something else. And that's why it's good. Like, it's not a nostalgic movie. It's, it's looking at, it's looking at what you are nostalgic for in a different light. And what, uh, Tarantino is doing here is very, very certainly, he has a, he has a point in, in mind more than just like, you know, it's great. Muso and Franks. Who the fuck knows who that is? What that, what that is? Like, you know, like Sharon Tate's awesome. Like that, he could get up there and do that. But I'm that's, never going to be able to get a reservation of Muso and Franks yeah, for so, a long no. time. But like the fact is like, <laughs> I mean, the, what, like what you're talking about is like when, you know, ABC does the sixties or whatever it is and they do their miniseries bullshit and just like, here's, um, you know, someone in a shitty wig doing Abby Hoffman and, you know, like, and it looks fake. And they're just showing you iconography of the 60s and going, oh, isn't that – remember that? Like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, this movie has a point. Like, everything it's showing you is related to what he is saying. It's all part of what What's he's saying. What's your Sharon Tate theory? So uh, – Well, first – okay. Let, stop. Before, that, I want to hear this. No, no. no you, you can – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hijack your statement, Chris. But that's the – that is the – the difference between nostalgia and, uh, I'm and, having, and making, a, making I, a different movie is, is strong. Sorry, Eric. I'm mm-hmm. going gonna, I'm gonna to nix this. You can go back to Sharon Tate theory. Yeah, we'll get that. But that, that – I, I, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very hard for me because I, 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 I have felt for a long time on this podcast, we sit here lecturing about, you know, how people need to get over fandom or whatever. But I feel that somehow I have to find a way to say like, oh, but I'm a fan of this. Well, there's a difference between fans and fandom, though. That's that. That's the big deal. It's like I, there's nothing wrong with liking. Say, like when you know when um, when Rob Ruppel was on, on, we're talking about yeah, film yeah, noir. No, like, no, he's he a fan. Clear, of, he's a fan. a fan of film noir, right? Sure. The fandom for film noir produces a faux film noir. Like they're the ones who make things that look like film noir movies, and they're shitty. Like you've seen plenty of these movies that are just right. sort of like you know, it's just like. I'm going to have a guy that talks in a Humphrey Bogart accent, you know, and just like, like that's, it's a, it's mimicry. And yeah. that's, what's shitty about it. Like it, it has no understanding of why something is meaningful. It's true. This, this, and, and Eric, you're absolutely right. Uh, that, that it, it felt very authentic. Yeah. It feels like you're in a place that's real and there's a reason to yeah, love these I, things. I, it's still, I still think about it today. Yeah. Like, and it's three days. I yeah. just am like, I can't get it out of my head how immersive like, it there, was. There are very it's few films very... that reach this level of, uh, of getting that, capturing and I think a sort of my spiritual disappointment is, essence is of a that place. The man that I was following, Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. was so good. Oh my God. No, 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 the, not, not just Guapo, but like no, he was like, he totally immersive, like Newman, and you know he had his glasses on, and most of the Newman immersiveness is his eyes, you know, and so you're like I can't even see his eyes, but I followed him like McQueen we meets. Do Newman. have to talk about the Bruce Lee thing? Oh my God, I we will, we will, but hold on a second, let me continue my <laughs> yes, show here. <laughs> and so uh, the thing was, you, f- I followed him, and like the Razor's Edge, I wanted some sort of hint of. Like you're seeing what I'm seeing. You're seeing the strength of that that I have and it's in everybody. And then at the last minute, it's like childish. Yeah. Revengeful. Yeah. Right. And it's like it, the, the interesting thing is it's like even though he killed his wife, I still didn't see him as a violent person. 
Right. right. That's they, so weird. Well, right. they, but but even they, when he beat the but, shit, but, but but they justify it by showing her as like someone that's like a, she's a shrew, right? Like he oh, has, he, has a, he happens to have right. a gun in his hand. Yeah, his, like and it's, be, it's, and she's just it's, sitting there it's calling him a and dipshit and, tw- and, and hilarious. Like, it's it's incredible. Like uh yeah. uh yeah. So uh, I, with I, I would, a mask on, I would yeah. I would like to introduce the idea of we like that that sequence and the Bruce Lee sequence and the like. So much of this movie is dependent on the idea of the point of view of who is telling the story or whose experience this is. Sure, uh, that it literally changes reality. Like, uh, like I don't like. You know, I know there's like a minor controversy of Bruce Lee's, Bruce Lee's daughter is upset with how Bruce Lee was represented. Not like, so minor, actually. And I, I, well, it's like the 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 thing is that like the if you you can go on um, the playlist or IndieWire and you can read an interview with Pitt and Tarantino prior to any of this happening, prior right. to the controversy, how they like Tarantino goes on about how he loves Bruce Lee, and they were talking about like we don't want to show Bruce Lee like as. Uh, some weakling that can get beat up by Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt was against showing too much of a fight. Like, it's just there to establish Cliff, right? And Cliff's, and very importantly, Cliff's the one who's telling the story in his memory on the roof. Like, this is how Cliff remembers what happened. Right. Like, in a movie that is, that literally changes reality with point of view, in the end and literally changes reality with point of view with um, Leonardo DiCaprio when he's filming the Western. But Bruce Lee is seen as a annoying. Comic. Yeah. He's yeah, annoying he's douchebag. Abs- yeah. That's well. That's what I'm saying is that how does that's not how Bruce Lee is. Well, wait, but, but listen to what I just said. Right. Who is telling the story? I understand. Right. So this is, this is, this is Cliff's point of view on Bruce Lee. Like Cliff is not going to tell a story about like first of all it just it just but you have a responsibility as a filmmaker if you especially if you're going to do a historic piece to to not show the Tar- Sharon Tate murder in the end right no to wait no wait like we're changing the point is like, here's the way it <laughs> well they look. depicted it with historical precedent I right. mean with historical very, precision right he it, was except on the when show they do not at all right like for instance like he Bruce Lee this fight starts over Bruce Lee. wait listen to listen listen you know, open Why open call your it mind the open span ranch. Shh, open open your mind okay. open your mind My... it is very 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 specifically represented all the real things that we know are very very realistically represented except when they are utterly not represented as real right. And uh, like the entire ending of the film, like when DiCaprio is shooting the Western and in his mind, he's actually in uh, the West. Like he's in the, he's in the movie. He's not like, you don't see crew and you're seeing things you'd never see in the fucking set ever. Like you're seeing right. like, this is a Western world that he's in. Right. Like this or, is not, or him in the great escape, which was or him in the great escape. Right. And so like the, which is it? Okay. Let's wait, go wait, 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 wait. No, no, we're going to come to that. We're going to come to that one. Sorry. I got to finish the Bruce Lee bit. Okay. So, uh, you get Cliff's point of view on on the killing of his wife, and his wife is represented as a harridan, right? Right. And you get Cliff's point of view on Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, the fight starts because Bruce Lee is talking shit about Muhammad Ali, right? About how like Cassius he, Clay, Cassius Clay, right? Yeah. Now Tarantino probably knows a lot about Bruce Lee, right? More, uh, oh, uh, pro- yes. Probably knows a lot about him. Yes. Now he probably knows that he that. Lee did talk about Cassius Clay, right? Okay. And what he said is the exact opposite of what Lee says in this movie. And I think he knows that that's true. 
And like he is like because Bruce Lee is like, I would kill him. But like in reality, Bruce Lee says, I would like that guy would kill me. Right. That's because Brad Pitt, Cliff, the wife murderer is telling and a racist. Like he is also a racist because we only get a glimpse of it. The Mexicans. The Mexicans line. Like Brad Don't Pitt is a murder is a wife murdering racist. Like that's probably like the murder probably true. The racist definitely true. And okay. he is the one who is telling the story of the scene. Like and the reality changes. Like then he's back up on the and suddenly you like you come out of that and you're back up on the roof and he's like, yeah, what a good day. You're like, oh, no, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, probably deserved it. Yeah, exactly. Like like this is how this is Cliff's imagining of what happened that day. Like that is not like it's, this it's is not Tarantino's a, history and is just this, but but I, I, I guess, fandom wait, history. This is, is no, but, but, I, like uh, well, listen, could have done listen, a better what, job of what, what I am presenting saying is, it as yeah, such. It, like, am I am I wrong to say that specifically three times reality is represented completely incorrectly in a film that represents the rest of its reality purely? I, I do, yes, but I also I think it's a little. Okay. I also so, yeah, that, think so it's a that little, is a specific thing to. I do. think is a little bit irresponsible. That's but that but. I think that irresponsible. I think that irresponsibility is responsible. I think that he is trying. I don't. I, I don't think that he. I don't think that he went into this thinking there was going to be no controversy from this movie. I think he is trying to cause a little bit of controversy that you have to think about. Like there's like for instance, most of the people that ki- killed in the end of the movie are women, and they get killed hyper violently by someone who killed his wife. Like if they weren't the Manson killers. Like this would be a, a but the reality is bo- is that the women did all the killing. Yes, up at, this for- is true. But like it suddenly becomes excusable in our minds to do this to these people because of who they are, and like what he's trying to do is create like he's asking us like what like what the story you are telling yourself is the reality you're creating. What reality are you creating for yourself? Right, right. Like you like if this if this context were shifted. Like you would feel exactly the opposite, but now you feel like a champion for this, right? Something that he always does. Feel like a champion with the revenge. That's what I'm saying because you feel like a hero for doing this horrible violence to these people that we all agree are bad, right? And so now it's good. Even if we change the context slightly, you know, it's hideous and terrible. And he does the same trick in Inglorious Bastards, which he calls back hugely in this movie to frame it, like to frame the entire film. And so like in Glorious Bastards and – to go, like I'll try and keep this super short. Inglorious Bastards is a is, I I I'm mesmerized that people do not talk about that movie in a modern context. Like, what does that movie mean now? Not what does it mean about World War II? Like that movie is about it's like Starship Troopers. How when Starship Troopers yeah. came out, everyone was just like, "Oh my god, it was so fucking awesome, killing bugs." I'm like, it's making fun of you. The movie is fucking making fun of you. It's, it's saying you're the bad guy. You're at the end of Starship Troopers. You're salu- You're cheering for the Nazis, right? right? And in Glorious Bastards, it's pointing out directly that you are cheering for people who do horrible things. And he's doing it. He does it again with Cliff. Like Cliff is the hero of the film, and he is also a vicious, murdering, awful person. It's just that he's a good buddy, and you like him a lot. But you don't. I don't see him as awful too, and maybe that he, in that, any other context he would be awful. Yeah, but if he was awful, he would have had sex with her. Oh, this this is what I'm saying is like he makes he is looking at his own obsession with his own masculine heroes from '60s films like Steve McQueen, and saying 
what like I'm in love with these guys. I think these guys are true heroes, but a lot of these guys are bad people. The Steve McQueen scene was weird. Well, Steve McQueen is also like he is a heart of this movie, one of the two hearts of this movie, because like he like DiCaprio at like when he goes onto the set, he's doubting himself horribly, right? right? And uh, Timothy Oliphant comes up and says like, "Oh, you oh, you're almost in the Great Escape." And DiCaprio does not want to talk about this because right. he's like, I was almost in the great escape. And he's really pissed off and sad, right? He's regretful. He's angry. He's spiteful. And he's nostalgic. Like this is like for money. I used to have a career. Right. right. And then he fantasizes an alternate history, which right. the movie does multiple times. Right. And he fantasizes an alternate history in which he is digitally inserted in the great escape instead of Steve McQueen. Yes. Yeah. That's, right? that's like um, king of comedy. Right, exactly. So he's he like, and he, and the thing is, I mean, it ruins the great escape. I mean, it's a great scene, you know. Like DiCaprio's awesome; they do a great job right. with thing. But like, clearly, like Steve McQueen deserve, is supposed to be in the fucking great escape, right? You know, and you're watching this, going like, this feels weird and feels awkward, and they spent a lot of time doing this. Then Sharon Tate, who is a pure character who is good, goes right. to see her movie, and she sees Sharon Tate, like not her. not a digitally inserted. Um, uh, version of herself. A, a version of herself. Right. Uh, and uh, and I thought like that was one of the most powerful things I saw in the film. I was like, here's this incredibly self-conscious jerk, right, who treats everyone poorly, right, and he's ruined his own career, and he's fucking like totally given up on himself internally, right. and he's uh, and he's given into bitterness, and he's jerking off about like inserting himself into somebody else's movie, and here's uh, Margot Robbie. She comes in. And she watches Sharon Tate be fucking great. And that's what that scene's about. Like, she's laughing at, she's not, she's not, like, the scene is not about her thinking she's great. The scene is about Margot Robbie watching the real Sharon Tate. And that movie is, uh, Sharon Tate is represented as, uh, like, and Tarantino's said this, but it's like, he wanted to give Sharon Tate back to Sharon Tate instead of her being, a, like, the Manson murder. Like this, like here's this incredibly talented person, incredibly charming. Everyone said it was really, really nice. She almost had a great career. And then this horrible thing not only happens to her, but dominates her history thereafter. Right. You know? And I think that, uh, that he, that Tarantino looks at her as what is sort of best in film, like in right. film itself, not in the sixties, but just like, she is the, she is the greatness of, of, what motion pictures can deliver as art, you know, and the right attitude to have towards stuff. Right. Right. But you don't get enough of her to sense that. Though. No, that's, but all she does is just like, she just spend a lovely day with her. Like she goes to the movies. This is all she does. This is all she needs to do. She's having a good life and in experiencing that life. And that's it. Like she's not there to tell a plot. She's there to be happy because she's fucking psyched to be in Hollywood pursuing her career and enjoying herself and being proud of what she's done. And that's literally but all she does. But you didn't get to know her enough. You don't, you don't need to know anything literal about her. You just need to see her uh, be herself and enjoy things. And so when I saw Margot Robbie watch the real Sharon Tate, I was like, that's the deliverance of the film right there. She's really here, really showing us what this is really about, right? And it's not DiCaprio digitally inserted into a shitty, like a, a shitty copy of The Great Escape, but, right? And so the, like, she has no fantasy. Like the, the movie, the movie is all loaded with all these I, realistic he, fantasies that she has no fantasy okay. about this. She has, she's looking at this as if this is the real and valid film. Okay. Cliff has a fantasy, DiCaprio has a fantasy. I, I feel like that, that stuff was taped on 
that, oh, I completely That disagree. was almost – yeah. It, I, it was – somebody must have said give her more meat and you can probably do it in in, in one set. I agree. And, I well, agree. Hold on a second okay. because right. you were trying to encapsulate that whole – what you just said into that movie scene. It just felt like it was not – it was it, – I'm not saying it was added on later. It just... Oh, I feel it was. It was... I, th- I think you're high. Hold on a second. Kite. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's stuck. No, no, it's not, though. I actually feel like the center of the movie mm-hmm. is Span Ranch. Oh, which is also brilliant. No, that right. is the center of the movie. That was... When they're standing there Fantastic looking and he's shot. confronting her, it's about strength. It's right. about he's doing the right thing. It's, it's a Western Right? Yeah, it, it's a Western. Oh, he's mimicking. Like he's set. mimicking. The, I thought um, Leonardo's role—he was just shallow, and I felt like. But Brad it was Pitt, such a great shallow. So, like, just, if you're going to depict, I just, just want to point. That's out, fine. I just, 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 just want to point out one thing before you go on. That the both of them—they spend the beginning of the day together, then they split apart, right? And then they both go and have separate westerns. That's right. Right? Yeah. That was this his Western, but in real life. Because like, Leo has a Western also. But, so, yeah, no, you just said it. Because, wait, wait for one second. That he has a Western, a, a real Western, where he's actually in danger, right? And Leo has a fake Western. That's right. Right? And like, you don't care as much about Leo's character as you do his. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the message that it, it, you cut his moment off from following that real character and the mm-hmm. beauty of that real character – and then you basically put him in something that's his world, right. Leonardo's world, in a sense. It was trivial, right. and he's got the the guns, and it's like, okay, so violence is the way it should end it for him. Whereas I already know he's a violent guy. Right. We've seen it. I think, but he what he was very real, and then he went to the not so real world, mm-hmm. and I just was like, I understand he's playing with a lot of that. I just felt like some of the things were so taped on because. I felt I actually feel uh, the movie was beautiful. It's a, I'll watch it again. I'd buy it uh, on VHS once it comes out. Yeah. 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 Right, and but you. the thing is I just feel you like You should put it on VHS. Yeah, why not? Or beta. <laughs> it was a beautiful movie and I love movies like that. We've mm-hmm. talked about this. I just felt there were moments that were taped on right. like the cut to get a point across, like cut the different moments, those quick jump cuts and the little thing. We talked about it earlier in the show. And I was Mm. like, you didn't need to do that, man. You just took me. It was almost three hours. Yeah, but it doesn't so, matter. Like, the length didn't bother me. The, it just was because so I like length. Like, I'm, I'm so not you, a girth you, guy. Like you, but the point is, <laughs> the, the point is, I basically, I, I didn't have a problem with the time. Right. I just felt like he was there were these editorial moments. He does. He goes out of his way to snap you out of the movie. Yeah, no, to snap it out and say, "Pay right. attention to me. I'm the director." Pay attention. Well, for, for what I would say is that he yeah. he says, "Pay attention I to agree. the fact that this yep. is." A it's movie. like so. It's his memories and revision. Mm-hmm. It's historical revision. It's revisionist history right. of a moment he remembers as a kid. But the point is, it's like me fucking making a musical about Oswald. It's like okay, I guess that would be interesting. At the same time. So here's here's because what I, of such a pivotal moment in American history, right. it's beyond just somebody's acting career. Right. It's it's really about what we say as people, right. and you really got a sense of what you can learn by watching Brad. And then, mm-hmm. <coughs> well, he had he I subjected th- him to the same. What bull- I think is fascinating is that like because I also I, lo- I think Brad Pitt's incredibly fucking lovable and charming in this movie, right? The fact that he makes uh, Brad Pitt lovable, charming, and a murderer, like and 
uh, and and say racist things is by design. Like it's not accidental that he puts he makes a, that's fine, right? So like so the question is why does he do that? Because okay, why does he do that? Is because if somebody is capable of killing, he's already killed. His perspective mm-hmm. on death itself and murder. But if you like the person, could be more illuminating. The only thing- but hold on quickly. Yeah. So what do you do? The, the, the scene that I told you about mm-hmm. where I expected us to follow him up there, particularly when he pulled out the cigarette, which was given an excuse that he wouldn't act out and right. try to protect because right. he was fucked up and, and tripping. Right. And he robbed that from me. I, yeah, totally. And, and, totally true. Okay, and even if that's on purpose, it's like <clears throat> it's the 60s. You had a great message and you fucked us in the end and you robbed us of any meaning. So, and now all you are right. is fucking KTEL records. So, well, this is, here's, here's what I feel. Okay. I think he robs you on purpose for sure. Of course right? he does. But, but it's just but like. The, re- the reason why he robs you on purpose is because I don't think this movie is about the 60s. I think it's about right now. I don't think it's about the 60s either. But it's, it, it was an immersive part of the 60s. Right. But the message is a human message. Absolutely. And, and well, to this- look at a black moment like that mm-hmm. where really the optimism of changing the world was high. Right. And the world really kind of. And it's got taken away from you. That's the feeling you have, right? Yeah. Well, and not taken away said, from it. That's what he's saying. But simulating. the point is it was a contemporary film. For instance. But like, here's the thing. A lot of the contemporary nuances that he did mm-hmm. don't work. Well, this is what I'm saying. The so editing style the, the feeling doesn't that, fucking the, work. The feeling that you have about the ending, right? The anger you have about the ending, and like the dissatisfaction you have about the ending versus the, the other. And I, I completely agree. The beautiful ending that you have in your mind, right? The beautiful ending that you have in your mind was taken away from you. By this ridiculous violent act, right? Oh, you mean the ending of the, the movie? The ending of the movie. And that is how you should feel about, say, Sharon Tate, right? There's no romanticism about Sharon Tate. Like, here's a beautiful, wonderful person who is on this trajectory upward. You love her. And then, what the fuck? You just come in and kill her like this? That emotion is what you are feeling about this movie, right? I got Okay, I got to say, though, mm-hmm. that end scene where the fight on the inside was shot so poorly. Well, it's shot, I mean, like it's shot very – it's suddenly shot very wide and all. Yeah, but I, I also – the one thing about Tarantino, it's like, oh, that was on purpose. It's like, okay, maybe you had budget constraints. But the point is I don't oh, – he had no budget constraints. Yeah, okay. So the point is – the point is everything Zero seems to work because that's the way I wanted it. But it actually – it's not just throws you out, right. the ending. And y- yes, that's exactly the words that they used, mm-hmm. you know, the devil thing. Yeah. But it just and – and, and then he has Brad Pitt say, no, it's something stupider than that. Like he's not even listening to him. Okay. So even if it was a dream because that, that – fire thing that he Oh, I'm had. not saying it was a dream. I'm saying that... The, yeah, the, but the, the point is that fire thing would never have worked and started up. It's, That's it's, right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's purely the, ridiculous. To start a pilot light right. on one of those things. Right. So the point it's is nonsense. it's just total bullshit. Yeah, so absolutely. even if that Absolutely. was a King of Comedy dream-like sequence, mm-hmm. okay, um, to put at the end that, uh, you know, a scene from heart to heart where, you know, above the garage, looking yeah, down, exactly. hey, how you doing? Right, right. Do, do tonight's, a, you know, episode, the Castiglo Affair. Right. And you know, it's like, it's do, like do what think, the fuck? Yeah, but do you think that, that that connects to, say, the fact that you watch almost entire episodes of TV in the movie? You uh, fine, <laughs> great. Saying, like but the point there's, is, there's, there's an unpurpose. But I think one of the problems is, is that Brad Pitt has such meaning like mm-hmm. like a journeyman that you can follow and then right. and then you basically say I'm not going to let him tell you the ending right 
is a collage. Well, and then, that's what it is. Here's, here's okay. Uh, permit for, for a second. The what I think is amazing about this, just just to talk about Pitt, right? Is that this dude is uh, like he is straight. The character himself is brilliantly written as a as an acting personality out of the '60s, right? And there's plenty of really problematic. I hate this word. Problematic actors from the 60s say sean connery or something like this like mm-hmm. there's lo- and there's all these like really macho dudes who uh like represent values that sort of stir us up and like all this kind of stuff and brad pitt does this perfectly he 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 brings to the he brings the steve McQueenness out again and we're like yes yeah no the, like the things that he like i'm behind what he is doing here you know the way he is looking at life the way he has self-control all this kind of stuff right and instead of being simply a fantasia about how great that is he says also this is a little bit weird because many of these people are not actually people you want to work uh, look up to especially in today's context like there's all sorts of problems from with these dudes you know and so he gives brad pitt a backstory which is a like a really stark backstory uh, that makes you go, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Yeah, here? but it was, the death was so comical. Well, this, black is one, comedy. this is what I'm saying. So, like the, uh, so he is leading you down this. Okay, let me back out so we can get a framework of what I'm talking about. I think that, like structurally, uh, Tarantino uh, is doing this. Uh, Sharon Tate is film, like it's pure love of film, right? Brad Pitt is the people the characters and the actors uh from his favorite period that he worships that sort of held his shit together like these are his father figures like and they made many of them turned out to be terrible people or they represent ideals which are kind of weird now when you think about them but in the moment of watching them do things you're really activated by them that's his that's his that is the dad figure for him right and uh uh jack uh rather dicaprio is tarantino like DiCaprio is the incredibly self-conscious, talented, but incredibly self-conscious artist who is incredibly self-destructive, right? And the only thing that holds him together is this vision of masculinity who is his friend from TV, right? And that's the guy that braces him, right? And what he really wants to attain is a real, like, moviness like he's an actor who wants like in terms like DiCaprio is this actor who wants to be of a different level you know and here's Sharon Tate who is that naturally so she physically lives above him like in a special place right and by uh and the transcendence of uh of him in in the end going to that place because Brad Pitt uh defended him uh, is uh, through violence that mimics, <laughs> literally mimics Inglorious Bastards, um, Tarantino's own movie. Revenge. Tarantino's own, before we can, we can also talk about that, but like he is calling back his own movie. He's saying like, here is the what, my commentary on violent fantasia that I uh, am famous for. And here is how this has sort of, uh, like trying to wrestle with this has set me free. Like that's an autobiographical statement uh, for that's the core of the film. Like uh, Sharon Tate is not Sharon Tate. Like Sharon Tate is an ideal. Brad Pitt is an ideal. And Leo DiCaprio is the one like earthbound fucking drunk, like 
hard to like, you know, talented but fucked up idiot who just wants to to be unselfconscious in his love for 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 what movies are. And that's the that is what this movie is. And the, he doesn't like he puts it in the 60s. But the way that the Manson family is rendered, right? And the way uh, it, what it talks about is there is this new generation that is and not generational like uh, millennials, but like how there's a new generation of what so-called filmmakers that are coming along and film is being destroyed. Like, like he's like the opening image of the Manson family is they're picking through trash. Like, I'm sure this is how Tarantino views most modern movies today. I think you're going too far. You're going no. too far because what? they did that. Good. No, I know they did it, no, but this is why he's saying, this is why he's telling the story. I think you're going too far. I think you're just, you're just, you, you, I I love your interpretations, Dan, but I think sometimes you just are okay. digging for so, shit. Okay, well, so well, wait, 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 about this. I just have a just question. Just quickly, guys. Just, just Tonight's question. episode is sponsored by Pendleton. It's <laughs> so delicious. No, so delicious. Stop. Wait. I Dan, gotta, stop. Can I ask stop. a question? No. Question. Stop. Question. Stop. Stop talking. You have been talking. <laughs> stop talking, Dan. Oh, you have been talking. Stop. Because you have been talking for so fucking long and making excuses for this thing. Right, right, and right. every time something controversial, bro, I love the Bruce Lee thing because, no, 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 you're seeing it wrong. You're seeing it this way. You're seeing it this way. You're seeing that. No, you should just right. see it this way. Right. You should see it my way. Okay. You should see so, it. My, no, stop. This is our last Stop podcast. talking. Stop <laughs> talking. It's the last stop yep. talking. Nope. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Stop talking. Wait, wait go. <laughs> just just quickly Chris everybody it calm is down. just fucking frustrating now, hold on a second okay because <laughs> one thing I want to just point out the one thing I wanted yes, to point out it. is and let's all just take a step back I'm sure. going to step in on here and just talk about it Sharon Tate mm-hmm. did a, I don't know how many movies she did uh, mm-hmm. before that four yeah Fearless Vampire Killers, okay she was um, pregnant yeah right yeah it's hideous her, her, it's hideous what happened to her no 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 after that mm-hmm. if that didn't happen right. what do you think her career would be like I don't know I don't know. Yeah, I for me, I I felt like um, I personally, I'm going to go on. Right, I I really feel like that movie sequence scene mm-hmm. was shot after the fact, right? Because it was to give her a realness. Because you don't want to just have her be like a poster. Um, whereas I felt well, the, okay. It, so she had much less of a role when they released this in Cannes, which came out in May. She had a much less met less of a role Mm -hmm. a lot of people were disappointed hollywood nerds because they're like i thought this movie was about sharon tate so they added 10 to 15 minutes of more footage of her in the movie that came out in theaters but why would you do that why did you listen to these fucking douchebags on the on the well there's there's a whole article about that anyway the it is irresponsible why it is irresponsible filmmaking to do this because you, if you're going to be talking about this movie or talk about this, you can't just necessarily go, oh, and then this is just my version of whatever it is. If you're going to, if you're, if you are Tarantino right. and you're at a certain level of influence in the filmmaking industry, right. and you are, you are, uh, you are going to have, 
let's go to uh, 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 Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. as a great example of of, of Tarantino films. Uh, a lot of people misinterpret it. I, you actually said it. You said a you said a beautiful thing when you talked about, uh, and we've talked about it many times on. Um, uh, oh crap, my name blanking. Um, uh, the, the the bugs sci-fi film. The bugs. Oh, uh, uh, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Starship Troopers. Uh, that is that is that is actually trying to very poignantly that that I believe like like you're actually talking about Nazi filmmaking. Right. Right. And but you you do have a responsibility to tell the Sharon State story in some ways. If he had stuck to his guns and not included a bunch of footage about Sharon and made her very much a background story because this film is really about about DiCaprio and, and Pitt. This film is really – I feel that way. What, the, the, what, what is the Sharon Tate story and why is she in the film at all then? Because that is the context. The, so the 60s is the context. Like what, is, well, what, is she, what is she doing? Well, like when he wrote the – when he went, wrote and shot the entire scene when she goes to the movies and watching herself, what is that – what is it – if it's not it – do, it doesn't mean anything. What is, what is it there for? I don't think it was – it needed to be there at that, all. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like it doesn't – like so he shot it. And he had no idea what he was shooting. He was just shooting something with her. I, yeah, I believe okay. there's probably a whole bunch of shit that's not in the movie, do, do you, including is that. This, my, my, my question is, uh, so like your, th- your, your thesis is this is just a bunch of random stuff that he wrote, essentially. No. Okay, so what is the meaning of the film? <laughs> the meaning of the film is to put context around that time. I really feel. What is it? What, I'm sorry. What, what does that mean? That what, when time, you say, wait, 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 wait. Context around that time. What does that mean as a statement? Like, what is that? What are you? What are you trying to say with that? What is he trying to do with this film? What is he saying? Honestly, I think that he's trying to say, "What if this happened?" Why is he saying that? Because I think he's glorifying what was great about hollywood at that time okay well then why is he doing why is he choosing to do that what is interesting to him about that because i think that's what when he was starting as a filmmaker those were his idols so what does he say about his idols he wishes they weren't murdered and he wants to murder them the way that he's murdered a bunch of people in his own films and what does he say about say like people like <laughs> steve mcqueen which by a pit plays like what does he say about his idols there Oh. Is there is there a point to having is it is it like do you imagine that it's like he's just like oh I should make him really really cool and also you know it'd be really cool is if he murdered his wife no one's gonna be bothered by that I'm just gonna put that in there and have him say racist things about Mexicans because that's cool no 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 okay let's go back to the racist about Mexican things uh-huh. right <laughs> he <laughs> said don't, don't cry in front of the Mexicans he Blind, said he that? said he said one thing don't uh-huh. cry in front of the Mexicans that's the only thing he said. Yeah, and it's racist. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> he used the N word so many times in other movies. Yeah, and like, yeah, well, this is the thing. It's like, no, no, what, no, hold on. Brad Pitt never said the N word. No, well, Tarantino uses the N word. No, I'm not so much. saying that. It's, no, 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 right. no, no. The only thing that he said mm-hmm. was, "Don't cry for the Mexicans." Yes, why? Which why? seems like now suddenly we're saying that's the most racist thing he's ever it is, said. It is a racist thing to say. Right, we'll say right. that. <laughs> okay, but at the same time. So it's, it's not a it's not a very excusable so was, thing to be saying in a movie. So was uh, and 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 that's something you would not say today, right? And he is saying it today because it is today, right? And so also, has, also, so also, do you think also, character, also, do you, also, sh- sh- 
also you wouldn't be smoking as much as you would right. today. So, do, so wait, no, wait, wait, a lot wait, wait, of people wait. said Mexican back then, yes, and a lot of people true. smoked back why then. Would you have, a as, lot of people, people drink and drive back right. then. So my question is, <laughs> a lot of people didn't wear their seatbelts back then. If you know, so to, if, my question is, if you know, it's not that, necessarily a racist thing to say. It might have been just in context of that time. People was not necessarily so, racist. As my, my question is this. People are very, very angry about uh, the Bruce Lee scene, right? Yes. Uh, he, like, I'm sure he's relatively aware that if you have a man, and he's been picked on, ex- uh, even when he's making two movies in a row that are about uh, anti-racist statements, he is picked on for the things that he says in the movie. Sure. Right. So I'm sure he's pretty aware that if he makes a main character say something like, don't cry in front of the Mexicans, he is inviting some sort of flack for this right so it's not a it's it's automatically a less likable person who says this i think that's my argument like you're not going to say that in a movie today and go like oh people are going to think that's great that's a good wholesome person like they're going to have a reaction just like they did to bruce lee for instance i actually i actually feel like i said it earlier i I felt that it wasn't i i sorry go ahead (laughs) hey don't worry about me eric shealy here live Um, but the point is i really felt like he, um, uh, he really uh, he needed somebody like. I felt like he was not tethered as an artist, and good. and he's. I think he's a brilliant American artist. I'm not saying anything differently. And I, there was so much of the movie I loved. I really did. Mm-hmm. I just felt like with like some of the points I caught with the, the cutting, mm-hmm. and, like the stylistic. Yeah, like, it jarred you out of the movie, and you did not. Yeah, and because it started very immersive. Yeah. And if you're going to do that dreamlike with a message or dreamlike, even if you cut it off at the right. end, there were so many like, what the? By the time we got to the shooting at the end, or right. the, the, it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like I felt like editorially he probably had a big problem, right. and I felt like there was nobody okay. there saying yeah. no to you. Like you and now I don't say Harvey Weinstein because he was a great guy. I just there's somebody there with a who's just as arrogant and with a big mouth as him right. that say you're out of your fucking mind. It's not yeah, going to happen. Chop We're right, chopping right, this right. fucking thing right. down. Right. And if he had that, it would have been like a great American mass. It is an American masterpiece. A great American masterpiece. Yeah, you would say a flawed masterpiece. Flawed masterpiece. It's a flawed masterpiece. Yeah. It would have been a pure masterpiece right. if there was somebody there saying you're not doing that. Yeah, it's like it's like for you, it's his magnificent Ambersons. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, like it. It's like stop, shut up, and just listen. You right. are putting too much in, mm-hmm. and you're. I I saw a lot of this. T- Here's the thing, and I'm going to say this, Chris. No, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Keith Richards used to say a thing like, uh, I'm going to – music stuff, quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty Moore, DJ Fontana, right. uh, guys that were in the original Elvis band, right? Mm-hmm. right. You know, like Blue Moon of Kentucky, genius band. Like Influence, Page, and Beck, everybody, blah, 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 blah. The point is Keith would always say, you don't see seams. You right. can't see the seams right. without those guys. Because right. he was talking about Led Zeppelin. He's like, he felt there were a lot of cracks in, right. in the seams. Right. He's like, there's nothing there. Right. And the point is, he basically let too many cr- – it was just like, stop. Right. You're putting you, too many – Breaking the film broke the film for yeah, you. Yeah, and there. I felt like – I was watching it. I was like, I bet you is the only voice in that editing bay. Right. Right. Meaning there wasn't somebody saying in the back, that, like Nancy, 
woman from DD when we'd be in the back with Rob Cohen, and she would be like, "No, you're not," you know, like in the back. That type <laughs> of person, person yeah. yeah, that type of person right. saying, "You're not fucking do it," and my right. balls are bigger than your balls, right. so it doesn't matter. Right. And then he would say, "Oh, yeah, you're right," right, because. In front of him, it was a masterpiece, and I felt like he kind of fucked it up because there were little bing, boom, bam, bing. Right. You know, it was too yeah. self-referential at, at times that were not equal. Right. Good Meaning fe- it was, Fellows was much more consistent and still was able to because, immerse you in now the Now, here's the thing word. about Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. It was a true story, the Lufthansa flight, yeah. and Absolutely. they followed it to the T. Mm-hmm. But they meandered in a storytelling device right. that showed what the world was like, and you never forgot it. Can I tell right. you my favorite bit about Goodfellas? Like the, and like, there's so many great lines, and there's so many great sequences. But my very favorite thing is that uh, the kid playing young Ray Liotta has the shittiest green contact lenses to look like Ray Liotta. And so what does Scorsese do? He opens on a shot of the kid's eyeball so you can see the contact lenses. <laughs> like, that to me is, a, is an awesomely jarring uh, yeah. reality shattering so, thing. Do. But, but you don't even think about that. Yeah. Well, well, it's also the opening shot, and then you get into the movie after that point. Well, he, he, he doesn't from rags yeah, to exactly, riches. Exactly. That's the song. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, it's incredible. incredible uh, uh, so, it's. Yeah, it's a there's beautiful. A, there's a lot. I mean, it's a beautiful film. It's a but beautiful piece. I bet of a editorial. Film. It was weak, and right. that's when I walked out. I said, "Man, I wish there was an editor besides him in that room." There right. probably no, were you. a, a lot, you. absolutely. And it's like it's not because of the length. I I could the three and, hours and, didn't bother me. Right. And the thing is, I think Dan, I think you're making a lot of excuses for this film. I, oh, you're well, not looking at it critically. I, I think I think here's 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 my feeling is that I'm sorry I yelled at you. That's I, I, I am. I know you. I, I know, I know, I know you're cool about forty-eight that. seconds. I'm, I'm I thought out. it was the last podcast. I thought you were just going like, to fuck you <laughs> and leave. Good. And I was like, "Everything is going to be a talking movie." I, right. I knew. So I knew this was going to get yeah, heated. I was good. like, I'm, I was I'm like, all for it. I'm yeah. all for it. It wasn't me that got heated. I'm mm. sitting here sketching and but talking. Here's, here's here's my feeling. Now you're doing a great job, Eric. No, here's here's my feeling generally about Tarantino. Good job, boy. Tarantino is like he's a fascinating. He has a fascinating effect on movie culture and. Because uh, he – now, um, I've never met this guy, so I don't know. But, like, certainly many people have a problem with his just public persona is very grating to people. Like, that's – he's just a – like, the way that he presents himself – wait, I'm just going off my thing. So the um, so the performer the, – the way that he is, like, uh, you know, he has this very hyper-intense kind of, you know, weird voice and all this kind of stuff. It sort of sets people off. And he makes movies that seem to be designed to set people off. Like every movie he makes, there's something in it that people get upset by, whatever it is. And uh, and he does this on purpose. And he brings it on himself. Totally brings it on himself. And so the uh, the what I what I think is totally fascinating though is that with every like out of all of his films, like um, every one of them has a has a its detractors who make the same argument that you're making for this movie and which is it's just a bunch of random nonsense disconnected violence and it's, and it's meaningless and now these are that's true for every one of his films but not for it's not a uniform group of people right like 
like Eric, for instance, you don't you you have you don't like Inglorious Bastards. Like that didn't work for you at all, right? Like that is that's actually one of his giant hits critically, right? That worked very well for most critics, um, but didn't work for Eric. And Eric has good taste in movies, yep. right? Uh, when uh, when Pulp Fiction came out, when Reservoir Dogs came out, like that generated a fan base that when Jackie Brown came out, almost everybody hated Jackie Brown. Like they, they they were like, what the fuck is the point of this slow ass movie? This is dumb and it's all like a bunch of boring talking. Because they just want to see a bunch of violence. Yeah. Which, by the way, he's so, like, oh, just wait till the end but, of but the this, movie. This is wait, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Eric, Eric, Eric. Okay, I'll just, continue. Wait, I'm no, no, continue let him continue. Let him No, no, no. You continue. <laughs> no, no, no. All I'm saying is Jackie Brown. He showed real things and real people. Thank you. And Eric. he got meaning. So, this and he saying. gives that to me, and then he I'm, takes away the realness and gets immature. Right. Well, this is this. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Because he doesn't know what else to do. Because nobody was there saying. This is you're fucking out of right. your mind. So Stay is, focused. This is this is what I, and I don't mean this in an accusatory way towards anybody, but this same that same argument from from both directions here is made towards all of his films for various reasons. Because people like one bit or they like one movie over another movie, and the other movie that they don't like is meaningless. And like this is true for Death Proof. This is true for Kill Bill. This is Kill Bill, Kill Bill Two. This is true for uh, Jackie Brown. It's true. It's true for Pulp Fiction. And all every like I've argued every single one of these movies with people that hate these movies. And the argument that I get from that end is this is a bunch of disconnected nonsense in whatever whether it's boring or whether it's violent. No, you know, so the so he, quickly yes, not it's not disconnected nonsense. What I'm saying is he did this look quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, quickly. It's you get angry at an artist like um, Francis Bacon, right? right? By the 78, he was doing the same fucking shit. And that's all he did. He was pulling out the same old tricks and doing it. And he wasn't growing as an artist. Okay. So take a left turn, take a right turn, explore the palette different like uh, like Lucian Freud. No, he's pulling the same bullshit because I honestly. But for most of this movie, he wasn't doing that, right? Well, not only for the most of the movie, he wasn't. He, I didn't see him grow as an artist. Well, well, like Brad Pitt on the roof when there's no music and no dialogue and he's just standing there listening to the wind. Paul like, Newman. That was never in a Tarantino movie before. Like that's never been there. That, that sense of Paul place and Newman never been there. verdict. Yeah, incredible. But right? he also had like an extraordinary moment with Brad Pitt. Right. And not even just because they came through the door and, and, they, and it changed. Right. It's like um, – he almost like Brad Pitt killed his wife, mm-hmm. but there was a redemption to that. Absolutely. Like, yeah. it, the, you right. know, there's a redemption to his, the killing and his ways. Right. He could represent the Marlboro Men in many ways Absolutely. or America, sure. yeah. but right. you cut that short. It's a complex character. Yes, complex but the point character. is you cut him short and then you trivialize death, mm-hmm. made it revenge. Right. But at the same time, it's like, that's what you always did. Why not you stop being safe or pulling something out of your ass because you've done it before and say, I am actually going to see this guy all the way to the end and watch them get murdered. But you will still like him as a character, even though he watched them get murdered, which would say a lot more than trivializing the death of the wrong people in the house earlier. So I have an answer for you. I have an answer for you. Okay. That uh, in all these movies where people get uh uh, I think perfectly. But I don't reason- want all his movies. Wait, I want him wait, no, growing no, no, no. as an I'm artist. Saying, oh, no, I, I hear you. No, I think that all of his movies are actually pretty radically different movies to me. Like they use a lot of, they call back to each other all over the place. That's true. And he has a certain, certain styles and certain things, feet that he likes really, that he likes more than anything. However, 
the thing is, is that uh, what he does, cons- the one thing he does consistently, right, with everybody is upset them. And he Tarantino? Tra- Tarantino. And he wants to upset you, not in a, not sometimes, I mean, in a juvenile way sometimes, but also in a way that makes you, uh, say, do a three hour podcast about the movie. Like he is trying to make you, he's trying to jar you into thinking about this thing. Like the way that I when, think I wanted when, a Scorsese version of this. I know. And movie. Scorsese, I think Scorsese, when you compare this to Goodfellas, I wanted like a Goodfell- Scorsese right, version. Right, exactly, exactly. And so Scorsese, and all respect to Goodfellas, that is a very smooth, very romanticized experience about the mob. Right? Yes, that's the idea, and this, this is a very romanticized. This is not a. This is not a romanticization. Look, when it's you want to fuck like, one of those span the, ranch girls, the, that's romanticized. This is yeah. This the, the movie rides on romance the whole time, and then stuffs it in your face as a movie that says this is fucking baloney. Because I'll tell you one thing: when I walked out of this movie, I laughed my ass off in the end. I felt wonderful the whole time, and it was a light, happy comedy. And it was revenge, and no. And, be, and Sharon Tate lived. It's a happy ending. And it ends with Once Upon a Time, right? And I walked out of the movie and immediately I was sad because Sharon Tate's fucking actually dead because what she represents is dying. Like the movie is actually a sad movie, but it's not a sad movie within the movie. It's a movie that makes you recognize that you are living a fantasy if you don't recognize that things are dying. My- but you didn't get to know her enough in a sense to know what if you want to see have a meaning of something dying you want to see that her in the movie for me just for me her in the movie theater watching herself is one of the most beautiful i cried when it happened and i cried later talking about it to somebody yeah i didn't i didn't get that i understand but this is the thing all i saw was her dirty fucking feet yeah i know so this is here's my no i didn't see that i just i did not pick that up no but i did see that and i think is that to me it was it was Here's 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 what I here's what I think. Just to, just to put this out to you, that I if you pick any other movie, you know I can do this with Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that I can talk about in a way about that movie that makes you go like, oh, that's true. It is structured that well, and it is well thought through, and it is well written, yeah. right? But not this one. This one's random, and you didn't like it. That's what everyone says about one of his movies, and this is the one that hit you and made you mad. That's why it's getting to you. And I think that the reason why you got upset is because I'm not not making sense. It's an upsetting thing. That's why it's here. Yes. I agree with you. Like, and I actually said at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. I said it in like one of the things that upsets me about the movie are also the things that I love about it, Mm -hmm. right? I know this is a fact and I know all these other issues that are going on. And I think you're right. It is an important movie and it needs a lot of digesting, right? right? And I literally saw it yesterday. So absolutely. It's 24 hours. I've been thinking about this for obviously many days. I've only seen it once, but it really, really got in my head. Right. Right. And it, and that's 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 correct. Right. Um, but <sighs> I would I only ask that you consider that this movie is trying to upset you in a way that you feel really upset about, and the movie tricks you into suddenly. What am I supposed to be that. upset about? Like exactly what think, you just told me you're upset I about. I think it could have that they I, they trivialized I, the end. That uh, that that they made you feel exactly like how uh, people in the in in that moment felt like. You have pulled the rug out from underneath me. You haven't romanticized this. Well, I think – no, but I, I also think – and I, I said it earlier. It was like I feel like he used some tricks 
like out of the bag, like the bing yep. and the cut stuff. Sure. And it was like, but it wasn't throughout the film. It was just towards the end. It's, what, a la- it's the last third. Like, yeah. really, it is, really, it and is he the was last, like using the, the old third. tricks and it was evident to me. Well, and, and, and specifically, it's when all the lights go, like, go down, like he has a montage of the Musso and Frank sign closing down, this sign closing down, Hollywood closing down, and then the third act starts. And then it's a different movie. Like, then it's a wholly different movie. Specifically. Then he's talking to you. Th- this is a movie that. And they introduce a, yeah, a freaking narrator out of nowhere. Yes. Like, he's making, he's making you very, very aware of its moviness more and more, especially in the third act. Like, he really goes out of his way. Yeah, because the, like, the, the, does when, that, when Brad does Pitt that is, feel like the end of, again, Goodfellas? No, no, not like that. No, like Goodfellas not, was like twelve forty nine. Yeah, did this, did that. Like, no, like the the you, one moment in Goodfellas. You know, I'm talking about the, the Goodfellas the, when they're the, like there's, there's, no, my hat, so. Karen. I no, need the my one, hat. the one moment yeah, it's like in when he's trying to make the Connellys and like right. it's all the mundane right. shit that's, that's going on. That's still realistic though. The I one understand, moment, the but one that moment happened. Good, I'm, I'm helping your argument. Yeah. The one moment in Goodfellas that he breaks it is he in the very, very, very last gag. He. Stands up out of the jury, uh, out of the uh, witness box, and starts talking to the camera, and then that's the end of the movie. Like that's the moment that he breaks. But the he was the wall. narrator during the but whole thing. But he was thing. the narrator. But, but, but you no, saw not saying, him. I'm through, not saying it's bad. You saw <laughs> saying that. Like, he uh, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be in the mob. Right. Okay. Yes. But you totally. didn't have that throughput with any other character. No, I'm not. I'm not arguing for you to like the stylization. I'm just saying it's not random. I like just, it's it is it is something he's doing on purpose. You don't like it. I understand. So so what? But it's not a random. I thought I thought he cheapened. Um, the voice, his voice. So a way to here's yeah, the thing. I, when I, I, when I said about irresponsible filmmaking, right? Because there are a lot of deep meanings going on into this. But irresponsible filmmaking is the fact that someone could look at this movie and goes, "It's a bunch of shots of Hollywood from the '60s." Right. The Manson family is involved, and then uh, they changed the ending that they didn't murder Sharon Tate. Right. Instead. Uh, they 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 brutally murder in the most Quentin Tarantino f- way ever. But you ever. need to know the, the end right. of the, the people. You need to know the history. That is the way that you you could I, basically you could sum up this whole movie right. in thirty seconds. Right, and it is you, and then you realize like, well, that's kind of bullshit. So, like, well, if you didn't know about the Manson murders, then what happens for you? Yeah, that's what I'm curious. So, like, I'm as I'm just proposing this. I think it in that he goes out of his way to not inform the audience, like. And and to me, the 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 theme of the film is saying a lot about look at this new like look at how media works today. Look at the this this new bunch of filmmakers. The Manson family is coming and fucking everything up, and he is making a movie in which if you don't know the history, you don't get the fucking movie. Like it seems like he is saying, you like it's your fault. It's you a don't country know club. This. It's yeah. country club filmmaking. No, it's it's it is it is, yeah, it is, it is your know fault. what the fuck is going on. Yeah, or it's else your you're, fault. You're excluded you got, like, if you like because yeah. no, which wait, is wait, wait, Hollywood wait. elitism. No, it's no, it's <laughs> it by is. the way. No, okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm just gonna say if no, she wasn't I killed, feel, would I she have had a great I feel movie right career? Now, like nobody is processing anything I'm saying whatsoever. Like if it's just going over the tops of your head, just like I'm not gonna listen to that. I'm just gonna talk about my own thing. I like what he's saying. What he's saying is like the fucking attention span we have is six seconds long. None of every we are trading in things that are absolutely meaningless. Nobody thinks about the meaning of what they're saying. It's all a bunch of garbage. And here's a bunch of garbage picking jerks. And if you come into this movie and you don't even know who Charles Manson is, what? What? How? What? Are you five? That's Dan, what he's saying. Dan, that's the problem, though. That is I, no, no. That is the argument of the film. I understand, but that, that is, is not a problem that is with the, the film. Problem. That's like saying the problem with Muhammad Ali is that he keeps punching people. 
No. <laughs> that is not the problem. That is the confrontation of the film. But the problem is the elitism. And you actually have not. said that before. You've actually talked about this before when we've talked about politics, mm -hmm. where you basically said, we're not listening because we're sitting here on our fucking high horse. Yes. So and, and, and what no, does no, he do to break the elitism Dan, of the film? You're going to have to let people get an edge in. You're not. You you, you are arguing at the top of you. You have actually made it. I have just listened to the previous <laughs> podcast we did where so, you said stop. Where we just sat, talked about how the fact that you do not. People are not listening to other people. Right. You are just sitting here talking about how your point of view is more important than anyone else's, and you're not listening to I anyone that, else. I, 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 and I, you have I been doing that this if entire if, podcast. If, 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 if you I, have if been I'm doing saying, that, yes. if it comes across that I think that that you know, that my my point of view is not uh, like if that my point of view is more important than yours. That is simply not true. That is exactly I, how I, it's coming across. Then, then let me, really? Then, then, then I, don't, me, I don't. I don't pick that up. That, then let me apologize. Really? I don't pick that up. I never ever ever want to say that. I'm not saying like you can't. No, you're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong about a movie. I'm saying that this movie uh, is like I'm trying to suggest that the reason why this movie might be upsetting to you is because there are things in it that upset you in what it's talking about, which are actually meaningful to you. I think that maybe you agree with this movie and it makes you upset. No, I think I, that's may, maybe what what's I going think on. it's irresponsible is the fact is that a lot of people are going to uh, not not understand you the new. I agree with a lot of the nuances you're bringing right. up, but I think it's irresponsible because this movie is making it uh, hard for people to pick those things up. And I know that sometimes you have to spoon feed things to people, and Tarantino is right. not doing that. Well, I mean, and he's choosing to not do that. Choosing not to not so, do like, that. I guess well, that's what it, I think is irresponsible. You, but would it be hypocritical of him to do what he says you shouldn't do? Like, you shouldn't spoon feed. Right, you should think about what what we are watching. I'm not, and and listen, it, it, yes, you're right. It would be a it would be a lesser movie mm -hmm. if if he basically this is the Manson family. This is the, right. like like literally explain everything right. that's going right. on. I understand that that would be, but there, I still think there should be something. Because a lot of people are going to walk you out of there. You want a, you like a key? Well, I understand this. I mean, I, you, you know, like I'm sorry. I'm you know. Right. Let, let's just let's check. You know, some average kid. That goes to you know some community college right. is like I loved you know Pulp Fiction or whatever. I'm gonna watch this film. Gonna walk out of there. What are they gonna pick up? Right? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Right. So right. so 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 in the context of our specific situation where we're arguing about history and country, right? Mm -hmm. We have a responsibility to teach people about history, and this film is basically saying, ah. You don't know about history? Fuck you. Well, you don't know about history? Fuck you because you're not smart enough and I am a Hollywood elitist and I know about history and you don't know about history so fuck you. But and that I, is irresponsible. I, okay, I I disagree in this way, right? The movie itself, the existence of the movie uh automatically when you get if you don't know who this is and you go what the fuck was that about? I don't even understand what happened in that movie. Mm -hmm. Then 
then there's, I bet you there's going to be a shit ton of people that watch this movie who have no idea who Sharon Tate is. Right. But I don't even know if she's did real. Did you know quickly but, to break this up? Did you know Brian Cranston met Charles Manson? Oh my god! Oh, really? I, I, I listened to that story. Horrifying. Have you heard that story? Yeah. With the whole, have you heard that story? <laughs> no, not heard he story. loved horseback riding. He grew up in the yeah, valley, it's like, it's like, and like, he used to ride horses with his buddy. And they used to make quick shortcuts through Spine Ranch. Right. Oh my god! And story. Charles Manson came after him. Was hey man, get off right. our property? It's like oh, Charles right. is going crazy, crazy up there. Nuts, dude. That's insane. Yes, Charlie. On numerous occasions. Oh my god! I'd love to hear an interview with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. He was on. If you go back. To the Nerdist, the Nerdist podcast. Oh, he's either on the Nerdist or WTF, and he talks about uh, Charles Manson right. g- giving him horseback oh my God, riding lessons. Up, I would, the- I would never stop brushing my teeth after talking to that dude. Yeah, oh my God, it'd be awful. But yeah, the like, the like <laughs> uh, what, what like, music's the- pretty good though, huh? If you listen to his music. What Manson's music? Yeah, but Manson's music's in the film. That's the yeah, song. Yeah, I know. That's right. It's creepy as fuck. But I mean, even he, if I didn't but know he, the Manson. song he wrote for the Beach Boys is like it's not bad, guys. Yeah, just because you're a Melcher, fucking evil Melker, doesn't yeah. Terry mm. Melker is the producer. Right. I also believe that Melker was the guy that Peter Fonda portrayed in Limey. Oh God, yes, yeah, God. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, brother, do I love that movie? God you know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. When you were born, yeah. I told your father to name you. Yeah, you know? so fucking good, dude. That's a, that. We should do that movie. That's a good. That's a good picture. You tell him I'm all fucking, right. Tell him all I'm right. So the, the thing that I was going to say is that the no, I, I hear what you're saying because it it is a it's an extremely confrontational movie, right? Mm-hmm. The movie itself, however, like the way in which it is responsible, is that it's fun as fucking hell. Right. It's not okay. it's not a movie like he's not just didactically saying you don't know what I'm talking about. He's like, I'm going to show you a fucking great time and then I'm going to end it with a pow. And then you're going to be like, what was it even about anyway? And then you find out like it. It's not hectoring the audience for being idiots. It's challenging them on what they don't know. And then they can discover it like that's actually responsible. I don't think. Yeah, but. I, uh, OK, OK, OK. Yeah, I do. Right. It's not I an do. unfun movie. It's a I very think he fun started movie. with. What if I made a movie about an actor of the period of I love the Gunsmoke type of guy, sure, right. and I just put him next to um, the Tate House? <laughs> so he was like, this is what I'm saying, dude. It's like I respect what you're saying, but I don't think in any of his other movies he's that random. It's no, no, but hold on a second. Random. With this, I I do think he's a genius, but I, I saw the cracks in the seams. It was not the fucking first Elvis album. Right. And I'm like, man, you were so close. But he's so flawless in every other aspect of the movie that you love. So flawless. It's flawless. Then why is he... like? Because I the, think so he fell cra- apart so the- editorially in the third act. And I felt like he was talking to himself. There was nobody saying, step right. back, look at these characters, right. focus here. Everybody else is like, oh, sure, Quentin. But you agree that sure, the, 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 third, the third act tonally is immediately different the moment it starts, right? Yeah, but he's going to probably say, oh, yeah, it was on purpose but no no if he's making one section of the movie feel exactly like this all the way through it's got to be on purpose he's doing this like he can't not no, tell that there it's were the same cheap as the other uses of his old techniques right. uh, that he added the way he was talking to you it was not another voice that started as they were talking to you meaning right. when we the movie started and i felt like it was i saw tape and I was like, it was. You ta- saw the, I, I think we're saying the same thing. It was taped together. Like, you're like what you what you don't like is that you see the seams, and what I think it's trying to do is show you the seams. Like I think the the upsetting thing, like you're saying, Chris, is like the thing that pisses me off is the thing that I love. Like for me, the thing that I love is that the movie in the third act tells you this is a movie, 
right? And gives you the finale that you think you want, right? That here's the movie ending, right? But the movie ending isn't what actually happened. He gave me characters with meaning. Yes. And then, and he, then he takes he, them away. He takes them away. Yes. But that's like – Okay. But at the end, right. it, it okay. okay. That's great. But in – but that's the fucking 60s. They gave us something great and they fucked it up. That's what okay, I'm saying. Okay, great. <laughs> great. But we've already dealt with that, you know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes, All right. yes. I, am, I, I think I, I, I would like more meaning in my life. I, I am I, I am starting you. to buy into this. Do you see where I'm coming from? That's all I'm saying. I'm like there's a, there's well, an angle to it. There's an angle to right. it. Right. So I think some of this I, angle again, he does I've only had 24 hours to digest it. Sure, absolutely. And and if I may, just just before, I just want to say the what is fantastic about the movie is that if it were simply like if Pitt were simply a hero to me, if you were just a great guy and DiCaprio is like no. his buddy, like then the movie would be an elitist manifesto. But instead, it says, look at the people we worship. Like these these are the heroes. Like that's a fucking terrible person. He's a murderer. Like this, See, is, this I thought, is who, I, who uh, this is the icon that I'm worshiping. So I'm criticizing the new the, the new generation. And here's the guy I worship, and he's a fucking wife murdering psychopath. <laughs> like he is being self critical simultaneously. That's what makes it work. No, he's the he's Brad Pitt for me. I thought was the narrator, and I overlooked all his problems mm-hmm. because he was like the fallen one who can get up and guide you through. Totally agreed. This, but then. You trivialize that voice uh, for a different reason, mm-hmm. which was jarring, and you can say that's art, but at the same time, what does it say about the artist who cannot just say, I have matured, I'm not going to cut him off at his knees, and right. I'm going to just take the chance and let that voice Sure. No, I hear um, that. Come through. Well, okay, and I felt I like, like that was always the thing, except with Jackie Brown. Right. Because the actors were strong. Right. I don't want happy endings. Right. Yeah, if, but it also yeah, but those characters yeah, you're right. Those characters but the point are strong. is yeah. if he 100%. went up to the house I'm not saying you. it should have been yeah. the end. If he went up to the house and watched Fuller get slashed in the throat right. on the lawn, right. begging for his life, her life, they all asked them to be spared. Right. And all the girls right. said, Fuck you, yeah. I'm gonna kill you totally, now. Totally okay. True. All middle class girls, all of them. Yep. Yep. And what was missing in their life? The system failed them. Right. And so here's a guy who skirted, you know, the law himself, Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. and he was kind of a lackey for this guy. Right. I really didn't see a beautiful arc in the uh, DiCaprio's character. I felt like I I understood that, but when you put him against the girl and you put him against the little kid reading right. and when you put him against brad pitt there was more meaning in that because his voice was very just observational yeah brad, brad pitt is dicaprio's essential father in this movie that's right, right. right. that's what's and happening. that's what was missing for all the girls on the span ranch mm-hmm. they didn't have a their Absolutely. father figure was charles manson but right. they didn't have a father that took care of them when they grew up right. all their fathers left them so for me, and then they have an old man stuffed in the back that they just go and you know pay pay off with sex. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a desperate and sad situation, right? That's what that's what's going on in reality well, as well as uh, in the movie. Yeah, I didn't see. I saw that as just commerce. Well, it's sad, right? It, sad, it seems sad to me. Look, like, he was happy. He was getting fucked every day by by twenty two so. year olds. Yeah. You know, 
So and he's blind. So God bless. Yeah. It was a, it was a business. And let's arra- give a shout out to Bruce Dern. Yeah, but the point awesome. is, it was a it was <laughs> a business great. arrangement. Yeah. I don't right. condone. It's like whatever. That's fine. You want to get a hooker? Get a hooker. Right. The point is, that was a business deal. Right. My thing was, <clears throat> is that there was something missing with America at that time, mm. and with all the ideas that were um, bandied around in the sixties of ways we can change our culture from military industrial complex, right. everything like the night of the Altamont, the so, night of this fucked it. Right. It's, and, a, it's a moment of change that we fucked up. Yeah. And right. so when you see a movie like in, or in razor's edge, it's like this observation of the madness of men right. of what we do right. when we're put in these situations, but there was no reason for us to be in these situations. Right. So it's not a time of retribution. Like I'm going to pretend I, it's almost like Tarantino's playing God where he wanted to change it at the ending in a way. Do you, do you feel in saying glorious bastards that, uh, the bastards are good? No, but here's the thing. Nazis have been so characterized mm-hmm. from comic books and everything since. The Manson thing is a different thing because it's not this – what the Nazis is is horrible. I'm not condoning it. What I'm saying is <laughs> – I, I know. No, it's a different – it's it's on a small scale. Right. People were – Oh, it's hideous. Like it's yeah, one of the most hideous things. Yeah, but to happened. make people – so it's more – I think the more jarring thing about it is – that it wasn't a government or a leader sure. banding people, right. millions of people around. It was some guy on a fucking horse ranch right. who can just who change people. Pe- anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah totally. And because of the size of that, yeah, it, it was like death it's by horrifying. a thousand cuts. It's right. so horrifying because it makes you really feel, oh, it could really happen yeah, to anybody. Absolutely. And so like, I get, here's, like, here's my question. It's like the, the – um, the, well, actually, here. By the way, the back. Sebring guy, mm-hmm. he was the hairstylist that was dated her. Yeah. It's shampoo, you said, right? Isn't that shampoo. Guy? Yeah, shampoo. You told me the last time. Yeah. I was really and excited, the other thing is, is that he was dating her uh-huh. and then she met Roman Polanski. Right. And he's like, I want to meet him. I don't approve of him just yet. Right. So they had to have dinner and right. kind of a talk because he's like, I know you broke up with me, but I want to make sure he's the right guy for you. Well, right? that was the Steve McQueen speech, right? Well, and Steve McQueen, no, this is he another- was saying. Yeah, that was but a Steve little McQueen bit. Steve McQueen gave him the talk about like this Steve... guy loves her and 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 and, yeah. and Steve McQueen says you know like like okay and and just think of it through think of it through the lens of Sharon Sharon Tate is is where movies are going right. the, Sharon Tate is the love of movies and uh, and Steve McQueen goes well now I guess you know she's she's never going to want to date me Steve McQueen right because what people what what this wants now what this uh, this this person wants now is little nerds <laughs> essentially right. like little smart smart little nerds which right. is also true in real life right. you know like i mean nerd culture took over like right. steve mcqueen is no longer the kind of hero that you put in a movie at all right like it's now and neither is brad pitt and neither is brad pitt and this is the sort of miracle of the movie right to me is like brad pitt brings it all back like for this one movie he musters all of his superstardom to give you this one last gasp of masculine 60s hero archetype right but again it's like they tarantino doesn't let him get off the hook as just that he's not in there to show you like this is how really everyone should be like brad pitt like if he did that the movie would be broken right instead he's like this is who i look up to these are the people i look up to in the movies that i watched when i was a kid and 
those people are fucking weird and violent and sexist and all they have, like they have all sorts of goddamn problems. And I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I feel like there's a good quality that's being represented here, but I can't get away from his backstory. Yeah. You know? And so when you, when you look at the ending of the movie, like I would say, and I, I can't speak for Tarantino, but like having seen a zillion interviews with him about this very subject, um, that the reason why he would not want to show the Manson murders the way that they actually happened is because to him, that is a romantic trap. Like they are forever imprisoned in this moment, like Sharon Tate's in Amber as the murdered woman, as opposed to uh, sensing, like feeling any of her potential at all or her as a, her as an actual human person. And for to celebrate Manson's, uh, like the celebration of violence that he shows you in the end of the movie, right? Only from, uh, he reenacts it through somebody else. Like, to celebrate violence with Manson is disgusting to him. And that, that he's actually said. He just, he's like, well, I don't want to show that. I don't like, like that. Like, I want to not romanticize that. Yeah, it's not, I actually think it could have just been sounds. Yeah. Like, I, but yeah, the point I, I, is, I, I don't think you needed to show that because we right. already know it. His, his idea. We already know. People going to this film already know that moment. Right. Some of them. But yes, but for the most part, uh, you would say 70 or 68%. My thing about uh, Brad Pitt, that you mentioned, I didn't see him as like a macho American hero type. I, I, saw, I don't I, mean that uh, yeah, I, He's a masculine hero. I saw him as, as um, like everybody else of that time. He would do anything to just – he's making some money. He's got a guy he works for, but he just is lost. And the thing was, even though he was a little lost – and kind of tripped a little bit. He still had, I got to go see George. I'm coming right. in. And he's being, yeah, because he has a good, he has an idea of what's right in his mind, right? And he acts it out and nothing's going to stop him, right? And he's also the patience of the movie. Like the movie has an opening scene with him where he feeds his dog for like do you seven think minutes. He too, yeah, but like, do you think he had too many you characters? To tell, like it, like that, that scene when he feeds his dog is like, is saying to the audience, like, you're going to get your meat in a minute. <laughs> like, Look, give me a minute. I, I felt like he had too many characters. Like I felt like the Del Pacino went on and on. And it was just like, it was, um, he really needed somebody to say, we don't need that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. There was stuff. It was like, I'm not saying cut it down to two hours, but I'm saying. The Al Pacino character that I loved, but you're right. Was it was unnecessary. unnecessary. And the whole, you know, like, oh, he's going to, go to Italy for I actually bit. don't think you needed to and show first of all, why the fuck did they make such a big deal about him drinking cognac on the rocks which by the way what the fuck why would you drink cognac on the rocks that's I, weird it's supposed I, to warm it up that's all I did huh? yeah. the point is I don't think you need I think you could have right, made that movie terrible. without only showing him in the driveway right. you know who that is what and you could have made the movie without going into her life into Sharon Tate's and just say do you know who that is when she goes in with Paul yeah Anthony? she could have just been a voice on the fucking thing I, I, I have to say, and that I, whole I, thing I is that whole thing can, is that totally mountain that up there, and he's down in the driver with a dog hearing voices. You, like even just just the scene of her dancing and folding clothes. No, you don't so, need to get that into. Yeah, like this is this this is the thing. It's yep. like I I completely agree with you. you. Can you can absolutely make that movie, and that's a good movie. But it is not simply about the sixties. Like that's, no, that's, it's it not. Is, it is about Margot Robbie right now playing this person. And that's important. That's why they sh that's why he's showing it. That's why he shows you the difference between 
the actual Margot how, Robbie and how, the actual Sharon Tate when he can clearly go yeah, and digitally replace Isn't that even him. more insider Hollywood? Isn't that no, even right there more in the elitist you know, of the Hollywood thing? No, yeah, I know you want to fall back on the elitist thing, but that is not elitist. That's trying to say, like, this is beautiful film. This is good. This is goodness. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make sense of the world, then. Mm-hmm. And this is hard for me in that context because we are we – are, Hollywood elitism is – needs to answer to itself at some point in what way i mean specifically i mean i understand that that's a that's a truth but that's like a, yes. what, what what is like who specifically do you mean when you say that well i think that you know when you make something like that extremeness in the in in the division that we have right now in this country and i'm right. thinking about people like i just want to see a tarantino film because i want to see a bunch of people get their heads blown off right which this film delivers Right, which is what most people are going for, right? Right. Right, and then the movie that, shows you that in a very questionable, weird way. Yes. Right, so it gives you the goods and then makes you feel weird about it. Here's the thing. If he <laughs> like, was like, if say? he said in an interview, I don't want to show the murders because – for what, what was the reason? Because he thinks that it's romanticizing them. Yeah, but then you what, wait, wait, trivialize wait, 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 was that? it. Sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, Eric, go back on that. What did you say? Show you the murders. Explain that. What was that scene again? He said in an interview he didn't want to show the murders because he didn't want to trivialize it. Right? He, d- he doesn't want to romanticize it. Romanticize and, he d- it. and specifically, he doesn't he, – and he, this is what he did say out loud is like he, uh, he hated Charles Manson and his crew not just because they were hideous, terrible people but because they uh, are now the only thing that defines Sharon Tate. Like Sharon Tate – was something else was a was a real and like a real person with a with a real dream. Then they should and have the given only her thing people know about her, her they know about her at all is that she was. Torn but they didn't give her stuff. enough scenes though. Then you didn't get. I didn't get enough they of her even from the movie theater. And I I don't know what to, I my when, only when argument that, that made in, me cry. So I guess like yeah, my I know. Argument. But like, she, when she effective. goes in and says, "Do you know who I am?" It's like okay. Yeah, I, there was no. I did not get enough. Of I think her. it was. A, I think it was caught in between the two worlds, right? That's right. Because I, I, I'm with you, Eric. I, I get it. I get both your points of view. Sure. Uh, but I think he you're made right. two different movies. I, I, said I that, think you're totally right. And I he made totally two right. different movies, yeah. and I would prefer the other one because most of the '60s people drifted, but you still can get a message from that. And also, I felt like. Brad Pitt was phenomenal. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, I mean, no argument there. I mean, it's just perfect. And so, yeah, I guess like this. It's actually – it's not, it's not just that. I think actually, honestly speaking, the, the acting and directing, not necessarily storytelling, mm-hmm, right. but the acting and directing in this film is one of the best. It's, there's just phenomenal work going it on all over It is one this. of yeah. the oh, totally, totally best. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and – uh, like whether or not the movie the, works for you as a whole, like we have to say that the this movie is works. Some, it's a masterpiece, yeah. but I still am there, like, yeah. But like, there's there's specific stuff in this that is better than anything he's ever done, and there's, uh, better, there's yes. stuff that's like I would say actually this is, that Brad Pitt's ever done. It's it's for me it's peak Pitt, it's peak uh, DiCaprio, it's peak Tarantino. Only, everyone involved. The only criticism I'm going to give mm. is that for an actor to. Th- uh, to think of themselves as an actor <laughs> right. is not as hard of a stretch right. as yeah. opposed to a coal miner, which they have no idea what right, a coal right. miner is like. So all really they have to do, all, if you're sure. if DiCaprio, 
though he 100 percent pulled it by off himself is it just like i think this is imagine, very much written for him I imagine think yourself as someone case. that's just about washed up and what it is so really he's like you said he's acting himself right right Right. Uh, I, I think he's typecast. Like, he's well. This, this I like DiCaprio quite a lot, anyway. But like, I think that I also like, like the fact, by the way, that a lot of people get DiCaprio and Brad Pitt confused yeah, in movies, know, and so the fact good. that they, he was his so double so was fantastic. really, but like, the, like classic. Pardon me, I just burped around the microphone. The um, I did uh, not hear it. Uh, you'll hear it in a minute. The um, uh, the but I I hear what you're saying about uh, actors playing suffering actors. My favorite uh, <laughs> my favorite moment. Possibly in Leo's entire career, I I really like him as an actor. I think he's a tremendous actor. This is his Gilbert best role Grape. for me. He's just he's. Oh, Gil, he's this is like Gilbert Grape, also great. But as a as a as an adult, like this is his best role. Yeah. And uh, really a number good. of roles that I really love him in. But this like when he is in that arc around shot that we're talking about before, like yep. when the camera goes all the way around. After he blows the line and he's trying to quit and the director won't let him and he comes back and he's sort of like half sit, he's like, and he's fighting with himself whether to continue the scene. And then he finally decides to continue the scene and then he sucks just a little bit. Like he's pushing too hard is the best modulated gag in the whole It was Jeremy Piven. It is fucking fantastic because he's like, he's overplaying it just just a little bit when that he comes is back. Some serious acting skills oh, to pull off. Fucking great, dude. That, that just a thought favorites. of like act really well, then fuck it up, and then act and just to recover and yep. then ask for the line <laughs> and then like, like do all this stuff. You see, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm two just, people on the screen at that I, moment I'm, where he's like there's the character he's trying to play, yeah. and then there's the guy that wants to die. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just incredible. Yeah. It's just incredible. Man, I like I was I was floored. And like the bit with like like the whole bit with uh, the little the the little actor girl who goes and it's just like that's the best acting I've ever seen. And he breaks down like it's hysterical because I've felt ex- everyone's felt exactly this way. Like this one little comment from somebody, you know, makes a big difference. Makes then. a giant difference. It's, yeah. it's sort of ridiculous, but it's so beautiful at the same time. And of course, like when he's flipping out and he's like, you know, he's in this trailer and he's kicking the shit out of him, and he's just like my favorite. One of my favorite cuts is when he looks in the mirror and he's like, "I'm gonna get home. You don't stop drinking. I'm gonna shoot you in the fucking face." Cuts to him drinking. <laughs> Like a, there's no cut. There's like he just starts. There's no drinking cut. It, starts drinking. Again. No, no, no. Oh I, I, that scene is so really funny. So and good. it's it was it was good. Yeah, dude. There's right? so much great stuff in this. Picture, and for and sure. you know the fact is it was actually well written too because mm-hmm. the fact is when when he goes through that process of yelling at himself, right. it it felt authentic and yeah. he felt you you felt his. Uh, his insecurity, right? In a in a way that felt very authentic, as right. opposed to sometimes you're like, you know, right. overdone. Right. Some characters. That that was the thing that was very difficult for me because you had some unbelievably believable characters, sure. like Brad yeah. Pitt and 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 DiCaprio were fantastically mm-hmm. believable characters. Right. And then suddenly, like. You know, go to that last act with the three fucking stooges it's, it's in a three car. Three stooges, absolutely. It's total and it's cartoon. Stupid. Total cartoon. Total like, cartoon. 100%. You know what we gotta do, man. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's like yeah. no, no one actually talks that right. way. Like that I mean, like but but like that's I mean, like in that he knows this is what I'm saying. It's like that is whether or not you think it's a good choice, it's a choice. It's not something he did randomly. He's doing it like he says, like, I know the difference between great acting 
and this corny cartoon baloney. Right, because like he's the cartoon, just making their it was the same cartoon comical. baloney with yes, Bruce Lee because he doesn't take he does not take he, them seriously at all. But you have to. No, this is he's like yeah, like, irresponsible. Like, this well, this is what I'm saying. It's like his I agree, I completely agree with him on this. Like this is why I think it's like when uh, they started mentioning the name of the shooters on you know from what like the latest goddamn shooting we had. Right. Like, don't fucking keep on saying these guys' names. Don't put their names on the news. Stop making them famous. Right. It's stupid. That's what they did in, in, in New Zealand. They actually never named the, the Christ. Yeah, don't do it. Like, right. this is what they're doing it for. And, like, every time we're like, oh, Manson, it's so scary. It's just like you're just fucking giving Manson what he wants. Right. Like, this is like by like, oh, they're so spooky and they're so evil. Like, no, they're a fucking bunch of jerks that don't even deserve a mention. They're right. a cartoon. Fuck them. The real person is the person who died. And that's what he's saying with the movie. Like here's the and like you think you want like massive the the cat. But the, you didn't the, the, show the, me the real person. That's the thing. Well, uh, what, what? sure we disagree on that, but you understand what I'm saying. You know, like like for me, like Sharon Tate is the living heart of the movie. You didn't see that at all, but like, you, but if if you saw what I saw in her, then that may help you with the end of the movie because like I feel like that's the core. It's like this is what I love. Like not Sharon Tate. You know, like Sharon Tate is a person what she could have been, but also real meaning and thought and love. Like healing goodness. That's what she is representing. And that's what he thinks of movies. You know, that's what he thinks of movies. And he sees this force um, of like, you know, the the ironic YouTubeification and uh, dismantlement of meaning and everything by seeing a YouTube video of like the hundred things wrong with Raiders of the Lost Ark, whatever the fuck it is, which I've seen like there are billions of these fucking things made and they're they're poison. They destroy meaning. Like it, it wrecks actual thought, meaning, and you go into a movie like this and you, and, and people like people just have knee jerk reactions to everything and then stop thinking about it. I'm going to make the hundred things wrong with this movie. <laughs> oh man. That's, YouTube. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that, would, yeah, that, that would, that would, that would, that would destroy me, but I, I agree with it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm not going to do that. Cause I agree with you on, on that. Right. right? I, and, and difficult it's it is a it is an it, it is a movie that is trying if you're with tarantino whether you think it's right or wrong if if you're upset he wants you to be upset and i think yeah. that's just the way it works and so like if you're upset about the things that particular in this movie that upset you that i would say that like whether whether you like it or not that's his goal then it it got to you in a meaningful way i guess that's that's my argument for the film yeah i just and you and you make some entertaining movies. Here's the, the thing. Okay, I also went into this movie very specifically having never seen a trailer or anything. Oh, interesting. Movie. Yeah, right. right. I knew nothing about it. Right. I knew absolutely nothing. I didn't know it had anything to do with Sharon Tate or right. anything like. All I knew was the title of the movie, right. and it involved Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, and it was directed by Tarantino. Right. That's all I knew about this right. film. So I walked in this film, and I watched, and that is, you know, really the ideal way to see any film. Right. Yeah. It's just totally no, no, just no knowledge. No, no knowledge. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh wait. Oh wait. This, that. Oh yeah. Right. This is what this film right. is. Wait, oh, hold on. And, mm, hold. you know, the thing is when you're, there's a, the, the part of your brain that's going, trying to analyze the movie, but the part of your brain's like, stop analyzing, just watch just the movie. Just be in the movie. Just sure. be in a movie. Right. And then, so you, you, Realize like, oh, I should, 
I wish I could pause and think about it for a second and then keep going, but I don't have that choice because I'm in a movie theater. In fact, I had to leave for like three minutes to pee really fast, right? right. So luckily I did that in a, in a moment that was okay. <laughs> but uh, When? I did it uh, during uh, uh, the time when the, the little girl was uh, talking to him about uh, – About acting. Right. About acting. Right. And I caught a lot of great yeah, moments sure. because that – by the way, that scene went on for way more than three minutes. Yeah, it's a long scene. It's definitely a long scene. And and, and so I caught most of it. Right. So I think yeah, I, I didn't miss anything. Yep. Unlike my wife when we watched uh, uh, The Matrix and uh, she raced to the bathroom right as he explains what The Matrix, <laughs> what the Matrix is. is. What the fuck is going on? And then What's so happening? after she came back and we watched the whole film, it's like, I still don't understand what the Matrix is. And it's like, yeah, you went to the bathroom and it's like, we're basically batteries. <laughs> and it's like literally that's explained in like three minutes in the entire movie and she rates it. The perfect duration of peeing. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so anyway, but, but so. <sighs> Do you want to know when I realized? Well, it doesn't matter. No, go ahead. No, go for it. But it's. Uh, when they started the movie and it said February, mm. I was like, fuck, this is going to be an editorial mess. <laughs> and I was right. I'm out. Uh, because I said yeah. August 9th or 8th was the time she was killed. Yeah, right? but it's a different day. The whole, most of the movie is a totally different day. I know, but I was like, man, you are going to fucking third act Goodfellas me all the way through right. until that night. And so I was it, like, So you would say fuck. pretty much – the Italian movie section. The, fir- the first movie so th- that you saw did, was. Great. Did you guys? You guys went in there knowing what this was about. No, I just knew. Sh- I knew uh, a little bit. Yeah. Sharon Tate. Yeah. I knew, I L.A. Knew, around the time. Sorry. My, shout out to my my my, uh, my good friend Mike Faraday, who is. Um, oh, Leo, I love Mike. Leo's, he's awesome. Oh, he's great. Uh, he is um, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, stand-in and worked on this film, and yeah. uh, and he had told me uh, about the production of the film and when they were shooting on Hollywood Bowl. So I knew a lot of like just like. Story, fun stories from the set, nothing specific about the story itself, right. but like, you know, just cool things they were doing and like all the redoing the stuff downtown, um, Hollywood and all that stuff. I was, so, and I knew what to expect tonally, uh, from the thing. Uh, like, he wouldn't tell me like the script, but like, he would definitely say, like, you know, we're shooting, uh, down in, uh, West Hollywood and the whole, like three blocks is done up in blood. And I was Crazy. just like, oh my yeah, God, I can't right. wait to see this fucking thing. Yeah. Well, they shot a bunch of it in, uh, on Burbank. Right, 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 right near my house. Like, There's a and, beautiful forest lawn shot. That's yeah, the there best is. forest the lawn great shot one. ever. Yeah. <laughs> driving. I know yeah. that drive curve. That drive. Yeah, so well, that's, that's not bad. But there's totally a, a when right he's there. picking her when he actually picks her up uh, when she's hitchhiking. Right, right. And he actually picks her up. That's that's near. That's like I literally had to drive around the other way to take my kids to the dojo. Right. Because they were shooting that film right, right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this this movie is like uh you know regardless of whether you know like the overall the, works like there's so many specific LA, if you if you live in LA this thing is just fucking yeah. it's an LA movie. It is it is a it is a, the Hollywood filmmaker's masturbation yeah. film. Oh, so yeah, that like, wasn't Cielo Drive. Where do you think they filmed that? This very movie. Right. <laughs> it's glorious. Where do you think they filmed that? It wasn't Cielo Drive. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I love I love that guy loves showing that. I don't know why. I can't figure out what it is, but I love that shot being shown twice with the two different like you see Polanski drive down 
Oh, and then and you, you see, see Pitt drive down. Yeah. And, and the they're both like what ripping out. Like, yeah, it's just fucking, I don't know. There's something in one's that. One's driving an MG, the other one's in a camera gear that's fucking oh, so beat good. up the shit. I loved watching. There, there's a Brad Pitt driving movie in this movie that's like 20 minutes long that I would just watch by itself. Yeah, it was beautiful. It's fucking great. Dude. Which one? No, just like if you cut together all of the, like when he's driving down Hollywood Boulevard, nice. when he's yeah. driving down Forest Lawn, driving out to fucking where he's living. And that, another good, that's another great gag, right? It's like you drive and drive and drive and drive and he's in, you know, wherever he is in like West Covina or whatever the hell he's living and it does this big he drives around to like this big panorama drive. city panorama city okay which so, is a shitty neighborhood yeah. that's where <laughs> like, terry gilliam was uh lived as a kid oh no really? kidding that's oh, he that's moved weird. from virginia to there yeah it's a fucking shitty city well it's I, like I, the, no well shouldn't say that i used to work right by there i used to work right by there yeah well, like, I know that. that yeah, gag. this is Sky Captain. Yeah, it was right around that area. That gag when it goes up, like the one big grand shot in the movie is when it goes up and just driving to the theater, and you're feeling like it's going to be like this is the big romantic moment. He's going to the drive-in or something nope. like that, and it goes around behind that. And he's the stunt man. He he works behind the scenes of the movies, and then he lives behind the movies. Like this is just, and he just lands there, and then you just see his big workout set and his yeah. dog in his car. I was like, that's fucking great. Like this is like I got so much of his character in this one action. I yep. was just like, this is this is incredible. I agree. Yeah, I so agree. Beautiful stuff in this thing. It's great filmmaking. That's true. That's you true. know who was the VFX on it? No, yes, Legato. No, who? Wrong. Who? I you saw said his yes, name. Legato. No, no, no. And you were one hundred percent wrong. No, no. I, <laughs> I saw his name. I I, I recognized. Yes, that. John Dykstra. Dykstra. Oh, John Dykstra. Yes. 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 Which I'm sure, which is interesting because Tarantino never likes to acknowledge the fact that visual effects were used. That's true. Yep. Uh, and they were clearly used. And I'm sure oh, God, a lot yeah. of stuff was done to make sure it was in camera. But there's only so much you can do. Oh, sure. Yeah, right? I mean, like, and, there's only so much you can dress a set. You know, it's like you're interrupting all of Hollywood Boulevard. And that's not that hard to to just set extension and sever it. And that's fine. Uh, I I don't know if they even use green screen. They probably just eroded it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the stuff of them inserting themselves into different movies and stuff oh, was 100 percent fucking yeah. great, it's incredible. That Steve McQueen business with uh, DiCaprio and the replacement, I was just like, that's awesome. I mean, like it's so great. I saw like, a little. Like well, it's oh, like, it's, a little, so, it's so it's such a great gag. Like it's beautifully done. Great. We should gag. do that for our website and just like put people in other movies. <laughs> yeah, it's oh a, wait, we it's do that idea. every time, Eric. And you do a fab. You should call Don John Dykstra. Maybe maybe he can oh, hire you for the next movie. No, our website is there's no technology used to make our website. No. It's made of wood. <laughs> it's beautifully yeah. constructed, handcrafted. Uh, teak and mahogany. For those of you who don't know, go to our website, martinjohn.com, and realize that every movie we talk about, we insert ourselves as, as uh, props done. into yeah. the movie. Co-host a whole... Eric Shealy. Yes. Yes. Very hilariously. Uh, and seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. So, I guess the sum up for the picture. Uh, How long has it been, by the way? It's two hours? Two and a half hours? 244. 244. Uh, the sum up for the picture for me is that it is, uh, it is a... Uh, this is secretly a movie about now. It's made to upset you in certain ways. I don't think that Tarantino was surprised by any of the upset that he caused, but I think that people should think about the context of what is happening in the film and why they're upset and whether the movie is actually supporting their view, which I believe it is. Uh, and uh, regardless of whether you dig the ending, there is so much masterful filmmaking going on here. It's got to be seen. It's just incredible. Peak performances from everybody involved. Yeah. And you may or may argue about whether or not the movie works, but man, oh man, when it's working. It works. It, it works. Works like a 
clock. Perfect, perfect, perfect stuff. Mm. There we go. It's like a really good tartar sauce. It just works. It just works. This movie was made by liberal liptards that that want to fucking make you a Hollywood elitism bullshit. (laughs) Wow, you sound like a Trump supporter. I'm kidding. Uh, No, I I agree. I actually do agree with everything you're saying. I just, I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. I am concerned about this movie because I I have this concern about how people perceive Hollywood elitism. I hear you. Absolutely. I I think we agree on this. Like, I think that there's a real... Really? You're concerned? Yeah, of course I'm concerned. That's how we got less. fucking Trump elected. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 100% with you. On you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And then if you're sitting there like with your like elitist point of view, like some fucking snob in an art right. gallery saying how wonderful this Monet is, yeah, that's, then that's the problem. Well, and specifically, you know, and not to go off all political, but like if you are doing – I'm sorry. If you're, if you're doing nothing to in, engage people who you need to have vote for your candidate and – you're insulting them horribly, then you're probably actually doing yourself and your point of view a disservice sure. because we'll get Trump again. So we have to figure out a way to work that out. Like well, that's, a, that's a reasonable way to say and it. I, and listen, if Trump is what we deserved and that's what we deserve. Do you like we, Tulsi? Say again? Do you like Tulsi uh, Gabbard from Hawaii? I don't know who that is. Right? Is that her name? I don't know who you're talking the, about. One of the presidential candidates. Oh no, I'm 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 sadly uh, I'm I'm not paying a lot of attention to it right now because it makes me too. But I I, I I like I said before, my opinion about this movie changes constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my strong opinion is that no, I don't necessarily want to accept this film as perfect mm-hmm. or anything of that nature. But I. What, how's, what's a good way to put it? Um, again, the things that I love about it are, or the things I hate about it are also the things I love about right. it. And so I think in a sense, the, the way it has affected me mm-hmm. is successful. It, it, that, I'm sure that he would be happy to hear us arguing about it. Right. <laughs> I think that is definitely Absolutely. his goal above all. Because, yes. you know, here's another thing that's – been interesting to me and especially mm-hmm. for us who work in the film industry and who work for people that work in the industry right. uh, there's a lot of people out there that love that basically when they work on a film they don't actually talk about why the movie was wrong right right they they, they say this was the best film ever it, we're talking about like stealth or whatever you know <laughs> they could be sitting there going bless, like this was the best stealth. film ever or whatever and it's like um you know, the emperor has no clothes, right? Right, right? But I think that sometimes it would be good for directors to be able to not deal with people that are uh, talking about how awesome th- or their films are all the time right. and actually right. talk, talk to critics of their film yeah. uh, and, and deal with that. And I think that uh, – I don't know. I, you know, like if, if Tarantino was sitting in this chair, I wonder how he would react. Would he sit here and be upset about the fact that we, some of us don't like it's, it? It's an interesting question. I, I you think know, that, because like, sometimes no I way. think there's sometimes some 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 directors, I've, as I've learned, uh, don't react well to people. I think he would want to argue because I think he can't help himself but be in the argumentative. Yeah, yeah, he seems like he he's wants, argumentative. He wants to be in, on it. and I think it's like the reason, like you know, it's like when we talk about the say the Bruce Lee stuff or any of this stuff, like right, like there's no way, like I believe 
you know, like from the evidence of watching his movies, let alone seeing his interviews or anything, knowing anything about him, like this guy thinks very hard about things like racism and he's very, very much against it in a really hardcore way. That's why he makes The Hateful Eight, which is equates yeah. uh, racism to uh, a viral infection, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Or why he makes an, uh, like a, a, a movie about slavery with Django. Uh, or why he um, like creates one of the great... Uh, like Him and Lucy Liu create one of the great um, uh, 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 characters that, uh, that an Asian actor has ever gotten to play in an American film in Kill Bill. Um, and or gives the lead to uh, Pam Greer in Jackie Brown. Like this guy has very strong feelings right. um, about not just like not in a very not in a casual way of just like oh you know what's bad racism, but he really wants us to think about how we think about stuff, and he's very confrontational about this stuff. So like even with something as simple as the Bruce Lee scene, like I think that he he, he can't be surprised that this got people mad. You know, certainly I'm sorry that Bruce Lee's daughter is mad. You know, that I, I'm sure he doesn't want to hurt her feelings about that, but like that it's there partially to get that conversation started. And I think that like, I don't know where that conversation's going though. Yeah, because because the, well, Bruce, I think, like, the only reason for the Bruce Lee story, honestly speaking, like if you're just going to get on the nuts and bolts, the only reason for the Bruce Lee scene is to portray Brad Pitt, Pitt as someone man, who can fucking kill in Brad Pitt's view. I understand right. what you're saying. Like that's but, that's the but, like that's again that, like, back to my point. Irresponsible filmmaking because that's, that's, because, that's my question. Okay. Because the the a lot of people are not going to pick up on what you just said. Right. I know. I, so, totally, I totally hear you. I totally hear you on this point because like he like for me it is like so it, that like, just he looks even like plays it long enough that you forget that you're in. His mind remembering. Yes, I do. Right. I completely forget. And so he really, he really goes out of his way to make sure that you forget the context before he snaps the context back. Right. And so, like the only key in that scene, I agree with you, is like he only puts the slightest key in that when he snaps you back from that context, it's very abrupt. And, right? and he goes, and, "Yeah, probably just right." And you go, "Oh shit, that's right. That was a flashback, right?" And so it's there to be uh, confrontational. In the same way that Pitt's character, even outside the Bruce Lee scene, is made to be confrontational. So, where, 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 just what, to finish my sentence. The, uh, that Pitt's character, by design itself, even without Bruce Lee, is, a, is a, a, a romantic lead of masculinity in the film and has been a horrible person. And like to hold those two things at once is to make you question yourself. That's the basic idea. So yeah, there's two ways you can – th- th- go ahead, Eric. I don't think he was portrayed, though, as a horrible person. No, he wasn't. Okay, fair, fair enough. I will, exactly. Let me, if I, if may it I was rephrase, comical. He's let wearing me, a let me, face let me, mask. Yeah, right, let me and rephrase you're like, that. kill her. She's a pain yeah, in the ass. Right, but again, from his point of view only. That's his flashback. And this is a movie in which point of view matters for the reality of what but you're that's saying. That's our only again, reference. No, but again, what, but I don't think people are going to notice. The, the, sure, see I, that that it's a point I understand. of view shot. I, th- I, think, yeah, I think that that's the key, though, is like he wants to create – uh, the controversy so that people talk about it. He wants to create something that's so entertaining that you sort of have to confront the problems that would have upset you. Right. Like, this is like, for me, that is responsible. It's just tough love. Like, that's like, he wants, do, he wants you to do the work as an audience member that he is criticizing other, like the Manson family ideal of just like, what if everything is essentially meaningless? And he doesn't believe in that. 
And right. so he wants you to think very hard about what you love and why you love it. Right. And that, to me, is the theme of the film. Like, why? Like, this is something to love, yet we want to see violence done to it in the end? Why? But he doesn't give enough time for you to love. I understand. I understand. I'm not, and I'm and like, the sure, only person sure. I really spent time with, or at least got immersively, was Brad Pitt. Right. And he's, he's portrayed in a very, very charming way. Right? Well, not even just charming. No, he's actually he not real. that charming. He's oh, just I mean, real. Like, a, like we, by meaning that, we, that, we, enjoy, that not, we enjoy watching. I felt he I was the say. most symbolic, really, of that he, time yeah, period. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, and he was, you know, Eric, and, and we've talked about this uh, many times, he is actually the exact symbolism of that transition from the Doris Day films. Absolutely true. He's like, this This moment in the movie yeah. is, the like, I think that Tarantino sees, the reason why he wanted to make this movie now is because he thinks now is very similar. Like, he, I think that he believes okay. that this movie, like, this movie is about the same thing we are going through The transition. Right because in Trump's America, we have had, everything has gotten so heightened that we are losing our sense of connection and meaning and beauty. Right. And we need to find that again because it is going to be gone, right? And this movie is a tragedy because the tragedy isn't in the movie. It's just outside of the movie. And if you don't know about the tragedy of the movie, then when you find out, then the movie is suddenly a tragedy, like, that's the beauty of the thing. And so he is saying, like, this is not just, like, a celebration of the 60s. It's saying, like, this is the moment we are in now. We are losing what what we mean to each other. And this is the thing that means something to me, he's saying, as Tarantino. And this is what we think we want to see, but do we want to see that? This is what we worship, but should we worship that? Like, these are the things that come up in the film all the time. And all those questions are answered by the Manson family as, you're right, it's all fucking meaningless. And Tarantino's saying, no, it's not. The meaning is right here, and you're missing it. When you're trying to give meaning, but you trivialize them as cartoon characters. He, this, that's what I'm saying. It's like the meaning is so, like, what we know about them, or if we don't know anything about them, but we'll, we'll discover it after the film if you, haven't, if you didn't know going in. Like, what we do know is, like, these guys are nightmare devils that destroyed everything, right? And then it becomes a permanent thing and locks it up as if you can't do anything about it. When this movie is about now, and we can do something about it. Like, do not take uh, the argument the Manson family is making seriously. Things are not meaningless. You can actually change this. Like, that's what it's saying. But we have to, uh, we have to look into what we really believe and find valuable in one another. Like, that's, like this, is what the, this is why you know, Brad Pitt's friendship with DiCaprio is a meaningful relationship. Brad Pitt is like a very questionable icon of heroism, you know, but there is something true in what is good about it. Like, even though there are things that really upset me and things that I'm like, why, how can I make this guy a hero in my mind when he is pointed out as doing things that I think are despicable? Like, these are things that are meant to challenge what I believe. But does a journeyman always have to be, or a narrator always have to be a hero? I, I, think, I think that it, it is asking you, what is heroic to you? What is in here? And what responsibility can you take for it? Because the Manson family is not about responsibility. <laughs> like they are about, they are, they are random fucking idiots who find no meaning in anything to the point where they, the Tarantino doesn't even give them the respect of but treating they, them as but people. But the thing is, in reality is they did have responsibility. Absolutely. And because the, they took care of the span guy. 
they cut their end of the deal out. Right. Well, the 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 idea is that the the tragedy of the movie is that they aren't cartoons in real life. They are real. But you have to know about them in order to understand well, the you, cartoon aspect. Right. So you don't like if you watch it through and you don't know, you have an entertaining fun time in the movies and it's great. And at the end, you're like, "What the fuck was that ending? It was crazy." And then you talk about it with your friends and you go on your Facebook and you find out, "Oh, the shit, that was real. And that woman actually got killed." That's weird and sad. Has anybody ever thought about the fact that Doris Day in the fifties, and then how things changed because it was rebelliousness of it, the fifties. And he, Manson really went out to kill Doris Day's son. Yeah, right. In reality. Yeah. He th- that's why he went to the house. He used to stand behind the house. That one scene was true, though, where he confronted and asked about them. Oh, really? Yeah, he oh. stood in the forest behind, and it was the hairstylist that came out, and he said, can I help you? And he's like, oh, we're looking for Terry. And then, <laughs> right. like, a week later right. or something... Uh, two girls walked onto the property hiding in the woods. They're like, is Terry here? Is Terry here? Right, right. And so they're like, no, man, Terry moved out. Right. You know, we're renting right. from Terry. Right. So um, that is, they really, you know, it was very important they got to that house and right. they knew their mission. And um, if you call it a mission, but it's really, uh, it's funny. It's like you, you try to rebel against that 50s idea. What do you guys think about the girl wimping out? That's a true I, story. I, th- I think. Well, and also, I think it's the it's she had kids. He, like huh? that she is had kids. Like it is the one human moment that he gives that crew. But that's historical accuracy. It, yeah, and he uses it. He like he totally. I mean, he could have cut it out. He's going to treat the whole thing like a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. But he he really points out like there's a human choice to be made here. You know, like if you if you go through this, you're believe me, you're you're in Roger Rabbit land. But if you leave now, you're still a person. And he gives it to her. Yeah. You know, there's, she, forgi- there's forgiveness to be had. She had two kids. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think they ever – there was ta- you know, the thing where they <clears> – the LAPD somebody didn't know fuck did it. Right. They right. only raided – I think they raided her house because – the ranch because it was stolen car stuff. Right. But she, Casabian, I think, Casabian, Casabian, yeah. was the girl that ran to the car and she went back to New Hampshire. And she had such remorse and guilt right. that she went to the Boston – FBI right. and, and cut a plea deal. And I'll tell you everything about it. That's why she now she basically changed now, her identity and she yeah. lives in New Hampshire. And now she, yeah, exactly. Now she's living the, uh, the good she lives life. In New, well, she lives in New Hampshire, <laughs> right, yeah, right. with a totally different name yeah, and totally exactly. everything. But, I got um, egg noodles and ketchup. But she still deals with that. <laughs> right. But she had two kids prior. Yeah. But the similar backgrounds, you know, like her father left early and so she kind of struggled, lived with cousins and so forth. So she really had a difficult uh, childhood just like – a lot of the other girls right. who had father issues and he preyed upon that. Right. Yes. He preyed upon, he's, he would always say, you know, you have daddy issues. Yeah. And then um, he really kind of preyed upon that and he was seeking revenge. And right. so the same type of revenge that Tarantino did uh, with the actors seeking revenge, it was like Hollywood seeking revenge on the Manson family members because somehow it destroyed Hollywood. Yeah, I, th- I think that he's. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing, right? Doesn't it always feel? Doesn't it? Yeah, but so is is vengeance the, the proper thing? He, he is. Well, I, my feeling from watching *Inglorious Bastards* and this is that he is. Uh, he it definitely is obsessed with the concept of vengeance and is a, and thinks it is a 
problematic and dangerous thing. But I also feel like it's an immature thing. And he, he, he agrees with you. Yes. That's so as a mature artist at his age would say, I'm going to go with the most difficult choice. And I'm not going to leave but, my okay, own Okay, kid. okay, okay, okay. Hold on. Just sorry. Just mm. real quick. The – I had this problem when I was talking about Pulp Fiction when I right. was and it's years and years and years ago when it came out and there was like, I love Pulp Fiction. And most of the people liked Pulp Fiction because they liked the violence right. and they liked – especially the younger generation, mm-hmm. right? They liked the I, violence. I they, love violence in movies. I absolutely I understand. Do. And they sure. liked this and it was like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And I was like, do you realize it's actually – Telling you the opposite. Yeah, because he strongly believes, and he said this, like, and I and I agree with him that the violence in movies and actual violence are two completely different things, right? To the human brain, right? And you can see this today with the with this. I'm sorry to bring it up again, but the terrible shootings that just happened, like like the Republicans are trying to blame blame this on video games, which is a bullshit argument. Which is the most bullshit argument of all time, because otherwise they would uh, the the streets of Korea would be littered with bodies. (laughs) What I'm saying. (laughs) Look, they're talking about that. We have a gun problem, but we also have a mental health issue problem in this country. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but nobody talks about that. They're talking about guns. It's like it's guns and mental health issues. Because, like, I I agree with you. Because, like, the the I think the the weak argument, and I'm very very much a left in Connecticut. The weak weak argument for that the left keeps making is that it's it's like it's just about the guns and not about mental illness. You actually do have to be mentally ill to shoot that many. You have to be the Sandy Hook child. Was, but had some serious mental issues. Right, the combination of being mentally ill and extremely easy to get firearms is what we got. Right, like that's like the yes. fact. I that just wish they would talk about mental health issues because I, I, I totally, like I mean, with I totally Sandy agree. Hook in Connecticut, and I think he had serious sure. problems, and they and were if, not addressed by the state. Absolutely, and the thing is, like the, we'd be having a lot or his less. Father, we'd be having a lot less mental health issues in the United States if let's avoid not to, this. Let's avoid okay, this. Okay, wait, wait. <laughs> just to say. That that what's your that, take on abortion, Dan? Oh, brother, we did this before. But the uh, so the like violence violence in media, right? Is like violence in video games does not make you a killer, no. right? Uh, and like <laughs> I said, if it did, then the streets it would be of a soul exactly. Korea would the be loneliness of using that as a crutch make you a killer. Well, the thing is, if you are a lone, if you are a killer, for instance, like for instance, if uh, like I bet if I play the say the um I uh. A, essentially a Friday the 13th style video game with my kids, right? Now, we get a lot of fun. Like, there's a lot of fun to be had in this thing is you're either playing the killer or you're playing the, the people that are running away. Now, if I'm playing that, I'm having a different experience than, say, someone like Ted Bundy playing that game. Like, Ted Bundy is playing that game because he actually likes killing people and that's twiddling that part of the brain because he is deeply broken inside, Right. For me, when I when I'm doing this, it's a totally symbolic relationship. And when Tarantino shows violence in movies, it's because he likes violent movies. I like violent movies. Everyone's like good gunfight and all this kind of stuff. But he and this is where I think he is responsible is he often will set up um, payoffs where he they are then like you. You have been saying you want this and now I'm showing it to you and you don't want it. Why is that? Like he does this in many of his films, but in particular in Glorious Bastards and this. Whereas like, here's the crazy violence you ordered. You want to go see a Manson family movie, but it's not working out the way you thought it would. It's different. And how does that make you feel? Like it's a fucking cartoon because violence is fun, right? And you go, no, violence is not fun. 
is the opposite of this. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that's what you came to the movies because it's so fun, so much fun. Right? And he sets it up to question you. Like, that's why he's doing it. Mm. You know? And it is entertaining and it is fun. But it's – like, The problem is but, I don't think that people are going to pick up on that. So this is the question that we were coming at before. Is so it's like, an insider's movie. It's, it's a, not an insider's movie. It it's, is. No, it's, I don't think it is an insider's movie. But it does bring up a very valid question. Was what, I think what you're saying is like, what is the – like, what is the filmmaker's obligation to explain themselves to you? And if they explain themselves to you, does that uh, take away your processing of that would be meaningful? Like you can just explain it and then people go, yeah, I heard you. And then they don't get it. If they go through it, it's something that they actually experience and learn from. I mean, I, I don't want to say, you know, like <laughs> – he could have ended the movie. He goes, by the way, none of this actually happened. Go back and look at the history. But, but doesn't it say that anyway? No. Like, like, but you like this is a massive wide release movie where people either if they go in and they don't know what happened, and then this crazy ending no. happens. There's some then, people. There's some people that then, that didn't know that the Titanic is a real fucking ship. I know, but see, this is see, this is where. <laughs> but he know. gave it a happy ending with him like, oh, he's you know, know now he's neighbors. And what happened if in real he, life? Yeah, no, but Very I'm saying, sad. <laughs> but he, he he closed the book. He'd, oh, I disagree completely. Yeah, but by showing him what, even if it's real or not real, that high shot of them in the driveway, right. hey, g- nice to meet you. Isn't it wonderful? It's Everything's just fine. Like, Look at this. Everything's fine. But the point fine. is that it's not, it's not, yeah, but it's, of course, but it's not. It's it not what happened. Yes, right? but it doesn't make you run to the history books. Well, I think that, mo- like, I will, I'll certainly agree that most people aren't going to run to the history books, but I think that it's impossible to have this movie be out and be successful and be talked about and no one mentioned that this is something that really happened. Right. I think that's going to happen because it's a wide release film. Right. You know, and it's going to be talked about because it's super entertaining, which is where he's responsible. I think what I loved is there was subtlety in the movie and depth to the movie, and then he lost depth for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I was a, a beautiful film and it was shot so well in the art direction and right. directing. But I think my problem was editorially. Mm-hmm. And story. And, and well, that's editorial. I mean, you can put images together and tell a beautiful story like blow up. You like the environment and the, and the, the story and the, and the, and the, the story yeah, and right. the characters. characters yeah. But I felt he had too many characters. He mm-hmm. showed too many cards. And then at the end, he um, – there was no subtlety. It's like if you – it's like, you know, you don't need to see her tits. It's like if you put her in an amazing, beautiful outfit, like a really great fitted um, corset or something, it, that's just as sexy. Meaning there was no subtlety in that kind of um, finesse or really kind of like um, – Here, I, it sounds really strange and I'm not trying to be pretentious. Uh, I'm, I'm not. You mm-hmm. can say I, I'm not but – uh, there's a guy, is Christian Louboutin, the shoes, mm, and right. I got, I collect books. I got my sister the book on his stuff. It's so fucking beautiful. They're just high heel shoes, right. but there's a subtlety to it, and you pick up nuances that could be, you know, you know, scary, sexy, everything. Right. And some of that movie was that, mm-hmm. and then, like, what the fuck, dude? What did you just do to me? You're right. wearing Louboutins, and then all of a sudden you're wearing a poncho. Right. It's like. 
Really? You're going to do this to me? It's literally, it's a hot chick wearing Louboutins with no clothes. Oh, yeah, we put a poncho on her. It's like, okay, thanks, dude. And it's, that's the way I felt. I was I like, you, why'd I you do you. this to me? Right. Because I, I really feel at that age and that sophistication of an artist and filmmaker that he is, that he would grow and not do the same fucking thing. I hear you. I and hear I you. felt editorially at the end, he was trying to persuade me with a little ding, ding, ding editorially. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like the, it's a brilliant movie. It could have been – I think my thing is it could have been so much better right. if somebody just said, don't put that in. Right. But that – when I walked out, I was like, somebody didn't say no to him. Right. Whereas right. I'm sure whoever was producing for him before uh, was like, I'm not fucking doing that. Right, right. I'm putting the money Especially up. the fact that the, everything – Cutting that, out of fear with limits that, that, that whole better. That whole scene with the, the, the people getting murdered, they set it all up. They were set up through the entire film, right? The flamethrower was set yeah. up. The, the 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 dog food and the whistling was set up. Yeah, it's all there. It's it was all set up mm-hmm. in a in a way to like here's and self-referential. Him him in the pool leading his lines. It was all set up there, and right. I'm like, is that bad? No, but it, it's like <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what movies do. I, I didn't have idea. a problem with that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. And yeah. yes, but, it is but, what but movies do. so 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 like oh yeah, well this is no, it's not a different thing it's all there right it was it was all there during the meaningful parts and mm-hmm. suddenly you took all the meaningful parts and made a joke out of them yes <laughs> thank you for saying exactly okay, what my I thing think. is at his at his skill i know what like, you're trying to get at does everything but the problem is i don't think people are going to pick that up i know in the is, same okay. way that people are not I like hear, i hear if, what you're saying listen if you if 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 when people watch uh, a Starship Troopers uh-huh. and they can't pick up that this is a fucking Nazi film, I, I how are they going to pick up this? I, I completely subtlety? agree. Okay, so here's okay. I completely agree with you. Okay, uh, in that this is this is a this is a thing that troubles me, and I'm constantly like, like I think like Starship Troopers explaining itself makes it meaningless. Right. Right. If you if you say if you give me a movie where it's just like you know what kids. Nazis are bad. Like, no, like I thanks under- a lot. I, 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 I understand. And, and but, Starship but, Troopers and, and, and this, should, just this to, film should not just, have done it either. Just, just to follow through, with, just with Starship Troopers. Right. Like, if, if Starship Troopers came out and said Nazis are bad, everyone go, yeah, yeah, well, you know, Nazis are bad. And instead, it makes you cheer for the Nazis. And then you're like, oh, fuck. That was, I just, I'm bad. I did that. But I no felt one, for no, it. But very few people are going to realize right. that. Well, this is what I'm saying. Is like, so you're split between telling people which is useless or maybe doing it in a way that they'll have a realization which is useful but only a few people will get it like i fall on the side of like i you gotta trust people are smart as opposed to thinking they're dumb and uh being didactic like this is where the elitism comes in for me i'm just like where movies go wrong is when they don't trust their audience to be smart like we're in a we're in a period right now where uh emotions Thanks to the chucklehead in charge, emotions on both sides are so charged that we no longer think about almost anything. We just have an emotional response and then say it really fast. And uh, and if you make a movie that says that 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 is arguing against that, then you have to make a movie that argues against that as the film itself. Right. 
you know, and it's just very, it's very tricky. And I just think that you have to like, like, yeah, I agree. Like not too many people are going to quote, like get it, but like they're going to experience it. And whether or not you think about it, whether or not you like have a realization yourself, you have the experience of it. And that does something to your brain. It's good for you. It's like, that's like, like it's an entertaining ride and all this stuff. And people that like don't think about it at all, but some moral calculation happened during that movie that is good for you like to experience. And if you simply came out and told me it, I wouldn't have the experience myself. I would just be told a thing. And then you just go, Oh, thanks for the fortune cookie advice guy. You know, like this is an experience I that you have. I still think deep down, I want to experience the, the Scorsese version of this. Movie. Oh, I hear you. Absolutely. And I, I just think that like, it is the, the daring thing to do is to not do that. That's the risky, daring thing to do. Right. You know, well, all right. I'm going to go on record saying that movie scene with uh, Sharon Tate was an add-on. <laughs> there it is. I, yeah. <laughs> Give I, her more meaning. Great. I'm, I'm, I, I, no, no, no. You, and, you, and I'm with you, Eric. I yeah, am let's, with you. Let's talk about like, what, what, are, what is your favorite. Just, just talk about happy stuff. Whatever your fa- What's your favorite one single thing in the movie that you can remember? What's your favorite moment in the movie? Because we can all, all agree on this. Oh, well, the what, bench no, what stuff it, with her. Mm-hmm. Um, with right, her or, or in the, the movie in general? There's a specific scene that just, Eric, just what's, your, what's, your, what's your specific scene that you remember that you really love? There's um, a lot of them for me. I, I love the scene where she puts his lap, her lap, head on his lap. Oh, in the car? Yeah. Yeah, that car scene is fucking great. Oh, man, that's a, cha- that's a charged scene, dude. Talk about a well-directed, well-acted. That's right. You could have just done the whole fucking movie about well, him. The, like, you do like the like. Wh- Everybody the, else. Who's was, the actor? Who's the uh, the woman that plays that? Here's the, the deal. Just quickly, uh-huh. just think about this. If you just followed Brad Pitt during the whole fucking thing, uh-huh. right? He killed his wife. Yeah. Okay. So you're admiring a killer, right. While it's a story about a guy who was a killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't need fucking uh, what's his name, I, DiCaprio. I they were all you, sidekicks. A guy you. I work for, and he yeah. busts my balls, and he's kind of rude to me. Mm-hmm. And when he, if we had a meaningful relationship, the way he said, "I can't use you anymore," right. was kind of a bullshit excuse, mm-hmm. considering I worked for you for nine fucking years. Right, right. All right. right. But he was cool about he's it because cool he's it. a drifter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The point is, you're rooting for a guy who's killed before. Right. In order to learn about the meaning of what this killer was, right? right. It's that. That's why I, I was like, I'm, I'm just totally fucking Brad Pitt, <laughs> and the totally whole movie. And tremendous. The point yeah. is, if a, 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 a stronger producer was in there, I don't know if it's stronger. They'd say, you know, the other actors want more meaty parts, blah blah blah, and then right. you're fending that shit off. It's like just do the fucking work. This is my vision. To to your argument, I bet like uh, like what would have what would have made this movie sing for you is uh, and uh, you know this is without uh, disrespecting Tarantino or the choices I think he's made, but uh, Sally Menke was his editor for a long time, and then she tragically died when she was hiking up in the hills. When uh, that was just after I want to say Kill Bill. And oh, uh, that's right. And I will. I will definitely. Was like, she murdered, or she had a no, heart she attack? No, she just no. She passed out uh, when she was hiking, and she fell into a ravine. I think it was really very. It's really sad. She was incredibly, incredibly good at it. And uh, and I will say for you know uh, for uh, people can like or not like his movies, the tone of his movies changes after that point for sure. Like the, like once he is in 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 more direct control of the editorial process, he he's making slightly different movies. And for me, these are still great movies, but they are they are different. 
And uh, I think that... But then when you take away Weinstein saying, you're not doing that, that costs fucking fucking money. We're not going to do that. That's a waste of shot. I got to get into theaters. This is my fucking money. (laughs) All day, he'd be like, okay, I don't really need that scene with her. I don't need this scene. Uh, We can do the Western shoot in four minutes. Not to discredit the movie, but it's like... Then you're 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 tight. Right. Your right. hands are a little tied. You are tight. Right. And it's like wow, it was so close to being a movie that I'd be, I'd probably watch at least once or twice a week. I I I, I and I felt like God, Brad Pitt is knocking out of the park. I, I hope that uh, that ultimately this movie settles into being that movie for you. Well, I think about it every day since yeah. I seen it, and that's a sign. Yeah. Rarely do I, you know, if I see a movie, yeah. I love it. I think about it for days, right. two weeks, two and a half weeks. Like every day, I was obsessing yeah. over bothering Carlo yeah. in my apartment below me, in the apartment below me in New York, and it was like holy kadoozler. and it was so fucking good. And yeah. there are movies like that. Yeah. This is just sunk in my brain. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, God. But, but the fuck. things that niggle at you, niggle at Well, no, you. I just yeah. felt like right. he needed somebody to right. say no. There right. was no editor in control. Well, I, th- I think that, and I've said before, like I'm a, I'm a giant fan of um, of upset. <laughs> so I think no, no, no. The, it's a movies, genius when, movie. When movies upset, but it's I, like, I'm, always, man, I'm always interested. You, you had me upset. going like. And my wife was like, well, it's a little meandering. And I was yeah. like, it's just the cutter, man. They got the wrong cutter. I'm yeah, reading yeah. it. I, like, I literally leaned over. I was like, this editor is like just saying yes to him all the time. Yeah. And then I'm going back to the movie. <laughs> She's like, it's too long to see. I was like, the editor is just fucking saying yes. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go on the record and say that it's uh, likely to remain in at least my top 20 films of all time. And I've never had a cinema experience quite like that. It's and beautiful. It's, it's really, really incredible in every way. And I'm, There's a lot of uh, – go back to your original question because mm-hmm. I think we lost track. Uh, what's your favorite part of the movie or yeah. acting, right? Um so while I think Brad Pitt surpasses DiCaprio in a lot of ways. It's, I mean, it's, we all agree that it's Pitt's best ever. Yes, like, it, in, absolutely. Like, I, I but love Pitt. Bad Astro but, looks beautiful. But it looks great. honestly great. speaking, yeah. DiCaprio's uh, sequence of falling apart oh, on great. set, beginning with him with his face dipped in ice. Yeah. I, I loved it. From that thing that. where he's like, I want you to be like, Who you want me to be producer? a hippie? You want to do it like, you want me to not look like me? And right. he's going through that whole process. Oh, God. Like, it's about him failing. Like, he can't, he can't stand the idea of changing at all. Right. You know, he's complaining that the world's passing him by, but he refuses to try to change. And you it, know, it's like, just amazing. Like, he's fighting, like, he's like, you need to be someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, but I'm a character actor. He's fighting his own character actor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and like when the director says, like, I want you to be this person. I don't want you to be fucking blah, 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 your old TV show guy. Right. I want you to be – I want you to really act. And you're like – you're like, you realize that he's been like – and this is what I'm saying. It's like, another thing is like it's acting is about not being a character right, of your right, own thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I, I, that's a little Hollywoody, but I, I know, and that's all the Hollywood elitism and stuff like that that's mm. going on there, which is something that I've been arguing about the whole time. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, but it was really good acting. It's Honestly true. speaking, those acting moments. And I, I really, were, yeah, it's were, incredible. Were, and I feel like he's, like I, like I said before, I think that that is like Tarantino. That's Tarantino in the film, and I feel like yes. it's like in and and he does this in a number of like in Glorious Bastards, uh, Tarantino's in the movie as Goebbels, the guy who's making the movie within right. the movie, and he's and he portrays himself as a cackling fucking 
jerk and a, like a, a pretentious cackling jerk. And I'm just like, this guy is way more self-aware, like aware of his image than, than, than people buy into. Like right. he knows how he comes off. Right. And like, you know, Goebbels in the movie is like, he does the same thing as DiCaprio does. Like Goebbels in, in Glorious Bastards, like when he's showing the movie, okay, which is basically in Glorious Bastards, within Inglorious Bastards, only for the actual Nazis, he's sitting next to Hitler and Hitler says, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen or whatever he says. And Goebbels starts to cry, which is what DiCaprio, well, that's the DiCaprio exchange. Right. You know, it's just like, that's the best acting you've ever seen. And, and DiCaprio starts to cry. Mm -hmm. Like that's Tarantino's experience. You know, this is him that is most pathetic, needing someone to tell him he's good when he worships these idols, you know? Right. And I think it's, I think it's beautifully open writing. And I think he's like, he's a very self-aware guy for as much as we think that he's not. And he, he makes movies that, you know, they're tough. I just, I just love, for me, it's just like, I love when things are, 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 are fucking prickly. I love it. I love it. I have to say. All right. So I'm just going to say that, uh, this movie stands on its own. Mm -hmm. I will see it again and again and again, and I will change my opinion about it for many more times. <laughs> I, I hear that. Uh, I, I just also in the back of my mind, I'm hoping for a Scorsese version of this movie. Oh, it's also Do, a brilliant film. Sure. Not, not to say that that needs to be made. Mm -hmm. but I don't think he can make it today. Now, Scorsese might be not today. Not today. Someone, something like that, you're saying. Like, Scorsese right. you know who it? could make this movie? Scorsese could have done it in the 80s. You know yeah, who, yeah. Yes. Easily, easily. You know, easily. if yeah. somebody took the script and made this, Villeneuve. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't. No. Get me going, don't, no. Villeneuve would all, but like, he would make, no. Well, you could give Villeneuve, like, give me the, give, here's Bazooka Joe, and you'd make a perfect film. <laughs> like, Villeneuve dude, is at the top of his film, fucking game. It would, top of his game. He would have fucking just. No, oh, dude. Like, he's, it, I, yeah, Villeneuve is, Villeneuve is like, a, and I, I hate to gush about this, dude, but I love his fucking movies so much. Yeah. It makes me feel But you like, know what it is? He's sophisticated he is director. Amazing. Okay. And so we just want to say one thing. Villeneuve makes me feel like it must, like people must have felt when Francis Ford Coppola was on his fucking hot streak in the seventies. That's right. We're okay. just like nailing hold it, on, nailing hold it, on, nailing hold it, on. nailing it. Hold on. When hold I on. was younger, just and Mr. Selznick told me at the studio in 1926 yeah. <laughs> that I remember that we were still on the gold standard, and I had a gold coin in my hand, and he came up to me and he said, "This is what makes a great director." I, I'm sorry, I'm going on stories. No, it's so nice. Yes, it's true. Those good old because Eric. And he doesn't look like it. Yeah. Look good, but he's, Mr. Yeah. Selznick. Yeah. yeah. It's just name dropping. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, if if Polanski, mm -hmm. if none of this actually happened to Polanski. Then then what does he do? Then like, then yeah. then then Polanski could have made this movie. Yeah, right. It's true. Polanski it's true. would have made an amazing version of this movie if yeah. none of this. If Polanski was happened. not Polanski, then he would have made a very uh, a really crazy version of this. Can movie. you imagine yeah. Yeah, the true. Polanski version of what this do you movie? Think, what, I mean, I'm sorry to be like no, it's, it's no. I think it's it's fair. I mean, it's weird, but it's fair. It's like because essentially that's what he does with Chinatown, right? Yeah, Chinatown is his. The, imagine his, a Chinatown yeah. version. Could of he have this made movie. a Chinatown app if that didn't happen? Yeah, I mean, like, you don't, obviously right? you don't want any of this to happen. But, yeah, Chinatown is the best thing that could possibly happen out of such hideous things. Like that is, oh, he by the way, I did watch, happened. and I, we should put it in the show notes, uh, uh, the Dick Cavett interview with 
Polanski. It happened two years. I after sent it the, to you. You did. Oh man, I, I watched that. Thank you, Eric. Did I send it to you? No, yes. I'm, 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 I sent you it said, to you. You sent it to me. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, the Polanski, Polanski is being interviewed by Dick Cavett, 1971, yep. uh, two years after yeah. this murder, about oh, about like his opinion about the press and right. how is how this whole situation was done. Yeah, fantastic stuff. We are at three hours, 24 minutes. How Excellent. do you guys feel about this wrapping up? No, I feel great. That was a, that was I a very, thought very it was going to be Dan's podcast. last show. <laughs> never. It got hot. Ever. It, hot under the collar, baby. Never, never, I ever. knew this was going to get hot. Never, ever. I no, knew no. this was going to – and by the way, I actually – I'm totally okay with fighting with people. That's all right. I'm done with it. I, I had a blast. I had a total blast. I, I I was not, that, was not, that was not an angry fight. That was, can that I, was can a I totally just, Can I just fight. tell a, a side story a mm-hmm. real quick on this? Because uh, uh, my, my first job ever uh, as a visual effects – uh, supervisor mm-hmm. uh, on a commercial. I was doing a Subaru commercial, which, by the way, got nominated for a VS award. So it yeah, was actually it very, very. It was my first job as a visual effects supervisor. Right. Um, uh, that uh, I fought with a director on this about certain aspects right. of it. Right. Right. And we fought about it. Yeah. And um, the my my EP said. You know, the commercial came out and everything was great and was nominated and everything else. And then my, my EP says, it's like, well, we have another bid with the same director. Uh, you, you probably don't ever want to work with this guy again. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Look at it turned out. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting is, is how we get great art done. Dude, I couldn't agree more. And, and, like, and there's nothing so more I, worth I've fighting with than people that and I've just got my ass handed to me. <laughs> I know, Eric, and, and actually, this is what I I I I, I know what you're saying, uh, and that happens. Uh, but and and I I basically went back to the director after we bid, you know, for the second job, and I said, by the way, you know, this th- I've had this conversation with AP, and and he kind of snickered, mm-hmm. and then he goes, yeah, we disagreed. And I was like, I just want to make sure, like, I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah. Hey, man. Be, and 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 I'm and and I would love you to turn my mind around because mm-hmm. if I just blindly agree with you, then I don't feel like we're 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 struggling to get to the part we need right. to get to. Right. And uh, and that's kind of what I was doing with you. Oh, I totally agree, dude. I mean, this is like like we ain't kidding around. It's like we love movies the way you love movies. Like right. I, I'll fucking go to the mat. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I actually think sometimes like fighting about stuff doesn't mean you disagree and you walk away. Yeah, no, no, no. no I, 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 I'm, I'm all for it, brother. I'll have I'm another it, another good. another example uh, is is I was third year architecture school. And I was presenting something on on the boards that I was doing. When you're in architecture school, you have to present your projects and you have a jury, literally a jury of people that critique your work. It's very hard. It's actually like the the architecture school teaches you how to get beat up really bad in public uh, presenting your personal creative work. Right. It's a fabulous exercise that is torture, and you should they do it. It's good for you. I used to go it's to those. Yeah. Jury, sister, juries in architecture my school. My sister went to architecture school mm-hmm. for grad school at Yale in the 80s. Yeah. And she would call me up, and I would drive to New Haven and because uh, in high school yeah. or when I was out of school, in undergrad, and mm-hmm. I would go. And Tadao Ando was her teacher. Yeah. Tadao. So, oh, Jesus Christ. It was 87, 86, 87. Oh, so that was a teacher. So I'd go up and sit on the class. I would go down to the painting department downstairs right. and like check out the painters. That's what I wanted to go to painting school. Right. To, uh, 
And but um, yeah, so I would go and visit on her. Uh, she'd be charretting, and then they would do the whole thing, and I would sit in on those. And everyone just gets so sensitive. I've been, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, "What?" It was just well, like this is the thing, dude. Well, it's like now I didn't go to college, but I've been through many similar things where it's like when you do the art crit, right? Like an art class or whatever it is. Like the value of doing this stuff is that it teaches you that both, like whether it's good criticism or bad, whether whether it whether people hate the shit or not. Right. It teaches you to use those things as tools so you can evaluate your own thing. Right. Like it's not like who cares if someone hates it and who cares if someone loves it? Like just listen to what is motivating what they're saying and whether or not those things are useful to you. And so like when we when we argue about a movie, right? Like that's not like it isn't arguing over who's right about the movie. It's like we're use like we're these these are the tools we're using to see how we feel about the movie and like trying to understand it. Yes. Like this is like, that's the value of doing it. Like what's, what's the fucking meaning here? And we're trying to chew on it. Like that's, Absolutely. that's, that's what it's for. So, so, so I was, I was in that shred and basically I was also known as back in the, you know, early nineties, I was one of the only guys that was using computer graphics to do renderings of architecture. Right. right? And so everyone was looking forward to like, Oh, let's see Chris's, latest computer renderings of his thing because everyone else was hand drawing stuff sure, it was normal right, right? right and so i was like no i'm just going to build it all in 3d and do some renderings of right. it and they're like well chris is cheating because he's using the computer right. to do all these images right Old control architecture right <laughs> so i presented my project and i tried to present something right. about it and and you know i don't necessarily think it was the greatest you know design or whatever sure. at the time but i was i was trying to explain something about my actual design choices, right? Mm -hmm. And so then Lars Lurup, uh, and I'm calling him out by name, was the dean of the architecture school at the time, mm -hmm. basically bashed my work and said, yeah, whatever. You're just right. presenting all these computer images and you're it's all about the picture right. and not about the story. Right. It's like pornography. We don't care about the story. Just give me something to masturbate over, is what he said, <laughs> that's, right? It's an amazing little bit of critique right there. <laughs> Which is what Lars does. And right, right, right. Like, right, you yeah. know, I don't think he actually used a masturbation word. But uh, at which point everyone was like, ooh, because yeah. he, he does that all the time. That, that's, his, right. that's his prerogative. He's the right. dean of the architecture right. school. He can say what the fuck he wants. Right. Small architecture school, by the way. He's at uh, like almost every jury. Right. Um, and so uh, – at which point I looked at him and I like had my little notes and stuff. And so I was like, oh, oh shit, Lars beat me down. I basically fucking – because I'd been up all night, right? And I was right. tired. I knocked down my notebook and I said, no. Right. I come to this architecture school. Mm -hmm. I pay your salary. Yeah. <laughs> you work for me. <laughs> You don't, you don't tell me – you don't give me this lazy bullshit about my right. look-liking pornography. Right. You critique my design. I am here to be right. educated as a designer. You don't critique the right. tools I use to represent that design. You tell me about the design instead. And right. I basically like fucking went off on him and everyone was like, you just yelled at the dean of the architecture school. That's at right. which point Lars like suddenly had this great respect for me, right? Because yeah, fucking toe the line, you, you stood up. Yeah, yourself. you know what? And then after like two years later, I was like, well, you know, I had to choose my advisors for my thesis project, and Lars was was my key advisor. And they're like, you chose Lars, but you hate Lars. It's like, no, 
don't you realize what happened at that time? Mm-hmm. Is Lars and I actually gained respect for each other, yeah. and like he realized my point of view, yeah, and I can say it how it is exactly. Yeah, because I'm not going like to fucking just sit there yeah, and I like totally I'm not. And when I and when I when I left architecture school and went into the real world, I'm not going to sit there and go. I'm going to work for Gensler Architect and I want to make sure that I please Art Gensler. Right. You know, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to be myself and Art Gensler is going to respect me for being myself, yep. right? Yep. And so that's what it is. That's, that's what it comes down to, man. I think that, like, that's the, that, like, when when we chew over stuff like this, when we talk about art and what it means, like right. you don't want to fucking pussyfoot around that. Art is important. <laughs> like, yeah, like like this is that's that's the real deal. Right. There's and nothing that I will. There's nothing I will go to the mat over more than uh, than art. art and back to your point, things. Eric. I think that you know, back to the editing point of view. What you said is like, I think that the editor who died, who we talked Sally about, Mackie, the great Mackie. and and she 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 did. She probably fought back. Oh, Somebody without, did, without a doubt. Like, and, 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 and clearly, whoever did this movie did not. One of the one of the sweetest, one most yeah. wonderful things you can see. Is, I forgot which uh, DVD it was on. Oh, there's, a collect, there's well, no, this is uh, Hey S- Sally, Hey Sally. This the the Hey Sally clips. Yeah. Like with uh, with every time they they brought the sticks, uh, every just when they're filming, they knew Sally was going to get the the dailies and check them out, and they'd be like, Hey Sally, Hey Sally, Hey Sally. Tarantino's throwing together the, all the clips of High Sally's uh, as a as a tribute to her, and I'm really, really, really. It's a my beautiful heart. thing. Really, really sweet. Just so people understand, when you're shooting a film, as you know, uh, you 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 click the clapper, which or or, slate. or, or the slate, right, and that, which marks the point. So you say, you know, uh, scene twenty two, mark, you know, two uh, J, take four, click. Yep. And you do that because the editor needs to know exactly which take and everything else is going right. on, and you, and you have to match sound with picture. Yep. So whoever whoever does the sticks, or also known as the the slate, uh, does that. Well, what they do at the end because they know the editor is going to see all of this. Yeah. <laughs> they say, "Hey, Sally." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's kind of beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty great, dude. And I can tell you from uh, just from uh, Mike's tales about the set, like. Like the uh, for him working with Tarantino and that crew, yeah, like it was the, one of the most movie loving great times yeah. that they've ever had, and I think it shows it shows on his pictures. Like the like they constantly chant like we love making movies, like they love making movies. Yeah. Dude, that's what that dude knows. And that's okay. And that's okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. But yeah. this this movie has a lot of digesting to do, and uh, and. Uh, I went through a little bit of heartburn through this podcast. I knew I was going to go through that heartburn. Uh, um, and uh, I honestly, I, I didn't sleep that well last night. Oh, I hear. And it wasn't, and it wasn't just about the film. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking about us, like literally the three of us on this podcast and like what we mean mm-hmm. and why, you know, we're, are we fanboys that we've been accusing everyone else of being <laughs> like all of these oh, problems. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but also, <laughs> you know, but I'm an acute, like I felt, do you, know, do you know what I'm trying to say, Eric? I don't. And I'll be honest with you because I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, sometimes I do, but on stuff like this, I don't fucking care what people think. It's just, I sit down and hang yeah. out with you guys. I know. And talk about just go for it. No, like, but fuck Eric, the fanboys and everything. Yeah, but, I don't but, but we online. are fanboys too, right? No, we're not. We're just 
but we're we, talking about films and we're artists talking about films. Well, yeah, like oh, I think that like what, what that we we because we like we, we've covered defend them versus fans. Yeah. Thing. So like I mean, for instance, like there's things that I like. So we we lean a lot towards say '70s movies, for instance. Like we not love, me. Oh, what are you talking about? And uh, and whether or not we sort of fetishize those and above above new releases and stuff like this. I I hope that. I don't do that, but I know that I'm old, so I'm sure that I do it at least a little bit. And like that's just what happens. Your brain yeah. cells lock up, so you uh, we we must fight against being fanboys of our own history. That is certainly something we got to keep an eye on. Yeah, just 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 to keep an eye. And I really appreciate your point of view, where it was it was it was good, but I think we have to keep ourselves in check. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we were thinking about it anyway. Okay. We about it. Uh, uh, last note before we wrap up, Eric mm. has brought in uh, the wooden snake that was mentioned on it's a different amazing. podcast. Hopefully we'll have a photograph of this on the site. I'm holding the wooden snake right now. Maybe this we can include it. Okay. So right? the Poltergeist podcast. That's so. no, it was Which like was a couple of weeks. It was the last one. This is the, this is the wooden snake that uh, I found Eric in my wall, found in the wall. And it, in fact, has been paint the on one side because the way it was stored, uh, people didn't even know they were painting a snake. Yeah. It sounds like a metaphor. Right. So <laughs> It was in between two vertical two-by-fours. Okay. Yeah. Here's what I, I suggest we do is we include the snake in one of the background pictures of this <laughs> podcast. So it's a the cool pod- snake. So the cool. podca- this podcast is obviously going to be the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood podcast. Uh, right. And we'll do a whole bunch of pictures because Eric is so fantastic – in those, and we will include this snake as a prop in many of those pictures, so you guys will get a look at it. Yeah, look at the it snake. does look like a duck. It's got a duck head. Yeah. It's like a duck snake. Yeah, it's a, like it has a happy little duck face. It actually, looks. You know what it looks like? It looks like um, uh, Gertie the dinosaur, uh, the first animated uh, uh, anything right. right there. Gertie the dinosaur. Well, you know, I have a feeling because my house is 1923. I'm the third owner since the house. Yeah, this is in the house back then. Yeah. I think it was the first. Uh, owner, Mr. Hoover, Mr. J. Edgar Hoover. That is J. Edgar Snake. Yeah, there's a lot of ladies' dresses stuffed yeah, in the walls, too. Yeah, I don't get it. Kept, a, kept the wood snake and yeah. all sorts of other. I wonder where he put this. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Interesting. What? That's <laughs> true. Oh, J. Edgar. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. Yeah, it's pretty great. You'll uh, look for it on the website and look for it in the uh, the postings. It's, really uh, strange, it's though. The, it's the Martini Giant. It definitely is twenties, though. It's Hopefully, the- <laughs> you guys will enjoy this uh, this this, this uh, very uh, controversial podcast. I'm very excited, and uh, please, um, if you hey, if someone wants to fight me online, fight me online. Let's do this. <laughs> I don't think I don't I'm know. not a fighter online. I'm a nice guy online. You're a nice guy online. Actually, you you you, you are a nice guy online by staying. Offline, yeah, that's probably best. <laughs> that's the best way. Don't that's the best way. Good. Yeah, I know. I know. My 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 online persona is actually fairly unopinionated. Yeah, no. my podcast. Well, this podcast technically is online, but my yes. podcast version is on this podcast. I I, I say it like it is. I'm not holding back. There's no point in doing anything else. Nope. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Drink, talk, drink. drink.